on this episode of Those Conspiracy Guys, we pop on our small hats of inquisitiveness and dive deep into the honestly unlikely history of one of modern civilization's oldest and most powerful financial forces. A family so steeped in secrecy, intrigue, suspicion and unimaginable wealth that they're allegedly at the deep root of almost every conspiracy that could be concocted by the human mind. This time, we're talking about the Rothschilds dynasty. From fairly inauspicious beginnings in 18th century Frankfurt, Meyer Amschel Bauer, later Rothschild, became an innovator and a shrewd businessman, despite the German laws and culture being almost entirely and very actively anti-Jewish. Extra tolls, taxes, fines and tariffs, as well as restriction of movement and even compulsory housing in what became a ghetto, all made it very difficult for Jews of the time to exist, never mind to excel. Meyer had some chutzpah though, and he used some uh, out of the ordinary techniques and circumventions of civilized society to basically blag his way into the company of the good and great of German high society. This went all the way up to princes and kings. His ability to see loopholes and roadblocks to business practices undertaken by these paragons of etiquette and then exploit them with seemingly audacious behaviour gave him the innovative position to leap to their level of wealth and success quite quickly. Meyer had ten children, five boys and five girls, and because the women couldn't carry on the name and inheritance, well, he wasn't too pushed on their position in the family business. Meyer took his five sons and trained them in the ways of numismatics and politics. Meyer saw the opportunities to do business no one else wanted to dirty their hands with, and societal constrictions of the time meant that he and his family could have a business trading and moving wealth to and from the rich. The grand deals that Meyer and his boys made in the last half of the 18th century made them so much money that they were wealthier than some of the governments in the countries they lived in. War bonds, gold, coins and currency exchange were all open markets at this time and a small bit of knowledge about how to move and change money, a bit more knowledge on war and politics and another little spritz of being able to understand the psychology of the ultra-wealthy made Mayer and his sons the richest family in the world. These sons were sent to the five winds all across the world to establish banks and begin dealing with governments and military forces, financing both sides of wars for like Napoleon and the British, the American Revolutionary War, and providing government assistance for many other international operations that put them in seats at tables reserved previously only for kings and dukes. This episode brings us right up to the time of Mayor Rothschild's death. And will be followed by more concerning World Wars 1 and 2 and the creation of the central banking system as well as numerous other Rothschild adjacent tales. But this episode is a story of a man who, despite all odds, became one of the richest dudes to have ever lived. Now what he and his family did after that is a whole different story. But for now, let's go back and see where it all started. So join us co-conspirators as we weave our way through the winding streets of 18th century Frankfurt searching for the little wooden hatch of truth, adorned with a small red shield, hoping to be handed rare and delicate coins of understanding and maybe a few jewels of honest truth, as we discuss one of the oldest and most mysterious families in our everyday conspiracy lexicon, 
in this, the first part of many on those conspiracy guys. This time, we're talking about the Rothschilds dynasty. to another episode of those conspiracy guys this time we are on our way to frankfurt in germany to investigate one of the most mysterious and wealthy families possibly in human existence this time we're uh, having a having a <laughs> having a poke around the rothschilds uh, family chest this is the rothschilds dynasty episode and uh, before we get to kind of down the rabbit hole on it um i just want to let anyone know to temper expectations. This is a huge story. This is like a world changer. This is like a a, a viewpoint eviscerator, right? The, the amount of times on this show that we spend talking about the them, the they, who the they are, it's probably Jews. And who's running the world behind the scenes? Who's like who's behind like New World Order Jews? And who has you know a, a grasp on the financial future of everybody in the world, Jews. And these, this, like, I mean, inconsequentially Jewish family, uh, the Rothschilds from, from Frankfurt, Germany, are possibly up there in the top of the, uh, top echelon of the, uh, this dark nobility of oligarchical control that the world operates under. Uh, the finance system, uh, like war, politics, um, even, you know, the movements of people and the uh, operations of our minds through mainstream media and, you know, political manipulations. Like, the Rothschilds are right up there, right? So I wanted to do a, a series. It's the first in the series. It's probably one of, for my calculations, about four episodes. So this is the dynastic history of the Rothschilds starting around 1760. And I don't think we get much further than about the year 1826, maybe 1830 max. So we're talking about just post-Napoleonic Wars. So like, don't expect us to be talking about Hitler was a Rothschild or blah de blah de blah. Uh, there, there's going to be an episode on the Victorian era Rothschilds, the banking cabal in London as a city, uh, uh, like London, Washington DC and the Vatican as like finance, politics and religion controlling the world, those kind of you know, the, the the Illuminatus trilogy and all this kind of stuff. Um, that's kind of one episode leading us all the way up to World War One, And then we're going to have the Rothschilds during World War One. So we're talking about the Federal Reserve creation adjacent. We're going to talk about them, um, um, the, the, uh, the, the Bismarck kind of times in Germany and how Rothschilds pushed all that stuff through. And then we're going to talk about like the creation and funding of the National Socialist Party in Germany, all the way through the 30s, through World War Two, all the way through the Holocaust, Jews, and all the way through uh, the creation of the State of Israel and the Zionist movement. So this is all coming ahead, right? Like the fellow with the wheelbarrow, it's all it's all ahead of us, right? So don't be coming into this thinking, ah, oh, we're going to get the fucking, the full length. This is just a tip, just for a minute to see how it feels to get you wet. If you want to stop now and wait the two years it's going to take to make the other three and just bookmark this, feel free. But this one is literally two pumps and a squirt, tip only. 
from 1770, 1760 to 1826. It's going to be great. We're going to find out about the history and kind of the systems that the world operates under now because shit don't change, son. Like, this is the OG plan of how to run the world. Very, very interesting. Uh, super uh, heavy amounts of research. Books and books and books and books. And I name all the books. Now. You can get a list of all the sources. So with that out of the way, I want to welcome to the studio, uh, two, two of the finest white lads I know, uh, one you've heard of many times on this season uh, from the Pyramids episode uh, and many others. What other ones do we do? Pyramids. Blue oh, Project Bluebeam as well, yeah. And uh, 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 OG, he's in the money show, so I asked him back for this one because this is all about money. Cheers. And uh, <laughs> the, uh, the the crown prince of Carrick Macross, and uh, he, he, he hasn't worn long pants in... Uh, I think months, uh, Mr. <laughs> Shane Brown. Welcome, to the show man. What's the crack? Hello. Th- thanks for uh, thanks for coming over, making the trip once more. Cheers. Uh, this one's gonna be heavy, right? We're yeah, get right into the money. I, it's more. Uh, I'm kind of a little bit more impressed than I'd care to admit about parts of it. Like it's, I it's, mean, it's interesting. It, uh, it, ostensibly, they are what they are. They do what they do, and like you can't. No, no matter what your prejudice, you got to respect the fucking grind. Mm-hmm. Speaking about the grind, this man. Uh, never stops working he's like a fucking Swiss watch he is still hanging on proudly to possibly one of the most audacious haircuts <laughs> uh, that I've seen in modern Irish times you may have seen him on many a stage across the whole country indeed in the UK as well and uh, star of sc- stage and screen big and small silver and silver screen what's the TV, TV what's the TV screen Silver and Plasma. (laughs) Sponsored by uh, Pit Viper Glasses and from the Bookshot podcast, uh, Mr. Tom O'Malley. Thanks for coming, bud. Delighted to be here, as as always. Great to have you. Nice moustache. Perfectly manicured and coloured. Yeah, it was a a shock to all of us in the family because the last time I had face furniture, it was all one colour. And then... All kind of a brownie... Brownie kind of a colour. And then... I said, well, I'm growing a moustache over lockdown because I love a good old moustache. Who doesn't? The flavour saver. And it ended up being like I've been sipping on milk like halfway yeah. down. And the amount of people now because I'm back doing gigs have gone, class, you dyed half the moustache. I'm like, you've known <laughs> it's not me. Die. You think I am Hulk Hogan? If you know what me the fuck? for three seconds, you'll know I'm not the bloke that's ever going to dye his moustache. Yeah, you look like a, a puppy that's been drinking out of a saucer of cream. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. class. Or uh, remember in Turner and Hooch and uh, your man, uh, Tom Hanks goes <laughs> yeah. to the dog, uh, come here, do you want to see these pictures of kids I have on my phone? No, he doesn't say that. He says... Uh, <laughs> You look like you uh, swallowed the tennis shoe and he has all this all the drool hanging down the sides of his mouth or whatever. I know. But it's um it's audacious. It I do is, love it. it you know, if you grew it all out, does it all come in like salt and pepper? Is, all, is it all Burt well, Reynolds-y? That's where the I think it's I that's where the surprise. I think that's the next stage in the journey to see what happens next. <laughs> yeah. I think um, before you cut the hair and the and the mustache, you gotta go full beard, full hair. I but I, I'm just finally realizing the logic behind the handlebar moustache because I never, I never thought about it before. But you don't have to deal with the shit I have to deal yeah. with, like when you're eating all the fucking the embarrassment of having half oh, your plate on your Norman, chin. That yeah. is where the the, the trough uh, it it spills it's it spilleth over. Yeah, and you get rid of all the fucking track down yeah. here, all yeah. the headland grass down here, and you just leave a lovely hedge 
just just a sur- I love a bit of shrubbery around your mouth. Do you know? And you get rid of the the, the it's the crabgrass growing down underneath it. Do you know the lads in Italy when they grow beards like that? They always shave uh, this part like where the sole patch is and on the chin. And in Italian, they call it the courtesy. First, huh? so that they're not irritating the uh, perineum. Yeah, yeah. This is called whatever courtesy is in Italian. That's what they call it. Le courtesy. And then if you leave the if you leave the soul patch, you gotta bro, be a cocky fucker to be thinking like that. I mean, uh, if you leave the soul, you're gonna shave my leave, beard, <laughs> my beard in a way that's gonna please all those vaginas coming in my future. <laughs> what a fucking asshole! I'm sure there's women out there that do have the preference. Are you? Are you? Per, per, uh, perineum positive or is it like no 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 smooth only on my on my you know my my nuzzle box or whatever <laughs> but if they do leave a soul patch they call it the cunnilingus in uh, <laughs> in Italian because it helps to do just for a texture change you know so I'm not going to embarrass your good lady uh, it wasn't and ask the, it her wasn't which she prefers but, but we can all kind of presume because your beard has been yeah. perfectly manicured for uh, you know Irritation free access So look at I, I like it Good on me is what I'm saying Yeah I think It's very considerate man yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very considerate Tom Consideration <laughs> Omani um, Bookshop Pod is doing flying man We just released the In the timeline I know I'm, I'm cheating now By telling you what time of the world it is But just released that Israel Keys episode That we were uh, We had made And um, Yeah Bookshop Pod man It's, it's flying up It is great, flying up Great guests over the last couple of weeks Craig Doyle And um, few few other Irish heads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Craig, like Craig Doyle was great because he was. Uh, it, it was, I suppose, what you wouldn't expect from what is such a silver tongued, well polished man. Yes, and he completely dropped any <laughs> all sorts of f bombs. Uh, uh, but you know, it, and it was exactly what I was hoping, and that's what I've described uh, Buckshot to be is that I give people a platform who I know I, I had an inkling that he had a bit of a bit of wildness mm. in him, like. And I literally just pulled the latch on the gate and went, off you go, son. Like, we kind of grew up with his face everywhere when we yeah. were in our formative years. And, and then he just kind of disappeared one day. He disappeared back to the BBC. But and I know, wondered where he went. And he tells the story on your show. He tells the story That's the as thing. to how he ended up being poofed out of Ireland uh, for the want of a better part of the pod. <laughs> poofed out of Ireland. But he got cancelled on Twitter. He did. He got cancelled on, before there was Twitters, he was getting cancelled. And it, it, But again, it was it's indicative of, of the kind... The, the platform I give my guests is yeah. to just go, let her rip tater chip. I'm here for you. Yeah, yeah. And don't worry, Daddy Tom will look after the. It does get it does get outside of the realms of regular, uh, what I would call uh, infotainment. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like usually there's a cunt doing the rounds and the beyond fucking ten shows and and then, and you're like, so uh, what's going on? You're well, I've just released this book. Oh, that's the reason you're here. But like you be getting people that have, you know. There'll be a while over Thursday evening. Like, I'm like, I had to cancel handball this evening. Do you want to do a podcast with me? Yeah, come on in. Like, catching them on the hop. Well, that's where and I... And it's in the truth space. That's you know? where I find that's the best place to catch people, isn't Not catch them, but at the same time, going, look at, we'll relax now here this evening because you're not pushing. And if somebody's pushing something, I nine times out of ten, will turn them down and go. But they've done ten other of the same shows yeah. and ends up becoming a repeat performance. You've caught people, I think, that just before, like, on the cusp of their, like, resurgence back into fame mm. or... You know, this kind of thing. You're doing it, what, five years now? Five years. But, I mean, there's... 240 episodes. Uh, it, uh, that's not including, like, the Ramble Pods. And you have a fairly well-stocked Patreon as well. Right? Yeah, yeah. Because the Ramble Pod, then, is the midweek one for purely the Patreons, where I just let it rip. And yeah. it's loosey-goosey. It doesn't go out anywhere else. There's things said that wouldn't be able to be said in the outside world. And I... Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, by the city. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, but by the same token, I mean, I would, I don't give a shit, so I would say it really to a degree in the outside world, but I'll answer it honestly to the Patreon's questions going, here, Tom, who's a cunt? Yeah, yeah, and I'll yeah. tell them. <laughs> and it doesn't get recorded or published. It's well, just the, the, the live moment. one, the live one where I bring patrons on to have a chat, that doesn't get recorded. Yes, yes. So they can basically rinse their neighbour. Love it. And get it off their chest. And then it's, that's where it lives. Like a pub chat, that's where it lives. Nice. It lives in, in the never, never. So, but I, the Ramble Pod is put out, is me basically answer questions but also subjects of the day and my week and then just having like as we're talking so now we're talking politics we're talking sport we're talking mental health we're talking every, like, whatever's going on in the news people, co- popular culture people have dropped things on me like I don't go after the, so- the sob story because there's other professionals <laughs> there's enough professionals misery being, yeah there's yeah. enough misery but it's sometimes me- like Tom Savage he's a journalist that's a very funny but very talented journalist uh, that specifies in Monster Rugby we didn't speak about almost anything to do with rugby more so we were just having a right good time and then boom he says so what are you doing since the last time I saw you Tom in the last two years well I had a mental breakdown and was uh, diagnosed with uh, paranoid schizophrenia let me tell you about that and in 25 minutes of my jaw on the desk going well that's the most terrifying fucking thing I've ever <laughs> yeah. heard in my entire life that's a fellow who doesn't have to listen to podcasts he's already got the voices going on his head oh, unbelievable but yeah. th- things like that not madness where, but, but shit that you wouldn't expect from the people that you think are this way and you you go to comedian Aideen McQueen we're chatting away having a great time and all of a sudden she says well yeah I signed up to sugar baby sugardaddy.com and before I knew it the drink had taken a hold of me and I was living in a mansion in London for after two years drinking in the bath on a Tuesday at 11 o'clock in the morning and I've realised maybe it's time to turn my life around yeah yeah I'm going to get in the shower Jesus instead Christ, I was only going to ask you yeah, yeah, how yeah. you're heaping you know, but fuck's sake! But I can't remember the last time I had a bath just on my own. Anyway. I know. I what know. The fuck? I was, that's what I was jealous about. But Remind in London, exactly with the opulence. Uh, give us, give us a top three of the last recent ones because people are already listening. Give us the top three guests. Yeah, Gordo Rochford. I don't ah, know if you've heard of him. No. Ah, I don't know if you're. I was on it a while ago. We did have good crack. We yeah, did. Yeah, we yeah. did the, the year in review, and like that, I've uh, you did the the live two hundred show that we didn't go away. Um, that was great, crack. We're calling Ellis. That was great, Real crack. crack yeah. So such a good. I think I put that out on um, on the feed here for those conspiracy guys. Yeah, it was brilliant. Like there was there was a buckshot barbecue from all, all the fans went yeah, and yeah. had their own barbecue and everything. Didn't invite yeah, us, great, I don't man. think. But it's it, great. you know, I really love doing my live shows in the UK because I got to put like we were fucking slapping hands, like and giving hugs and doing pictures and meeting people and. They were asking me questions and it was great to be in real life with people. Like, yeah. I know how that feels like and it's... Yeah. F- and they're spending hundreds of hours with me and I've never seen the come before in my life and they come yeah. up and they go, it's like, here. Do you know, it's like you know, those, those jokes when the people go to the Star Trek conventions they're all like, in season nine, episode three, you said this and is that the way that particle physics works? Your man goes, I'm an actor. <laughs> like, I don't know about quantum physics. Yeah, fucking bleeding dope. You know, they're not my real ears. Um, But when it's like, <laughs> when it's shit about like, real political stuff or real stories about your life and they come up and go you know that story you told about I the very same story and here it is in like a four minute version yeah. I'm like uh-huh, uh-huh. I bet and that's like, the most one you get is, the, is it when you are being honest about yeah. your shit I bet they're the ones that people bring up the whole time when and you then meet them t- and they tell my, their story to me and I'm like uh, it took me 25 minutes to tell mine it took you four minutes to tell yours we've had the same experience are you okay they're like I am are you okay and they're like I am yeah. and I just hug it out and it's fucking clean like it's mm-hmm. just clean and there's some people, man, that were coming over to the table to you to just be like, Tom O'Manny saved my life. Like, your entertainment sat in my head and got me through dark days. It is. It's it, f- and I sat yeah. there and I watched it and I know what it feels like. Yeah. 
and I sat and I watched it and I was like, that's fucking cool, man. It's it, it's very see strange. It to and for mate, an Irish you know? person to be given so much love in uh, in a quick amount of time, we don't yeah. deal, we're not built for it. We're so not. Like, Go away, will you? Emotions, what's that? Just, and I just wanted him to punch me just to level up the books. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, yeah, like yeah. Just, but no homo. But, uh, but, yeah, no, yeah. but fucking useless. But, but you do, like there's... You know the touch tips, like, by it's, it's It's hard to pick the top three. Yeah. I mean, I have so much love and excitement for when you come on. So looking beyond Gordo, I can't. But interesting, like... For the most conspiracy guys audience, who would be who tickle your gicker? Do you know what? Come on over. Start with say, do you know what? Just to warm yourself, and you want a bit of crack, or like, like, like pillar to pillar crack. Go find the Mary Wallopers episode. Yes, they're where, deadly. Uh, they're tr- they're a trio of wild men. They've a band, and there are three wild blokes who just. If you want to learn how to just do you and not give one shit about any system, they like these guys turn down Sony. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Not to be cool, but people are going era. They wouldn't fucking do it the way we wanted to do it, so fuck them. We'll They're apolitical, political musicians. Yeah. yeah. Um, go listen to the John Fogarty episode. There's almost no rugby in it whatsoever. He's the Ireland scrum coach, but he's one of the funniest, honest people who, in a high-profile position where you go, these guys are normally so guarded. And he was unzipped his soul. Like, he talked about, like, he suffered really bad from, uh, from concussions that actually made, like, he described it one day, he came home to the house and he's, he was bursting for the toilet and he was downstairs sitting on the toilet and, and a guy just knocked on the door of the toilet. Some random bloke. And he went, yeah, uh, you left the door open. And the man was like, are you going to rob my house from inside? He goes, no, you actually left like the keys in the door and your car door is wide open. Are you going to rob my car as well? And he says, this guy who was tough his whole life playing in the front row of a scrum in, in playing rugby at a professional level turned so vulnerable because the brain wasn't working like oh my god yeah like he literally some Rocky 5 shit like he literally forgot to close the door on his car forgot to close the door on the house and someone came in and went are you okay like he went yeah man are you alright and and he's so he's sitting there going are you going to rob everything now and he's quivering like quivering like and And the size of a wardrobe size of a wardrobe could run through the wall but like was just was beautifully honest you never know what shit people are going through man you never know like and so many unless you listen to him for hours on a podcast because it'll fucking tell you invariably so I would would say that to to people that the whole goal of this is 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 to have some really good heartfelt good crack stories so if you come across one you go oh it's a sports star I'm not into sports there'll be almost no sports in it yeah it just happens to be that I know that that person is an interesting story to tell like, life shit I, life shit that will have a it. good fucking time doing like that's Bookshot Pod you guys get the fuck on it uh, I have to say I don't want to be smooching your booch but um, all it takes is a few extra people to jump in and go through that back catalogue and as soon as you get those like 10 or 20 thousand fans the 240 episodes there or thereabouts to go back over sorry second I, I along with the Gordo Rush for one my favourite podcast of all is I've had my first ever podcast was with my two grandparents, Tom and Ellis. That's the first podcast. First ever podcast. Number one is with my now dead uh, grandparents. And Your centurion and grandfather. We were, about, we were about to get married a month, a month later and yeah. they were giving us marriage advice. Myself and Natasha were in the room with uh, them and they were giving us marriage advice as to how theirs lasted so long. Whopper. And that was my, still people, still people come back on a on the weekly basis, come back and go, my favourite episode. Of all the people you've done, yeah, the honesty of these two But people. that's what I mean. It's, it's like, it's a, it's a slow burn uh, as far as discovery because like you'd look at the names and go oh yeah it's going to be sport it's going to be this it's going to be that like it needs a bit of a push and a jump to go like it, it's not what it says on the tin but like, I'm not I, but I'm not I'm not I know you're I'm not, not rebranding or I know you're not I'm, it is what it is well I'm saying I'm telling the people listening yes. to this now yeah, yeah. to give it the chance because there's something in it that's like ready to be international you know the amount of people that are in it your buzz 
the, the shit you pull out of people. It, it, do you know the way you watch like Jimmy Carr or Graham Norton and they can just do something with a guest that you don't get off any other thing? And it's not like Jimmy Fallon where they're, dance little monkey dance, like what have you got to do? Let's play a singing game and we'll, we'll oh, there's a random thing generator. Oh, fucking Ariana Grande. Can you do a Britney Spears impression? It, it came up on a random thing. Like, of course you can. We've all seen it. You can't. But like, uh, yours is real shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you want the real small fuckers uh, going. So Bookshop Pod is uh, where you need to be. Now, enough of that. If you want to get on to those conspiracy guys on socials, the fucking sounds are moving beneath our feet, people. There's a link in the description below. It's an all-in-one magic link that has whatever social medias are alive like I don't know what the fuck to tell you um, videos or all the video YouTube all this kind of stuff and uh, Instagram I, I'm sporadically banned for saying certain words on Instagram from doing lives or from posting for seven days and it's history people I don't know what the fuck do you know what I mean you should put up a, a historically factually accurate actual picture of like a lad in the Ku Klux Klan because it was the anniversary of some kind of thing and going here this day a hundred years ago this happened and Instagram is like no we're not allowed to tell people about that wah, wah, and you're banned for fucking 14 days from posting like it's history man I don't know what to tell you you know um, very weird situation on social media so if you want to get on whatever we're on send me a DM an email uh, or an owl uh, you know something something the link is in the description below we do have this version of the show ad free on Patreon along with loads of other stuff uh, behind the scenes footage vlogs uh, access to live chats ad free episodes like I said and then the season 1 and season 2 episodes which aren't uh, available in the public sphere anymore you have to get them on Patreon only so if you want to pop in there and have a go it's patreon.com slash those conspiracy guys links are in the description below juice boys can I ask you we'll start with Shane Shane Brown quick enough because we're going to get deep yeah what did you think, know, or you? surmise? <laughs> We're going to have that a lot. What did you think, know, or surmise about the Rothschild dynasty before we started researching this? Because we were researching, I think I asked you guys to do this show maybe six months ago, as planned, mm. seven months ago, for today's date, you know? Yeah. Uh, it was supposed to be recorded, I think, in late 2020, early 2021, and because of coronavirus, um, it was... Uh, Push down the road a small bit. We've been reading on this stuff. We're reading books, you know, Frederick Martin and and John Donne and you know Planet Rothschild. All these different tomes of knowledge about the Rothschilds. There was obviously a bit of something something you knew before we started. What opinion, like succinctly enough, what opinion did you have about the Rothschilds dynasty? Are they the evil oligarchs? Like, what did you think about before we started researching? I never, I never did a deep uh, dive on them because. I just, like, I always thought, yeah, well, there's obviously someone. Like, like it obviously, the strings, the like. power power centralizes up into yeah. probably, I just always had this, yeah, there's obviously probably three or four families run the world, or maybe one kingpin, you know, that kind of way. Because that just makes sense in terms of, like, a corporate structure. So when it came, so, you know, I we would have been talking about the Rothschilds, Years ago, years you ago, know, yeah. but I never really looked into it because it was just like, yeah, look, I fucking assume someone's doing this. I mean, I, whoever's, you'd have to assume the way because you've got like central banks and stuff, so you, mm. you, it's always centralizing up. So yeah, you, I was like, yeah, I take it for granted that there's f- dynasties involved, and if you want to call that the Rothschilds grand, I, I did, I never did a deep dive because it was just like, 
yeah, look, it's someone. But so, but yeah, I accept the premise that there's some big ass family probably at the heart of everything. It makes perfect sense. I remember uh, talking to a guy I used to work with once, and we, we must have been talking about some other conspiracy or something else. And he was like, "Yeah, like some people believe like the Rothschilds run the world and the banks." And I was like. Yeah, but like, surely someone does. Like, surely someone like, has to. Like, can't be democratized. That, look at yeah. look at like the last two years. The way every country adopted the same policies. You're like, that came from the same place, yeah. clearly. So that was. Uh, I never did a big deep dive into the Rothschilds because I just kind of accepted. Yeah, well, if not them, someone else. But that premise, I'm good with. Um, Once you find out that there's lads like Rupert Murdoch, who can like sway public opinion by putting out like a public press release on all the papers and news channels and all that stuff. Yeah. So whatever personal politics or whatever uh, purchased opinion that the Murdoch p- uh, media group gets given, they're the ones that, you know, uh, uh, democratise that information across their own channels, usually for propaganda purposes. So, yeah. like, once you realise that those systems are in place, like, Jeff Bezos bought the Washington Post and a bunch of other, like, uh, media output, uh, uh, outlets and then all of those stories about like Amazon workers unionizing and you know lads pissing in bottles and all this kind of stuff like the bad press about Amazon just all kind of went away. Plus, because he like, just bought the fucking papers that were talking shit about him. No, no journalist had a problem with his free trip to space that time. Like the richest man in the world got a free trip to outer orbit off with the his back brother. of a taxpayer, and you're like, yeah. why didn't you just pay for that? Surely yeah. that wasn't that expensive for you. Yeah. And it's like you managed to get the taxpayer to pay for that and no journalist was like, wait a minute. Like, there was not even any criticism. It wasn't even like, look at this fucking baldy cunt. Yeah. Him and his brother, it's like they're going on a trip to Tremor or something like that. Down the fuck. That video We're going, we're going like to Six crying. Flags. Where are we going? Six Flags, uh, outer space. Like, bullshit. Yeah. But when you know that those things happen and you can see at a lower level the people, you know, that are doing those things, or like Snowden comes out and says, this, you're like, ah, oh, yeah, well, I knew that. I kind of knew that anyway. But this Rothschild thing is like the next level above. This is like, their names aren't on anything. Like they're invisible these days. They're, you know, I know you're into conspiracies See, like me for 20 thing. years. That's why when my friend said that, I was like, yeah, no, that doesn't, that doesn't sound crazy to me at all. It's because like, like, okay, we know their name, but, like, they're not, like, the ones we're waving our fists at when shit goes wrong, you know. Maybe they are more now because people are a bit more, with the internet, people are a bit more wide to, like, the Rothschild influence or the potential Rothschild influence. But, like, they're the kingmakers and they get to sit back and, like, empires can rise and fall and people can go and lop the head off a king out yeah. of outrage at how things went and they're just kicking back going Ooh. you know like that the reason you don't hear about them they're the boss they're the guys you that's know? the reason you don't hear about them is because they're the actual ones in charge like they put cunts on lists like Elon Musk and then Zuckerberg and then Bezos and then but these lads are like 10 times what they have yeah. That's why they're not on the list. And when that little plan like they can afford doesn't to not work be out, like if Neuralink doesn't work out and people go crazy, Elon Musk will be the cannon father. Yes. You know, he's not the, he's probably not even a billionaire. He's probably just an actor sitting in that spot going, <laughs> yeah. you know, and he'll take the flack when that plan doesn't work out, you know? That's what I always thought about the Rosh House too. Um, Tom, like before we started researching and reading up, did you have a notion about who they were or what they could be or... Again, like that, it was just a nebulous. Kind I, of I was, I was happy to accept, but I mean, like the cause, the fuzzy idea in my head, loving a conspiracy theory is like they are the Illuminati. You know what I mean? Yes. They're obviously sacrificing 
all sorts to make their, you know, I this is what I wanted in my head. But lo- looking into it a few years back, you know, being friends with you and stuff. But not, not again, not... <laughs> oh, the Jews convinced you the Rothschilds were okay, didn't they? Being friends with you. Yeah, uh, I'll never forget. I I knew they nice had, mustache, Tom. I knew they had tendrils, you know, spread all over the place, but I didn't realize to to what extent. And I yeah. remember saying, coming out with it one day to my wife, who went to a, a very prestigious school, which I'm not allowed. I've been instructed I'm not allowed to say. <laughs> but I I mentioned the word, the name Rothschild. She went, Oh yeah, there was yeah one of the well well known Rothschilds. She was in my class. There was a girl in my class, she was boarding. She was from the UK, she was boarding. And I went, Jesus Christ, your school was expensive. But it was, but in, in that, it was, I always kind of accepted. Well, there's always, just like Shane, there is a super, like there's, the, like the people we see forward, like the, in here in Ireland, we have a couple, a handful of billionaires, like yeah. J.P. McManus. And O'Brien. Stuff like, you know, and people who are out front. But when you look into it, like one of the wealthiest people to come from Ireland is uh, a guy in Cork. Um, but he keeps so below the radar. He owns the entire keys system down there. His name is, believe it or not, his name is Conan Doyle. Not of Arthur's fame. Like, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. but again, he's a multi-billionaire that nobody, but you can be guaranteed the place, he is the beating heart. Now, he yeah. may not, he may have sold it since this is from a but he story. doesn't want, he doesn't want the juice, like he doesn't no, want he, the column Jesus inches. Christ, and I'm probably doing him no, he's probably hating me right now if he is still alive. Like, But the likes of him wanted nothing to do with that he wanted, you know, he just wanted to stay below the radar. Didn't want his name out there at all. But you can be guaranteed he would be the beating heart of... Yeah, like that's this. real class. Yeah, that's, oh, that's class, I think that's not, not peacocking around the place. Yeah, you know, keeping the head down. Like there's mm. like there's a guy up the road who had... Ca- in, in the same same sentence, we were talking about it one day with my brother-in-law, and he was like, yeah, you take it in the same sentence as a guy up the road with the first Bugatti Veyron in Ireland. Yeah. And it was a guy who made his money from cash and carry kitchens. You're like, yes, of mm. course you are. You walk around in an El Chapo shirt, that guy wears a shirt from... Tesco. Yeah, you still have a thing in your head yeah. that feels the need to flex even though you've got everything, you know? Yes, you yeah, know what I mean? exactly. You know, whereas this guy over here is wearing a polo shirt for eight quid. Yeah, but, but the real wealthy people are driving around in little old antique cars, yeah, you know, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. little pullovers, you know, and you just, you wouldn't notice. So I was always accepting that there was the Rothschilds, they were a superpower. Like and an elite, the, elite above the rest, like... Well, when you hear, you know, you see, you watch these TV shows, even from the 80s and 90s, there was always a, a Dutch or German-sounding wealthy family name yeah, from New yeah, York. Yeah. You know, oh, the Van Pierens. And yeah. you're like, oh, of course. Yeah, they're wealthy from owl money. Definitely chopped a lot of native people's hands off somewhere in the world, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I was accepting that, well, that's just how the world works and the Rothschilds are... The OG of that. They just got there first, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's a such it's such a crazy concept to think like that. Just because they were first, and then they, you know, they figured the system out, and then they just get to be rich forever. So yeah, the Rothschild dynasty is this episode. Rothschild, the Red Shield. Uh, it's arguably one of the wealthiest, most powerful, and most secretive forces on planet Earth. Their wealth and three hundred year old family legacy has been the stuff of conspiracy wet dreams, as we said. Uh, they're on the tip of every conspiracy theorist tongue and it's an anti-globalist wank bank of suspicion for all of us <laughs> you know, uh, a wank bank of suspicion intrigue and derision for almost the entirety of their family's success they got some shit along the way uh, they're possibly the reason the Jew is still hated among some of the more unsavoury conspiracy circles and their mystery is only matched by their seeming omnipotence when it comes to nefarious international monetary and policy dealings. Not least of which are the rumours of funding both sides of wars and ruling the population of the whole planet. You know, the usual. Um, 
like to have puppet governments and uh, they're you know kings kings and prime ministers that are financially beholden to them uh, as they wield their grotesque and malevolent global domination plan right before our eyes, which seems to be the the overwhelming narrative in the conspiracy community. Um, these lads are safe and anonymous behind the veil of shadows and we kind of shake our fists at the dark corners and go like, why is the world fucked? It's because the secret group of Jews. And then you, you even pick a small bit at that like, and you find, uh, are we just, like we were talking this morning over breakfast about Jesus on the cross and talking about like everybody giving up their sins for Jesus when really it's just a great excuse just to not have to feel your own feelings or take any responsibility for your own actions. It's like, well, Jesus did it for me, so I don't have to. And uh, the whole thing is like, no matter what I do, I'll be forgiven. So I can just do, I can just be a shit cunt. And then like once a month go in and go, bless me, Father, if I have sinned, I hit my brother, I hit my sister. Like all that shit we used to do when we were kids and think we got forgiven. Instead of like actually working on ourselves. So like Jesus was uh, an example to live by, not uh, a a moral scapegoat for us to pin all of our badness onto which is what a lot of people use Jesus as. And he literally said, do as I do. You know, yeah, yeah, go yeah. through this shit. You know, that kind of, be, you know, He's like, I'm not, savior. I'm not, I'm not getting myself nailed to the cross just so you don't have to ever do any work. I'm yeah. going, this is an example. And like, nail yourself to your own cross and then get down off it after three days and shake it off. And like, I don't know, have your mate put his hand in your side and get him to finger your palm Oops. holes or something. You know, like, it's a conspiracy theorist folly, boys, to be able to just blame blanketedly blame all the problems of the world on a they, on a nebulous, ephemeral group of people that are like smoking cigarettes in a dark room like in the X-Files and they're nameless and faceless and they're what, generationally wealthy and, you know, uh, omnipotent and influential beyond measure as far as like the world governments, wars, uh, financial decisions, the prices of all the shit that we consume. It's a real bad habit just to blame them and then just kick your heels up and go on with your life because I don't know really if they exist. I don't know if there's like one group of 12. It's 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 not just the conspiracy theorists. It's the bitching about your neighbour up the road that has the massacre. Because what what do any of us know about it? We don't know what goes on. There's a resentment out there for a lot of people because their life's not going great so they blame like a race of people or they blame like a a class of people. yeah. Like the fucking rich. Oh, if they weren't off being rich, you know. Ah, but sure, I mean, it's down to the, you know, gym foreigners stealing mm. our jobs. And you're like, lad, if you were fucking worth anything, you'd be out fucking doing it yourself. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, get off thing. your own hole and get it fucking done. But, like, without getting off the fence yet, like, I'm still sure, like, like, we, like you were saying about Bill Gates and all the rest, I'm sure the Rothschilds have plenty of a hand to play in this kind of globalization and the, 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 the food supply that you're watching being purposely eviscerated so I'm sure there's bad you call it evil shit happening but how have they got this powerful there was there was a consent going back 300 years constantly it's giving the Jordan power Peterson to thing. it's like uh, you you let somebody take three millimeters yeah and then you allow them to take it again it's it's bloody awful and That's and very good isn't it <laughs> I'm very practicing good. it's very it's, good it's bloody awful and and you allow them and you say, okay, I can accept this. And and they keep asking and they keep moving. And all of a sudden, you're you're bloody three miles back from where you started. Yeah. And, and nobody wants to be there. Uh, it's uh, very sad. You know, you're like, 
Of course, it's an incremental death by a thousand cuts, pushing you back and pushing you back over 300 years. You're talking about eight generations of people, maybe nine over 300 years. So like your great, 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 great grandfather went, ah, it's grand. And then your great, 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 great grandfather went, ah, yeah, it's oh, still grand. They're the, big, they're the government. You, can't, you, can't, you, you have to do that. Do it, you like. have to do that. Yeah. It's only like the 60s to push back a bit. And then they got spanked in the arse so hard that they had to wait 30 years to even try again. Mm. So like it's these like little incremental changes. But I just find it goes both ways, you know. Like we're, uh, I feel like it's Gogglebox, like in the week where Boris Johnson was put out with number 10, right? Uh, like Boris Johnson got the fucking boot, you know? Bye bye, Boris, baby, goodbye bye, Boris, baby. So we're playing that on the radio outside, imagine. No, You're right. packing up your desk and there's cunts singing, bye bye, Boris. He's like, Whoa. As he I don't deserve this. I, I don't deserve it. You know, literally he high fives his fucking tag team partner <laughs> on the way out the fucking door. You literally, know like, it's fucking, ah, uh, look at. But the thing is, they're getting on to him about, cl- about his class. That it's like a bunch of people who are hurting. Bunch of people who are still hurting over Brexit. Bunch of people who are hurting right now because of like borderline recessionary price increases, and uh, we're teetering on the brink of like an economic downturn slash depression, right? Um, and they're saying to him like, "This rich, eaten, born, fucking silver spoon, children of the corn, secretary, fucking nineteen children having caviar eaten." fucking wipe your arse with a fucking towel on a stick motherfucker uh, from like you know uh, uh, secret society upper echelons fucking wanking on a biscuit and the last one to come eats it kind of shit right and they're like this guy is the problem with, with Britain his disconnection from the common people he does he was asked like famously like do you know how much a carton of milk costs and he's like I don't know four pounds five pounds four pounds like, <laughs> like what the fuck you don't know what milk costs it's like, when did he ever put his hand in his pocket and have to buy milk? He lives in number 10 down the street. People bring him milk. Like, they bring his groceries, you know? Um, but that's like a measure of how good of a politician he is. But there's common people who are like, all right, I'm going, be, I'm, I'm going up, up, to, up to that London to be in, in number 10, being prime minister, coming and fucking dusting the coal dust off their hands and putting their gloves away and putting on a suit and being, hello. I'm in, I'm in number 10 right yeah, now. That was like, the last time they wanted them fillers. But that's, too, what, like, that's the know. thing, like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. fucking never going to happen, right? And they're blaming Boris Johnson's class for the f- fault and failing that England is in now because he wasn't able to see, he was dealing and helping his rich buddies. They said the same about Trump. They said the same about all of these lads. There's a resentment towards that very upper level that they're making selfish decisions that don't think uh they don't think about the common man i don't think down to the level of somebody who's like you know living paycheck to paycheck and yet like you said three millimeters is bloody awful that people are still going and i know i'm not disparaging anybody people are going into work as a fucking waitress for two dollars and 15 cent an hour and they're not going you can shove your job up your fucking hole i going on social security you shove your job up your hole, I'm going to go and fucking, I don't know, start a car wash or fucking sell sell me, me fanny pads on Etsy or something like that or on fucking take pictures of my arse on OnlyFans. Like, a lot of people have chosen to do that. There's loads of people now in this anti-work movement that are like, I'm not going to work. Fuck you. You don't deserve me. I'm, a be- I'm better than that. 
with so many people for so long. Don't use taking pictures of your arsehole as an example of being No, better. no, I'm saying that, that that was the option when people all lost their jobs over lockdown. Yeah, yeah. They were like, what option do I have? Well, I've got this sweet rabbit's nostril up here. <laughs> what am I going <laughs> to... I better fucking... I better hurry... Better hurry up and take pictures of it before it darkens. <laughs> and know? to be fair, a rabbit's nostril is adorable. Yeah. It is an adorable. Just, just I, like it gets a little bit moist, it winks in the moonlight at you. Just like a little shine, like a Right? <laughs> um <laughs> Right? So like of course they're gonna to resort to this stuff so whatever makes the money come in, right? And I know I judge a lot of OnlyFans because I'm like, you're better than that, you're a real person, like go and do something real. But like, not everyone's an author. Not everyone's a podcaster. Not everyone's a fucking, you know, a, a, a makeup influencer. They can just like start doing makeup on Instagram and end up just getting a load of money thrown at them or whatever. We can't all be fucking. What's your one's name? But Sherlock, the singer with with her lovely knockers on Grattan Street, being ah, like, yeah, 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 Ali yeah. Sherlock, or whatever. Like, sure, it hits now and again. But there's a load of people that can actually take action, and they are taking action, and they are quitting their jobs, and they're going to this corporate America. No, I'm not having this. But the ethos of like blaming the Rothschilds for their shit life is like blaming Amazon for not not allowing their uh, employees to unionize through like really negative and and detrimental work practices. Like their output has to be such that if they drop in output, that they get fined, they get docked wages, and they also get like run the risk of losing their job. So they can't take any time to even walk all the way to the toilet and walk all the way back because they lose their. They have them right to the pin, pin to the collar, like, so they have to piss in, like, bottles or else they'll lose time. Like, that shouldn't be allowed to happen, but they're, everyone's looking at it happening and then just, like, go, oh, corporate America, but they're not doing nothing about it and they're still shopping on Amazon. Yeah, it's like... Do you the, know what I mean? Like, nobody votes with their feet, nobody's... The, like, I believe, absolutely, the game is rigged in these guys' favour yeah. and that's not necessarily fair. But, but they made what, the game as the thing, though. Not even that they made the game because the game is human behaviour. The game is as old as fucking time. But the problem is the vast majority of us are standing on the fucking Monopoly board without any fucking idea. It's a game in the first place. And we're not not strategising and and working together and help. See, people are fucking spending more time trying to beat the guy next door instead of going, come here, do you want to fucking join forces and try to figure some shit out? Because that's what they fucking did, you know? Yeah. But they're um, being told. We're being told as people, so your, your neighbors. If you don't do it, your neighbors going to get you. Get it first, mm. like this whole Joneses thing. This like, uh, if you're not first, you're last, and get in quick and buy this now before it's gone. And you know, that last day of the sale and Black Friday is like the epitome of what's wrong with the world oh, now. Oh Jesus Christ, is it what like? Like if you were to look at videos of that in a hundred years' time, to be people like it'd be like looking at fucking, uh, you know, people. people people being liberated from Auschwitz and stuff like that. It's like, how could we let humanity get to this level? And I know saying that now, probably on this show, is not a great idea. Uh, equating, you know, people trampling each other in the door in Walmart to, like, Holocaust survivors. But the thing is, like, as far as the like, cultural destruction goes, it's not as directly and racially targeted and malevolent, but it's equally, like, destructive across the board that there's people that will... It's just as crazy. Stamp on each other's heads. Like, the man, man's inhumanity to man. Like, it's, that's what we're talking about, where there's cunts that will jump on a motherfucker's neck for a $230 TV, TCL TV. And you're like, is that TV worth more than that person's, like, 
orbital bone that you just fucking smashed with your boot because you want to get the last one. Like it, it <laughs> like what would promote people to do that? Do you know? It's it's a perfect evidence in video of moral bankruptcy, yes, moral yes. decay in a society that you would do that. Remember like when Fukushima happened and everybody just queued politely to get provisions. They didn't ransack the shops. Yeah. Like, this was when fucking the day after Fukushima, like people are just standing orderly and taking turns so that everybody got a little bit and everybody was looked after. You know, the, the big difference. And that's, community, that's egalitarian community. Mid-catastrophe. And these fuckers are doing it to get like a half-price telly. They're beating the piss out of yeah. each other, you know. So uh, for for a, As I said in my Orwell show, for a, a cheap palliative, mm. I need that big telly because like, it's what I'm going to be spending most of my time in front of because I have kind of a and shitty that's life. That's why Amazon doesn't get any bad, bad time because that's what I'm Amazon is drip feeding you the little nuggets of I need some new eyelashes. I'll order them on Amazon. Yeah. Oh, I need that. Oh, I, you know what? A flashlight. I'll order that on Amazon. Amazon is giving you all the things, but you take something like uh, big style bankers or whatever. That's not something you can relate to immediately. A fella who puts bins on the back of a truck can't go. I know the bankers are all right. They, you know, they sort me out on a daily, daily basis, like yeah. Amazon does. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like Amazon is forgivable because it's tangible. It's tangible because it's literally in your, it's on all our houses once yeah. a week. Yeah, and it's it's given us lovely things in the post yeah. that we've ordered and asked for. Whereas you, you'd say oil companies, you say things that aren't. They're mo- they're probably only two stages away from you. Yeah. yeah. Whereas Amazon, but you don't fully understand no, the machinations you no of, it. of it, and you yeah. no grasp how you're tied to it. But you have a grasp as to how you're tied to Amazon, and it's not like it's it's his name. It isn't like Bezos Incorporated. Yeah. It's Amazon. That's a nice forest. That's yeah, loads yeah. of things to do. That's Everything's trees. in there. That's trees. Yeah, yeah. And look, they have a. It's a brown box because that seems more natural, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brown yeah. box. They haven't biodegradable. They yeah. haven't painted it yet. All the bubbly shit inside. Well, paper stuff, and they changed the paper stuff in there, which is still more trees. They're like it's environmentally friendly. How many trees? Do you th- yeah, it's all paper. Shred of paper. Like yeah, that's more trees, man. Can't fucking plant the fucking paper. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully something grows out of it. <laughs> yeah. oh, here, Jeff, put a load of seeds and buried into the paper. Yeah. So the next time yeah. how about that you that's know, a but, great idea you just throw it in the garden and rewild that's, that's what yeah. crowds, a couple of crowds are doing with coffee cups now that it, it actually embossed into it are actual seeds so when the coffee cups break down brilliant yeah there's wedding invitations like that as well yeah, yeah, like yeah. that's where I first saw it was the wedding yeah, invitations yeah. yeah and when they break down finally there are seeds in it but anyway but I think that's the idea why you can demonise these things because it's like grr it's because it. it's so it's so ineffable. Like, it's so beyond the understanding of how it works. They just see people who are indescribably rich and go, they must be cunts. And I, because I, they don't understand how it works. Like, remember doing those money episodes? You didn't do any of them. No, I didn't do the money episodes. Shane, remember no. doing that fucking money and gold? Uh, did you come back for JP Morgan? I think it was Mark Mangan. I think so, no. But that money and gold episode, like, figuring out how they were able to like bully the American government into making a Federal Reserve Bank which we will do in the, the third episode of this Rothschild thing because it crosses over like to basically like create a system that is made to make money for the people who created it and we all go along with it because it's convenient I'm like should we just we didn't have to just go along with it then and then after a while it doesn't work for us as well as but we also, thought it would and then we're going ah. Oh, I don't like this. Let's crash this. Well, sure, it's and, jumbled know. up. It's it's jumbled up in the same way what you would do with it if you want if you wanted your to stop your child asking you questions, you you'd you'd create it more difficult and you'd make it sound more difficult than it actually is. So you go, all right, yeah, look at yeah, don't worry about it. You know, and yeah, that's what they did with this with the idea of banking, and that's why it ended up the Federal Reserve seemed like it was it was just easier to go. 
Okay. Yeah. Because they made it sound this is just going to be easier for, just with Amazon this is going to just be easier just trust me for, we can do it easier for, yeah. like my one Jewish friend he they managed to make save money in a way and the way he described moving money back and forth in an account here in Ireland and he moved from America to here and the way he described making money work for him I went where did you learn this shit? He's yeah. like, oh, this was my upbringing, Tom. Yeah, yeah. Whereas in Ireland, because, let's be honest, we're a relatively new company, co- company country, where should we, for the, uh, generationally, we, should we fucking nothing? Yeah. It's yeah. only in the... We didn't have it's only it's literally, 25 years, man. It's not even in our childhood did yeah. Ireland as a, as a country have money. We would nothing. Nothing. We were going around in the 80s, mid-90s, <laughs> up to the mid-90s, we as a nation... It was just a bunch of white people just going around going, that's just grand. And we all had one T-shirt. Yeah. Well, we same T-shirt. Each other. It's like Mao's each China. Other for not spending all our money. Oh, you stingy bastard. Oh, that miserable bastard. He still has his confirmation money. And you're like, but yeah, but by the he same, fucking should. But by the same token, back then, if it was in the 90s, if some fucker got a brand new Grenada Scorpio up the road to go, hmm, catch a load of... The notions. The yeah. notions yeah, yeah. of such and such. You know, the, the, we, it was you wouldn't step beyond the parapet either. And to be only somebody after getting left a ball of money for some aunt in the UK who made who was an who was a nurse and probably bought a house in Wimbledon yeah. and ended up selling it for a million. And but you know, but there was we had no money, so we'd no grasp of working money. And let's be honest, we were a slave nation for eight hundred years, so we all we knew was to doff our cap to the boss man. Yeah, and the odd fella came out from behind that, like the like if you read the book um, The Aviator by of it was a story of Tony Ryan. Oh, yeah. created Ryanair and how something in his brain at 40 years of age in an airport he'd been a company man for Aer Lingus for 20 years and then something just went pop literally went pop in his one day he was between carriers and he was moving planes back and forth for Aer Lingus and he went oh fuck this oh fuck oh like and and just an he started Ryanair at 40 yeah oh my and God. he an epiphany came to him and it just he was a company man had a fine job and this just wave came over and went, oh, 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 I'm going to start fucking renting planes and I don't even need to buy one. I'm going to start taking Air Africa and I'm going to put them over there. And before you knew it, he created uh, Irelandia. That's like he was going to Shannon Airport and Dublin Airport were going to be nothing. He was big airport hub was going to be in Tipperary. Oh, yeah. Hence why the planes are blue and gold. And it was going to be called <sighs> Tipperary Air. And somebody went, that's too on the nose. It's too much of a long word. Just name it you. After you went, God, that's disgusting. Putting my own name in it. <laughs> he just thought it was gross to put his own name. Yeah. Ryanair, are you joking? And they went, no, it rolls nicely, as you say it. He went, yeah, there's too many airs. Yeah, when you say tip- is Tipperary but, air. But in fairness, what happened was he immediately, be- uh, he 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 knew to go and find people. He went to America to, uh, what did they, what did they call it? Who were a low cost air, airline over there as well. Easy Jet, no. No, no, they were an American uh, crowd. Uh, do you know they were like uh, Spirit Airlines it was like Western Territory Airlines or yeah. something like that but he knew it was only in his 40s because he came from a small council house that was attached to Limerick Junction train station knew, grew up with no money nothing at all but in his 40s something twigged in his brain and went oh Jesus fucking Christ I'm learning all this fuck. it was like he took that pill in fucking whatchamacallit yeah, yeah. and his brain just expanded so he's like a billionaire now isn't he Ah, he's dead now, but he's like he's. Is he's, he dead? Is Tony Ryan dead? Is oh, he? he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's, he's like what is like his family is is they still own like a forty eight percent share. Right, right, right. Like what they own is astronomical wealth wise. Yeah. Like, but it's um, what 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 I'm saying is, he was in his forties before yeah. as an Irishman he went shook that shit off. Like how do, this is how and he it was purely from travel he saw oh there's 
I see how unashamedly these uh, these Americans are, how unashamed these British people are, and how unashamed these Swiss people are when it comes to creating and making money. I'm going to fucking do that. Yeah. Because we don't we don't have we weren't taught in school. Were it's, you taught anything about how to save money or make money? No. No. You weren't go work for the man or the woman and get the money in the pocket, build a house, and that's that. And be luck, be glad that's what you did. Mm. Whereas my mate he immediately he had kid didn't come here with a po- he came here with nothing. Yeah. Came here with a few quid in his pocket, but knew how to flip it over, flip, 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 turn it back and forth. And within four years, himself and and his wife now have a beautiful house to be able to save a mortgage and save and get a get a house. From if you're nothing. if you're an Irish person to do that, to be like, what what was he at now that he was able to do that so quick? There's a suspicion. Of, yeah, oh, that, must that's have it, all uh, uh, that. yeah. That's what I meant about having that philosophical framework in your culture in in your society Jewish people have a deep understanding of money baked into their fucking culture so that's why even a guy who's not part of the Rothschild dynasty just instinctually knows how how to how to work at that bit but I'm not saying every Jew is a genius at money writing but it is more of a part of their society than it ever was for ours and they're able to make it work for them but it's a response to uh, like a subjugation and we'll talk about that now hard Hmm. times Chris well, it's not even hard times. It's like, get into the alleyway, yeah, Jew. Like it's like, mm. like what do you do? What do you do? We talk about it now. Tell them all about it, the conspiracy guys. There's a thing called the Juden Gasa, right? And now it's not the Gasa that uh, I was going to say. That's an unfortunate. Lads. Yeah, yeah, it's terrible, isn't it? That's the ghetto. Uh, yeah, it's the ghetto. Yeah, yeah the Juden Juden Gasa. Uh, so the name Rothschild comes from the translation of Red Shield. So the family came from Frankfurt in Germany, uh, and they are, as we said, a Jewish family. Jews. And there was a population of 35,000 people in Frankfurt at the time. About 10% of them were Jewish. But they were, I mean, maligned, uh, subjugated uh, by the regular Germans. And they were reduced to living in what was called the Judengasse, or the Jewish ghetto. Now, uh, one of the main streets in the Jewish in the Judengasse was called Jew Street, Judenstrasse. And uh, as we talked about in other episodes, the Jewish folks of this time tended to be bankers, lenders, jewellers, or other kind of similar professions. They were also like doctors, lawyers, and others, but for the sake of this argument, um, as the the internet reliably informs me, is because Christians were religiously prohibited from lending money or collecting interest on loans, a.k.a. usury. So the reason that... The Christians didn't do it is because they were religiously prohibited from it. That's like a you know a a Muslim sausage factory. Yeah, do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, the Muslims are prohibited as well, and they actually do it. You know, in the Muslim countries, there is no usury, as far as I know. I know Gaddafi was completely against. I don't, I don't know. I yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think usury is still outlawed in. Uh, well, in Dubai and all that stuff, there's no, there's you're not in in the real in the heavy in Saudi Arabia and all like. But that's because everyone's minted. There's no yeah, it's handy um, enough. You're handy enough to, to, to not allow it when everybody's loaded. But that's the thing, like yeah. I have to look into that. But I'm pr- I'm pretty sure, like the, the you know, but the billionaires, the, the billion countries, there's still no usury. The billionaires know. in the UAE like socialize their wins. Like everybody gets, you know, like the free everything, and you get all your, you know, the roads are paid for you. Like you don't have to pay any taxes, and so they share the wealth. They're not exactly like fleecing the people. So the people get to keep what they earn because the billionaires are like, well, we've billions and. 
it comes from the land and we all live on the land, so why not yeah, share I'm, it? I'm not sure it's as uh, philanthropic as all that. Do you not think so? No, no, no. no. <laughs> Explain it to Have me you ever been to Dubai? No, never. No, it's it's not as... It may look like that on the outset. That that's, may, that's the... That's the it might have been the there. I think, the I think the ba- Dubai is a bad example, yeah, though, because yeah, like yeah. they're also not supposed to be materialistic Muslims. And You're not like, and Dubai is like fucking... Oh, jeez. I know nothing about it now, I have to say. Like a summation of Dubai is the Burj Khalifa, you know, the tallest building in the world thing. Yeah, it's it's amazing to look at, but if you're there early in the morning, like a six a.m., you'll see this one hundred sewage trucks that are pulled up outside to pull shite out of the place because they can't build a sewage system in the desert that would uh, supplement the building. So they have to suck the shit out of it and take it out into the middle of the desert and fuck it out around the place out in the desert every day. A hundred trucks have to pull shit out of the building. So that'll sum up Dubai for you. It's right. for a coat, no knickers. Like it's. You know, that's a really good uh, comparison there, though, because, like, you're talking about the Christians who it's a sin for them to get involved with usury. So they let the Jews look after that, and then they're like, yeah, bloody Jews. Yeah, they allow it to be. But that's what happened. That's actually a big problem with Dubai. That was purposely set up. Uh, in in Dubai, they did they didn't want to deal with human waste. That was filthy. That was dirty in their culture, and it was actually America that came along and went here, lads. Uh, I mean, you've got all this money and your princes and your kings and all the rest, and you like to look at yourselves as like uh, dynasties. So you start, and they're basically outside of every like. Uh, City was just mountains of shit because they were just like, and they would just get like, um, you know, other culture, you know, immigrants, migrants to just handle the shit and dump it over there. And one of the big, uh, um, games, it's in Confession of an e- Confessions of an Econi- Economic Hitman by John Perkins. One of the one of America's way in to start sucking the gold out of uh, the likes of Dubai was to say, what you guys need is the best shit removal company on the planet. This will be like Homer Simpson's fucking, Mr. you know, Plan. and they basically Mr. offered them Plan. that and they were like, yeah, but what it was was a constant drain on their resources because it was just, it was outsourced. We're going to look after this. We're going to massage your ego because, you know, you don't want to deal with this yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah. And again, just like the Christians, you don't want to get engage in this sin. Let us engage in this dirty thing for you. And we look after it, and then you become a siphon that's for the gold. That's fucking. That's, that's a beautiful thing about shite. Great insight, man. It doesn't matter about how. <laughs> that's a beautiful thing about it. It is. It, that's the beautiful yeah. thing. If you think about it, it's the best business in the world to get into the yeah. shit business. Nobody wants to do no it. Matter, everybody has to. No matter what race or religion you are, everyone's shit is brown. No matter how rich or poor you are, everybody's got to take everybody's a shit. Everybody's got a shit, and everybody. nobody wants to Water, deal with the it. Two yeah. best businesses: water and shit. If somebody can find a way of uh, monetizing air. Yeah. That's going to be the king of the world. I mean, we're not that far away from like recycling shit to get like whatever nutrients our bodies didn't take in and mm-hmm. yeah, going like, to yeah. turn into smoothies and just be like, ooh, <laughs> throw a half banana, a spoonful of peanut butter into that and it'll be sorted. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Add to the texture or whatever. Uh, I, I, I think it's funny that you're like the Americans come over to Dubai and they're like, yeah, you know, we're into sanitation and we take away your shit. I can just imagine like, you know, someone going over going, Hey, are you, uh, you some kind of, uh, chic or something over here? So listen, we got a sanitation company. We're very, very, very big yeah. in Brooklyn. You know, like, there's just like, we're going to, we're going to do everything for cash. It's all cash. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. It sounds like, because that's what they do. The boys, the boys are into sanitation. They just come over and they fucking, you know. Yeah. We take away your garbage. But it's, it's the perfect metaphor. It's. Like you they don't can't want to touch deal it. with your shit. That's what they don't Let want me to. handle that. that. And it's they the same with like the mafia. Like yeah. you don't want to. You don't want to 
have to defend your yeah. business. Let me defend your business, and then before you know, but they're I taking know. over your business. Also, you know? by the time it's it's especially dealing with the cultural and the the religious idea of not having to handle shite. You put you back them into a corner because you you can up the price every year and go. Well, what are yeah, you going to do? You're going to you're going to turn around and start handling it yourself. Yeah, are you? yeah. Do you want us to start go against your morals? Yeah, 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 yeah. They had gold. It'd be a shame if somebody made a mountain of shit outside of your seven you star imagine? hotels and over here. The hundred trucks decided to go. Yeah, we'll suck it out and then turn around and put the fucking pump back on and pump it out around the road. Oh, it was, sorry, I think I fucked up this a little bit. I think it was garbage. It was all about garbage. And they had goats just eating all the garbage. That's what it was. That was their original. It was just a mountain yeah. of garbage outside every city and the goats were eating it. But it was the same thing, you know. It's like, you know, I don't touch that. That's garbage. I'd be guaranteed you know? they're just... Let me touch it for you. Let, yeah, me, yeah. let me handle that. They're dig- the Christians are doing the same. And but sure, that's why the lads, that's why the lads are able to go on strike and just be like, okay, listen, pay us fucking £45 an hour. Like, the, there's, there's sanitation strikes, like, all the time. Because it's an essential service. There's no getting away from it. There's no getting away from it. Everyone poops. Everybody poops. And you fucking have to just pay these lads what they want. Yeah. Or else you'll have cities like that are like San Francisco that are just covered in human shit. Like there's a guy there's a guy that made an absolute fucking fortune uh, because he just became aware that there was like fat icebergs in the sewers. As a UK guy, I think he was, and he was just like, I'll I'll take care of that. And he just set up a company like getting the fat icebergs out of the sewers. Fucking millionaire overnight. Brilliant. Again, just deal with that. Excuse me, sorry now. I can't visualise what you're talking about. So There's icebergs made of fat. Fat. Yes. So you put the fat down your drain. It's not going anywhere. It goes it's about five fat. inches it's from your house. The, so the it's big sewers. The in what we're eating. Yeah. We're not breaking them down. The fat, the shit may break down and decay. It's like the, the little spots on the top of the water when you take it like an oily shite after a bag of there chips or something. And they there just hit the concrete on the sewer pipe on the way out. Like arterial clack. Like and they yeah. just yeah. stick. Yeah, exact same. And then over time, there's literally like half a house-sized iceberg blocking up this sewer. And, Get the and, fuck. And he, he just made millions going, oh, So he I'll comes in, what does he do, like render it or oh, like I'm scoop sure it out? I'm sure he has a fucking army of workers for him now. But I don't know if they, I don't, it's, it's probably just as simple as just <laughs> pulling the shit out. I don't know what his process can is. You, or can you imagine burning getting that on you? Like, if it got on you, how many times you'd have to wash to get it off you? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but... Yeah, <laughs> deal with the shit and you'll do well. Yeah, it's a deal with your shit is a, a great... Uh, a great Esther. lesson for life, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Get it, just deal with your shit, or else it'll uh, turn into a mountain of <laughs> an iceberg of <laughs> yeah. oily shit. But yeah, that's fucking crazy, man. I, 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 I think yeah, the Christians given the Jews the their sins, the sins of usury, and then like because you needed it, and then blaming them for it. That's the most unchristian thing. You're still engaged in that sin. You're, you're still, still engaged in it because you still need loans. You're just pretending. You're, you're just not. letting them go get up on the cross for you. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, in 1462, in Frankfurt, there was a law passed that removed the Jews from the neighborhood of the most important church in the town to a dark lane which lay between the city wall and a trench. And they all had to bundle into this place that was dubbed the Judengasse. So these buildings uh, were, I mean, nothing special, like pretty ghetto-y, and they lasted up until the end of the 19th century the late 1800s, for those at the back, uh, when they were vacated and demolished. And then what remained of them um, was destroyed then in World War II, blown to fuck. But they were kind of disbanded as a, a, a Jewish ghetto in the late 1880s, early 1890s. So we had a similar situation here in Ireland, not not dissimilar. I mean, very, very, very much fewer Jews, but uh, we had what was called the tenement buildings with many families living in these big rooms together eating, shitting, riding and dying for decades and decades. 
basically, uh, you'd have a big old Georgian house or maybe a mid-Victorian house. A lot of those, like, Dorset Street and... Terraced houses. Terraced houses, but they're big buildings. They have, like, four floors, and then each floor then there would be, uh, like, an apartment or, or like, a flat. They call it a flat. And um, in the flat, now it would be one family and a couple of bedrooms. But before, there was no internal walls or there maybe one internal wall uh, from the kitchen. And four families would go in and one family would go in one corner and another family would go in another corner. Another family would go in another corner and put the shit bucket in the middle of the room. And like, you just cross your fingers and hope you don't get fucking dysentery. Like, for years. And people lived there, grew up there, rode there, had babies, fucking died there. They got the whole thing. Got the gout, got the mange, got fucking nits and lice and... You know, chicken and rice and fucking boiled spuds and roast spuds and you know ma- mashed spuds and fucking new spuds, <laughs> old spuds. And I've spoke, I've I've, w- I've worked with older guys that grew up in that environment. Tenements is crazy, tenements, man. Like, you know, Greg Marks. Yes, Greg. Yeah, Greg grew up in that environment. Well, he grew up not in a tenement, but he grew no, up in, in tenement, uh, one of those new sort. It was a at the time new, but it was an outhouse. It was an yeah, outhouse. Outhouse out the side yeah. in the uh, uh, Devney Gardens. Is that it? Oh, Devney Gardens. Yeah, it's just up by the gates of the. Um, Phoenix Park there just by Houston Station right but it's in behind now a very uh, it's a hugely opulent area now like of course it is all the little housings uh, they're all like little cottages uh, right. and uh, they knocked down all the O'Devany Garden social housing and they're building this whole big complex now for students because there's students that are going to college in the city and they have nowhere to live so there's like I think 1800 kind of like uh, I don't know what you call them it's like Soviets Soviets pods. block they'll probably pods, call them pods to make student pods yeah yeah, yeah. And there's a few of them in the city. There's one of them on Talbot Street and there's like one little shop front that you go in and then when you go in past it's like Doctor Who's TARDIS. You walk into this complex that's built behind between Talbot Street and Cork Street and it's a whole town with 18, maybe 1500 flats. And I remember going in there one time and in the summertime when there was no students in it and it turns into an Airbnb so the Airbnb in for tourists. And I walked the whole complex, man, and there's all like beanbags with fucking fucking uh, full of jizz shit streaks and jizz marks and fucking skid marks and all sorts of things table tennis tables a pool table and all and like just the hum of want and uh, <laughs> like a courtyard <laughs> then fucking loads of fag butts and giant roaches and and you go into the apartment and it's a, 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 a access key door like beep, beep, they can touch off it and you go in and there's a bathroom ensuite bathroom and then the bed and the desk and the wardrobe is all made out of one piece of metal and then push it in and then they just solder it together. And it's like a cell in like a Norwegian prison, it looks like. Yeah. But like real clean, but clinical. like very functional and clinical. And like you go in, you put all your posters of fucking, I don't know, Kelly Brook and fucking, you know. Um, You're showing your age now. Whoever, yeah, well, Kelly Brook, man. What do you do then? You blow ropes up. <laughs> the idea being. That's, all, that's always funny. What's green and invisible? This cabbage. <laughs> What's pink and fluffy? It's fluff. Pink fluff. <laughs> What's brown and sticky? Go on. Brown sticky? Brown no, sticky. my Beyonce poster. <laughs> <laughs> classic jokes, lads. Classic. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it looked really clinical, like a da- like a Danish prison. It was real, just like, and the halls, you could just, I could pick, it was like, you know, like, it was like Stranger Things. Like, I could picture the ghosts of people running, like, padding with their wet, sweaty feet, like some kind of French drama, padding from room to room, like, giggles in the nighttime and wearing somebody's T-shirt that you just rode and you robbed this fucking, you know, <laughs> and, but it was like, 
really sad and grey because it's like all these students come in and they just get jammed into this like Danish prison type building and they swapped out the tenements and now they're building that and I'm like what's the fucking difference really? Yeah I was in I was in a similar one in Liverpool uh, Oh they were fucking brief, grim as well Briefly I was there I was with Tom, comedian Tom State I was touring around the UK with him But to do a tour of the Liverpool tenements and all Oh d- this wasn't tenements these were these were student apartments Oh student accommodations We'd call into his son and it was just the weirdest. I like I lived in a house in college, a normal house we rented. So for me, it was just I was just just Jesus. I would hate this. And it was this big wide corridor. It was an old industrial building, and these rooms were not these were not suited for having people in. They were just these big, tall, gigantic, tall ceilings, but narrow rooms in a factory, like in what was it used to be a factory, and no walls, no furnishings whatsoever. So they had just shit thrown all over the floor and. Being students, they'd, it seemed like a badge of honour to be a messy, dirty bastard. <laughs> and they'd like a bed fucked in the corner. And we'd go in this, and I remember going, like not even my age, but even with, when I, if I was 18, I walked into this. I'd kick the fucking lot of you out and clean the place <laughs> up and never let you back in again. Yeah. Like, I, don't, I don't need much, but what is this fucking, this place is the bleakest. Yeah. Like you couldn't, I could, like uh, it was an art, it was, they were all studying a form of art, you know, there was film or whatever. And I was going, where are you getting your, no wonder all your shit is somber and fucking yeah, melancholic. This is, a, this is an installation, what is it? It's just a shit uh, on a plate uh, with a knife and fork. I was going to actually have it for breakfast <laughs> this morning. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. It, this was, it I was collected all my, I collected all my jizz rags and I made a statue of Shade. Well, it's like, like Tracy Emin just moving her bed into an art gallery just yeah. that Filthy fucking bed, and everyone was like, "That is genius." It's yeah. like it's not genius; it's fucking filthy. Yeah, yeah. bitch and wash your ass. But it's <laughs> weird, like the tenements. There's a tenements tour that they had, like one of they preserved one of the buildings or whatever in uh, Parliament Street, right? And um, this is all in Dublin, by the way, for people listening at home. And um, there was like a whole thing in like Smock Alley. There was friends of mine that did like a play, they wrote a play, and there was all this recreation of the. The times, you know, like uh, people leaving to go to America and people, you know, families breaking up and people are like, yeah, we can do this, can't live like this anymore. And this is all around the time of like the Irish Revolution against the English and they were being kept like in the late uh, 19th century. This is how mo- like a lot of city Irish people lived in these fucking tenement buildings. And they were just like, how long can you keep people in that before they just go, get that fuck? Mm. Like I'm rebelling. So this is how they kept these, um, this is how they kept these, these Jews in these, in these, Really ghetto-ish. And it wasn't, like, just Frankfurt. This is everywhere in Europe. But Frankfurt was a bit of a hip. Very much so. Yeah, like, Amsterdam was the same. They, they kept them all in the ghetto yeah, as well. Yeah, bad bastards to them. And but, like, they said, like, if we just let them out around the place, they'll just be, like, I don't know, out fucking... Being Jews. Being Jews around the town. That's Jews, you can't have that. You can't be doing that, lads. You can't be doing that, lads. You can't be doing that. Fucking blatant Judaism all around the place. Right? So, the Jews and the Judengasse... In Frankfurt particularly, but again, this is pan-European, um, except for Ireland, because we didn't have many, because um, we love rashers and sausages, and they were like, fuck, stay away from there. But the Jews in the Judengasse were subject to crazy restrictions to live in Frankfurt. They had to purchase protection, like a mafia shakedown, you know, um, so there was only allowed to be 500 families in this Judengasse, and then uh, there was only 12 marriages a year allowed in the whole community. So out of 3,500 to 4,000 people, you had to kind of decide and get in the queue, right, right, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Herschel and, and Alice are getting married uh, in January. And then uh, 
T- Tobias and Maria are getting married in February. Like, you'd have one marriage a month only because they didn't want them procreating. Like, this is population control, you know? So they're not allowed to own land. Now, this is the thing I'm talking about. What the fuck else is just a common or garden Jew supposed to do when he's being subjugated to such a degree that you're not allowed to get married, you're not allowed to have kids, you're only allowed to go up one street. To be allowed to live in that street, you have to pay, like, a protection tax basically an extra tax on top of your rent to the government of your town to be allowed to live there. And then you're not allowed to own land. You're not allowed to farm any animals or farm any, uh, you know, uh, uh, what, what's it called when you farm crops? Uh, when you, what do you mean farm crops? Like it's like... Tillage? Tillage. You're not allowed tillage or livestock, right? You're not allowed to farm. And this is a rule, like universally a rule, that was foisted upon Jews wherever they were in the whole world. That Jews are not allowed to own land and you're not allowed to farm. Like, what kind of way is that to keep like a nomadic, a traditionally nomadic uh, tribe of people, like a race of people? You're like, right, wherever you go, you can't buy the land. And they're like, well, we're not allowed to buy the land. Okay. That's okay. probably part of the reason why they are nomadic in the first place. That's the whole thing, know, man. Constantly moving around. They're never out of the, never got out of the desert, like ideologically. Mm. People just kept them on that thing, don't let them buy land. Why? Because then they'll own land. You're like, what? They're like, we don't want Jews owning the country. I was like, okay, yeah, good luck with that plan. I've not let them own land, you stupid cunt. They did this to every, every Jews all over the world. They weren't allowed to own land. And, um, I think this is probably, not probably, but almost definitely the reason that they all became uh, usurers and numismatists. They could move at short notice. They could take their business and wealth with them. They could pack up and put it into like a bindle or a bag, their whole fortune, and away you go. If you had land, it was worth a ball of money. You couldn't just like go. So I'd say it was handy enough like for the Jewish people like, thank God they won't let us uh, own land because... We'd probably buy it, and then all of a sudden they'll turn up and like be like, "Get out of here, we'll kill you," and then they'll just take our land. So there's no point in buying it. So fuck it. It's it's an incredibly advantageous position to be in at a time of depression because well because you're not bound to a house. You can just go, okay, I'm gonna go over there now. Yeah, you know, I'm let's, gone. Let's I'm, move. I'm going where the money is. Up on the boat. But it's similar to the way that uh, Irish travelers or we call them like gypsies or travelers, uh, how they go on because they would hold like gold chains, gold teeth, gold rings, and cash money. And they only deal in cash because they need to be able to travel. They don't want to have any assets that are fixed. You don't have to declare it when it's jewellery. You, you know, if, if you had it in like gold sovereigns, yeah. there's a whole tax thing there. But if it's jewellery, you can literally put a million quid's worth of gold necklace. I can't believe we've said jewellery so many times we haven't. <laughs> <laughs> Figured it out the etymology. <laughs> Just cut the word in half, lads. Well, that's. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I would, I would challenge anybody out there to tell me that's not where it comes from. Where do you, where do you get the word jewelry? Well, jewelry I mean, it does, from? it doesn't sound as good to say casalorilla Do you know what I mean? It just doesn't. <laughs> jewelry it has to be. It's, it's like a jeweler. Yeah, a jeweler. Yes. Oh, of course, the rocks are. Well, they're called jewels. No. Yeah. No. I don't know these. Uh, the usury part we talk about, but the numismatism. What's numismatism? Coin, like coin dealing. Dealing in rare, rare coins. Oh, like the ads you see at 12 o'clock at night when you come in from the pub. Exactly. Right. JML. We've got your... Co- oh, no, it's not JML. It's, no, it would uh, be, be like this one time TC, only. These is, T, yeah. Buy these commemorative coins with Michael Collins' as cock. <laughs> <laughs> did you know he was known as the big fella because he's a 10-incher? 
He defeated the British Army single-handedly. Get this one coin of the helmet. Collect, collect five more coins to rem- for the remainder of his penis. Michael Collins. All of these coins are acceptable in any shopping trolley from Tesco's, from Waitrose and Sainsbury's. <laughs> Buy your commemorative Michael Barrymore coin collection. <laughs> it, it will sink to the bottom of any vessel of water. <laughs> yeah, the numismatists, they were, they were basically, they were dealing in uh, high society coin collection. Some lad is like, here's a coin for my great, 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 great grandfather that he pulled from the body of a Turkish soldier when they were fighting in the, 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 What's we call? What's the wars that they fought? The the Crusades. Yes. He pulled the from the body of a Turkish uh, general, and this coin was around his neck, and 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 these lads were taking him in, valuing him, finding out the history of him. Numismatism. Mm. Uh, that 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 uh, you wouldn't think back then that you just have, it's hard to conceive that they would give any fucks about anything. Like antiques and whatnot, and you know tr- treasures of that style. Like now it's collectors. an antique because it's the rarity, but then it was because of the Quantum quality of the metal. Silver. Okay, yeah. yes. So yeah, if yeah, you had like got excited by metal, yeah. If you yeah, had yeah. really good quality gold, you knew that it wasn't like mixed in with. Uh, remember the gold episode we talked about? So gold is usually and oftentimes mixed in with silver in the smelting process because they yeah, yeah. come in in the same rocks, right? But there's other metals. Um, not pyrite, but there's other metals that come in with the gold. So, like, you know the way you hear 24 karat gold? That means it's, like, the purest. Well, there's there's more carats than 24 in gold. But 24 seems to be a very uh, valuable uh, mint of gold. Is that the measurement? Is it? Carat. Yeah. So, the very valuable carat is, like, 24. Usually, like, wedding rings and shit like that are, like, 9 carat because they're mixed in with, like, yes. zinc or mixed in with, like... I'll jump in here because plenty of gold's and I get this little bit... 18, like, I think 18 carats is, is the is the highest you go with jewellery because after that it starts to get fucking, like, buttery. You know, it's, yeah, it's softer, yeah, so yeah, it's no good. So 18 carat is about as high as you go for jewellery. And I think 24 carat, I don't know, I don't know where that comes on the line, but it probably starts getting pretty useless after that in terms of it's too soft, you know. Too yeah, but that's what they keep the blocks. Coin, can, that's like 0.999 percent gold and then there's a little bit of alloy in there to keep it hard yeah. but even at that you you can you can buy you ever see them you see them bite the Indiana coin Jones shop, yeah. Yeah. you can put shit. a dent in a gold coin and easy is, that, is the reason why they measure in carrots because it kind of looks like you're biting a carrot the way bugs yeah what's up doc never forget <laughs> but it's a it's um it's a measurement of the like you can get you can get like diamonds that are like Two hundred carats or whatever. So it's they like reckon they've, they've actually just the measurement of the density, the value per, for the density of it. So if you have a a high carat gold, it means it's very dense, which means that it's a very high value because most of the metal that's in it is gold. So if you get a nine carat, a nine carat ring has like the chance of like different alloys in it to help keep it hard. So it's not. Um, that's white gold in, on the inside of that. So I don't know what the fuck white gold is. I said it might be a heap of fucking. White gold is a aluminium inside in the thing. I'd say. Yeah, I knew what that was, and I don't know so far. Yeah, we talked. About, we talked. We did talk about white gold in the gold episode, but it's like uh, they mix it in to keep it to keep it from getting all floppy. So like nine carat is like the average for like wedding rings and stuff like that. You can get eighteen carat, but again, it's a softer ring. And like if you knock it off at and it goes bunk and it gets and then you have to bring it back and get it redone. So nine carat is a more robust type of thing. Keep so an these eye boys, out too, um, just in, for going forward over the next couple of months, something thirty one billion euros worth of a seam has been found in Uganda. Uh, Uganda. So keep an eye on. I that. tell you, it's who not, has, who, who's and it's not thirty one billion. 
it's what do we say? 10, 12, 12 trillion. trillion yeah. So the amount of gold that's in the planet right now is 10 trillion. And Ugandans have just found 12 trillion. So they've halved. Wow. Doubled the amount and half the price, half the price. of gold. I'm calling Shane bullshit. Shane is very bullshit. I'm very the only thing I, would say I sent this to him the minute, I, the minute it came out in the news. I said, Shane, gold. And the he was only like, thing I would no. say is have a look at what interest, uh, who has the top uh, interest in Uganda. Out. China. England has also been pumping millions in in charity every year. But China have been pumping people in. Of course, in. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uganda is full of Chinese people now. I have a guy coming the, on. The reason I think I this is... a gold miner coming on. Oh, cool. he's, in, he's, in, uh, he's in what was previously known as the Ivory Coast. He's an Irish guy from Tipperary. Oh, right. Um, but he, he, he has, a, has a very interesting TikTok where he's, he just, he's so factual. And he, I like if you're interested in machinery and stuff like that, but he's so factual on the politics of the area. He has no problem with the Chinese, he said, because in fairness, they do come in there and they work as an actual firm in that they employ local people. And they go, well, this is us on the surface. We're buying up everything, but we'll employ local people and whatnot. Whereas he says, he says the people that would absolutely creep him out are the French. They roll in there military style, don't ask for nothing. They just bleed the place. And they roll in there, like he says, 100 trucks and they'll have mercenaries with every truck and a machine gun and they'll just bleed the place and pull out with whatever they need and ask for nothing. And he says the French are the biggest... They're well used to doing that in Africa, though, to be yeah, fair. Yeah, this are, is yeah, what the likes of Gerald Salente is saying about the Chinese. He goes, look, he goes, I'm not, I'm not enjoying watching a potential Chinese takeover, but here's the fucking thing. The Chinese are doing business. What America did for the last 100 years was war. You know, the way they went in yeah, yeah. military-wise. The Chinese are doing fucking business. And it's business to their advantage, but it's business. Again, same as Meyer and the boys. Business is business. Businessmen do business. A, a billionaire, a Chinese business billionaire was asked in recent years, how did he become so successful so given that he's, um, he, he would give unbelievably good it would be an unbelievably good deal he would give his customers. Is this Jack Ma from Alibaba? Yes. And he said, well, why would he's you... He's dead now or he's disappeared. They disappeared him because he talked shit about uh, Xi Jinping. Right. Shit. Richest what man you... in China and he just... He got fucking... No. By all accounts, his, his reasoning for... Like, he was, he was never he was never a vicious cutthroat to his to his, <laughs> his investors or of any sort. Why would you always do such good percentage for your... And he said, because they'll always... Always come back to be the good king. Be the king that provides for his people. Doesn't beat the fucking piss out of him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Before we just leave that, the reason I think it's a gravel. The reason I think this, 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 it's too much gold. It just seems what is it? Three times the amount of gold that's already in existence. Like we've been mining it forever, and it's three times that. Um, no, the, it's, it's one point two times. It's it's okay, like doubling the gold. Huge. Like because most amount. of the gold that's ever been mined is still here. We haven't yeah. really pissed it away. Ten trillion pissed dollars. Pissed away silver. Um, Every time there's a kind of uh, a market, they were beating the shit out of gold in 2008 as well. Every time there's a, a stock market crash coming, they terrorize the gold market because yeah. they, they're, they, they, you know, it's a good way of shaking the gold out of weak hands. If they, we're probably looking at the biggest depression that's possibly ever been coming because of the amount of money that's been pissed away in the last 20 years, like putting the Western world out of work and giving them 350 quid a week for COVID and stuff like that. There's a big fucking correction coming. The Western and world the is going to be the next time, third world. They're, they're claiming to have found an amount of gold that would torpedo crash the fucking gold price. I, I, 
I, look, I haven't looked into it, but I think I yeah. think uh, it it would crash the gold market. It would shake the gold out of weak hands, and the the real cute whores like the way like the way uh, Warren Buffett bought insane amounts of silver back with the last crash. I think the real players in this world will fucking buy the lot at a knockdown price. You could probably knock silver down to a fucking fiver. You could probably knock gold down to about 600 quid. Buy the fuck out of it. And then right when the crash is about to happen. And then and diamond when hands. the crash happens, yeah. kablamo. So look, that's just my theory. I haven't looked into it. I'm just it's literally only a rumour though. The Uganda thing is literally only a rumour. Yeah, it could be a thing convenient. to go like, oh quick, we got to sell all our, if they're after finding that much, we got to sell all our gold wells at a high price now. Mm. And they're, they're out to get all their hands on all the gold. But the thing about these uh, numismatists, they were getting this gold and stamps are very important for the integrity of yeah. uh, gold. So Shane, I know you said in the show you have a bunch of silver so you got silver coins, you got silver bullion, you got silver blocks, and each one hey, of them. Let's went, not talk about that. <laughs> let's but, cut that out of the fucking bag. But, but each one of them, each one of them, because you've already said I that on the show. I also have a wife and a child. I don't want being shot. But you, you already said it on the show before. I know, so it's yeah, out there for hundreds let's of not say that, Let's not say that again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the mountains of silver that you have buried all over your property. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The uh, the silo that you swim in that's full filled with silver. Um, all of those have like insignia. They all have like a traceable, not not a serial number, but definitely like it stamps trust. to prove that this has been assessed by a certain company or a certain uh, trust. Is that what you call it? No, but I mean it's it, it's it's a it's trusting. It, 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 you trust the mint because it's kind the of mint, a, mint, it's, yeah. it's it's a, it's a not an easy thing to do to for it to be struck so well. It's that, hard to I've counterfeit never that gold. Is that what it tastes like? Hmm? Mint. <laughs> but, uh, How interesting! Mm. Yeah, it's a seal of approval. It's a seal of yeah. this is good, especially with silver, because like silver's so cheap, it wouldn't actually be worth your while to to find to an ally like that it. would kind of yeah. fit the right weight and look, and then go to the trouble of fucking ma- making such a nice strike. That's a waste of money. Yeah. Unless silver goes to like a grand a coin, that will it will never be worth a counterfeiting. But that's why you see those big gold bars that they always have like the waiting grams, or you see. The people that have the there's like um you can buy these like necklaces they're like two inches long and an inch wide mm. and it has like you know a hundred grams yes, of gold yeah, and it has yeah. the thing and it was a serial number and it has like a crest and it's boom so whoever put that in has a has a stamp on it so you know where that has come from is a reputable source and that gold isn't mixed with anything it's not you know it's not hasn't been interfered with but also that's why the it dates hasn't on been, it. That's because dates sometimes on the alloy changes and sometimes the, the amount of gold and silver drops over time as mm-hmm. the civilization dwindles and they start you know that's when so this is what I'm talking about so the, the, they have the numismatists have coins that are coming in that they have dates on them they have time they have like uh, you know a, a royal seal so they know what country they're coming from so they're able to tell the value of the gold not least now we look at it and go oh it's got such and such a king's head it's from this year mm. That's the value. It's the the intri- like the non intrinsic, like the ta- the intangible value, which is like it's rare. Nobody has one that's still in this shape. The last person to touch this was probably someone from that time. You know, you find all Aztec coins and like, oh my god, like mm. some fucking you know um, Indiana Jones shit. So these boys, these numismatists, were getting their hands on old money from like Middle Eastern, from African, from like South American gold coins that were like. You know, minted by well, was the purpose? amateurs and going, 
this is gold that hasn't been and was interfered the with for to, years. To, like. to buy these as assets to put them away, or was it the purpose to bust them out at the next dinner party and go, oh, come here and I show you guys? A little bit around. of column A, a little bit of column okay. B. Yeah, right. I'd say so over time, all this. The, the whole antique, now, the numismatic value, the, yes. the, the old value... Uh, would have would have got higher and they were like oh right this one's a rare one and we and can add bullshit value it was to about it. the quality of the metal that yeah. was stamped was it, by the seal and by the year to go like okay this was made in this kingdom their gold it's like do you ever hear a fucking you know in in, um, in uh, uh, Game of Thrones they have like the Vespar it's a, oh, not Vespar it's Mandalorian Valyrian steel Valyrian, Valyrian steel, steel. Yeah. so yeah. they know that that steel it's has been good. folded a certain amount of times and it's like a Kobayashi Fucking yes, or sin- sword, yeah, Shinju yeah, yeah, yeah. sword or whatever, like you they know, know Grandmaster made it. Like it's yeah. folded a thousand times. It has a. It's been properly made. all the th- like the quality of the metal. Like basically how it's been how it's been smelted and minted makes it like really really perfectly valuable as a metal itself. As a metal or just like, but then as a numismatist to go, it has the exact right weight, the exact right shape, the details, the artwork, the stuff. So these princes would get these, and it did give them to the, the Jewish lads and the Judengasse, they'd value them and then they'd hang on to the coin and give the princes out cash. And then the princes would operate around the town buying clothes and buying fucking soldiers and paying for whores and buying fucking sandwiches. Was going to create, uh, you know, to like an, almost to, to become an agent for these things and an expert to go, what I say goes, lads. But that's like, the thing. It's like, the art, it's like art, art experts who come exactly. in and look at a fucking some cunt suck a potato to a fucking yoke and went, that's four million. And they made a market and among themselves yeah. so that they were able to give out operating capital to these princes who wanted to live like princes. And then those princes would tax their people and get the money back from the... Because the people were working, the princes weren't working. They were just holding the gold coins. But in order to get them into liquid assets... Mm they would give the gold, the gold coins into the Jewish lads and the Jewish lads would give them out operating cash and the boys would walk around and buy all the stuff sandwiches for everybody you know and um, then when they collect taxes then off their peoples the cash that the lads would get from selling cows or crops or whatever they take a little bit of the cash and they give it up to the prince and the prince would, if he wanted to move the gold on somewhere else or if the price of gold had gone up that he was like I want to get those gold coins back as if a fellow over here is wanting to pay me this so he used to pay the Jewish lad back say like a thousand pound and he gets the coin and he brings it over to the other guy and he sells it to him for 1200 now this is where the arbitrage comes in and that's what usury is so you'd be when charging people interest start on putting them. them on their teeth to become rappers <laughs> <laughs> your both seem to be expert on this but that's exactly a, a demonstration of wealth you know those guys like island boy I'm an yeah. island boy like those two lads have their teeth caked in real diamonds mm. each of their mouths has eighty thousand dollars in it and they were on like I don't know like a Jake Paul fucking uh, oh, podcast. Yeah, you'd all see the clips. And they like, pulled yeah. out the they pulled out the diamond testers. The boys like, yeah man, it's daddy grand man, my mama teeth man. And you're like, how how do you eat uh, a sandwich? Should look at the they're in a fucking pick on I'm sure they'll be dead emaciated the two boys like. But like imagine you're chewing and you're like, oh geez that's a bit hard and you're either swallowing like eight grand's worth of a fucking diamond. Yeah, you got that down. back though. You yeah, really, would yeah. you? You'd be shitting into fucking you'd be shitting into some a careful shits Well, again, that. what you do is you hire somebody who really knows about shit. But this is what I was going to bring it back to. Sift, like, sift your w- shit. What is happening there? That's a little prince, probably a, a third generational kind of wealth kind of guy. Who yeah. All he knows about money is that he has a shit ton of it. And he's going down to his, his local Jew, maybe, or whoever's uh, working uh, the finances in the area. And he's going, here... You figure that out for me, and yeah. they're like, "Oh, cool, real money." And here's your here's your paperback. You know, now we could 
fully get in, and I hope to do it at some point in the future, fully get into, I think we might have talked about it in one of those Money and Gold episodes, the black community's penchant for demonstrating wealth through uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. jewellery, through you know pendants and rings and, and grills and stuff like that. Did you ever watch the movie Uncut Gems? Yeah, brilliant. How fucking amazing. That's Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler. I I watched half an hour. It's a tough watch. I'll be honest with you. Oscar worthy. Stressful, isn't it? I was up to 90. I was only in the door from work and or from a gig and I was still pumped and I went, Jesus Christ, I can't watch this. After doing this this episode now about about the boys, get get that fucking Uncut Gems into you, man. Okay. I tell you, I won't, right. talk, I won't talk about okay. it no more. He should have got a fucking Oscar for that. That 100%. was an unbelievable, unbelievable fucking performance. performance. I couldn't believe it. I was like, Adam Sandler but, is a fucking great actor. But it's a little <laughs> insight into the modern numismatism. He has all, like he has he has Furbies in a shop that are diamond encrusted, oh, and they're like sixty grand or eighty yeah, grand, yeah, yeah. and he's selling them to rappers to hang around their chi- around their, on a chain, ironically, mm. because it was from their childhood. And he has like ninety grand Furbies. Jewel encrusted. You're like, that's bond. Who the fuck buys them? And it's like people buy them. You know, <laughs> like it's fucking crazy. But that's that's the the level that people are at now. Back then, people were bringing these coins to these lads because they wanted operating capital, right? So, so these Jewish lads they ended up being, like we said, users and numismatists. All they needed was a little bag of coins and a book. And they were able to keep the the notes of all the money that they lent to people all the interest that they were owed and when they moved to the city they'd be able to send a courier or send a letter to somebody to be like hey bro you owe me like f- you know 8% on the VIG I want that the first of the month and the blah 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 and they knew they always had money coming in and it was generating profits from nothing because like they were they had the cash operating to give these people out money to be walking around with and the price that you would pay for having that operating capital was that you'd pay an interest back mm. that's usury and you weren't producing anything. You weren't manufacturing anything. You weren't designing anything. There was no um, creation of any kind. It was the fact that you had money and they didn't have money. And in order for you to get a lend of their money, you have to pay them a little bit extra back. How far? And, and, and some was, people and far Christians have come. Yes, yeah, in that, yeah. And that right now, the Irish government are trying to push through a law that if your mammy lends you money, you have to pay you, tax on it. You have to yeah. pay tax on it. If your mammy lends you ten grand, and again, you have to pay tax. That I will mean, be our choice whether they we fucking go accept and that. Fuck themselves. Yeah. They can come get it. I yeah. dare you. It's bloody awful. Three millimeters here. Nah. So the knowledge the little prince is paying for is the fact that these guys, they're a nomadic tribe. They're probably in all the countries that the money is coming from, and they're able to get message back. Come here. See the one with that king's head on it. How much silver was in that when they were making that? You know that kind of way. They have that knowledge that these kings need. They, these kings are probably getting that in in bucketfuls from ransacking these countries, yeah. and they don't really know how much is in it. They just know they're taking the wealth from there and they're bringing it back home. And they need these guys. And you, you'd nearly have to be a nomadic tribe to have that knowledge, to have the knowledge the of all the different currencies yeah. around the world. They've created yeah, it. That's but, but but bigger bigger than that they share knowledge amongst themselves yeah. because they are the tribe of Israel. They are literally a tribe. They're a community. And I know there's like infighting, the blah, blah, blah. And if you're a Jew and you're listening to the show, Mazel, you know, um, <laughs> you're probably thinking I'm some sort of a shlemiel for talking about this the whole time, you know what I mean? But, <laughs> what? That's how we talk. <laughs> Come on, Tom. I'm schwitzing here to try and finish this up. Right? <laughs> that if you're a Jewish person and you're listening to this show at home, 
uh, you're kind of going, oh, the boys don't have a fucking notion. But like, realistically, I think probably Muslims probably be second to Jews in the community stakes for we take care of our own. We mind our own. We mind each other. There's compassion there, genuine compassion. You know, they do like sit shiva and they do all those funeral things, same as Irish do. Irish and Jews have a lot in common as regards that respect, but there's some kind of a, and also the overbearing mothers and the guilt and the shame mm. and the internal, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. conflict. But there's some kind of, um, some kind of thing within the Jewish community that they'll, they'll share assets, they'll mind each other, they'll be like, and maybe it's, you know, post-World War Two thing, maybe it's a, you know, all the way back to fucking Moses in the desert and they're all sharing bread and they're like, where the fuck does the bread keep coming from? You know, this kind of thing. That it's like, they seem to mind each other. So these boys are sharing all this information across the globe, all of these different Judas, all these different numismatists. Like, it's it's not like arm around the copy book, like, you can't, you can't see my work because, like, if you see it, then there's no room for me. There's no... Maybe I'm wrong, but there's I, no. no it feels right. like I, I, there's I read, no. Uh, Andrew uh, Clavin's autobiography, so he's Jew. He's Christian yes, now, but know, he is, yeah, yeah. He is a, a a Jew, and from he, he uh, the Daily Wire. Oh, yeah, I, oh, I thought it, and I he thought described it was like it was Hickory like his Dickory uh, Dock. This bitch was sucking my oh, not Clayton, it's Dice Clayton. Sorry, 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 sorry. So, <laughs> oh, <laughs> little, little boy Blow, he needed the money. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine Andrew Dice Clavin? <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, we just ruined this man's Sorry, life story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was with this Jew broad the other night. <laughs> she introduced me to her mother. Very nice woman. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he... Uh, he was basically describing his... I don't know if it was a fucking... Is your bar mitzvah your coming of age one? Or is that... Yeah, bar mitzvah. Yeah, yeah. Bar mitzvah for a girl and bar and mitzvah. he described what he got. And it would have been from, you know, the gifts from the community, you, from the synagogue. You, and it was enough to fucking you the po- set you up. The possible and, for a house, like. It's your business. Yeah, big, your, like, yeah. like kind of 50 grand big. Like, it was yeah. like silver and fucking all sorts mm-hmm. of shit. And it was like... Assets, I was stocks going, and bonds. Man, there's strength in that. There's yeah. fucking strength yeah. in that. Because it's, it's a little bit from everybody. Yeah. And they know they're all And they give it to you at 13, and then they go, you are now a man. Mm-hmm. So that means that you don't have to worry about hustling, doing a fucking weekend job, doing a bit, concentrating your education. You don't yes. have the desperation involved that, no would, desperation. that, would, that would cause you to be immoral, yes. uh, less moral. You're not that kind of... It's Taking risks you. and doing that kind of stuff, like uh, negating your your true destiny for yeah, being like a doctor or a lawyer, like yeah. something like that, yeah, that yeah. you end up being able to concentrate on your education because you have that thing to sit back. You're not going to be in debt in a student loan for fucking 20 years in your 40s paying off like 33 grand of a loan and massive interest and all this stuff. It's like, no, no, no. That's my cousin Herschel. He does that. It's a big thing for all of those New Yorkers. You get your bar mitzvah money, honey. We're going to send you to Yonkers. Like, it's not, it's, they know what they're doing, like. But that's the thing. And it's like, yeah, you might be a fuck up. The thing is, but like, if you're doing that for everybody in your synagogue or in your community, mm-hmm. nine out of ten, they might be a fuck up and piss it all up the wall. But you're still creating the odds that one of them is going to succeed and probably start a business or generate more wealth and that'll, you know, and they'll be the guy in the synagogue dropping a fucking block of silver into someone's, you know, bar mitzvah bag it's next time. It's a fierce, healthy you way know, of doing a, it. In you Ireland, know, we like, have a similar thing where we give money for the confirmation, which is the matzah, mm. like Mazel Tov, you know, now you're a man and 
you kind of have to do your, you know, with the with the the bar mitzvah, you have to get up and you have to recite, like all of this. You do your fucking recitation. You have to practice the whole thing, do all the pronunciations properly, and then you go through the whole thing. They give you your, you get your little hat, you get your scarf, you get your little cloaking, mm. and and then you get to collect your money and you get to do all the thing. But you have to swear yourself like deeply into the religion, and the same with an Irish confirmation where the bishop will come to the to the local church and all the kids in the primary school all line up, and he'll anoint you with like fucking holy oil. That's super rare, Maria. It's fucking hot Vaseline, right? And uh, the bishop comes along, fucking hot Vaseline's your forehead, and you have to like swear an allegiance to the church and go like, do you reject Satan and all his works? I do. Do you promise not to drink alcohol until you're aged 18, which is the pledge that we all take? I mean, it's mm. an ironic thing to ask. Do you remember that? Like, like, come yeah. on. But that's the reason they're like, please don't drink. <laughs> and we all went, think, oh, no, I never think, even thought of drinking yeah. alcohol. Hmm. <laughs> I wonder what, what, what's the big deal? But think about all the things that you're promising to do at that confirmation. It's like, I'm not going to drink because it's a distraction from your education. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to fuck, uh, fornicate with the devil. I'm not going to fornicate before marriage. I'm not going to... All these things you promise are distractions to your potential success. And then at the end of it, all your family line up and they all give you a few bob. Mm. What's you get for the confo? Got 1100, man. Yeah. But they don't, they don't. They take that eleven hundred and they buy a fucking PlayStation and a Nintendo Switch yeah, and a fucking yeah, pair of runners yeah. and they just blow it on material things Whereas, like, the, the lads that get their bar mitzvah money, they're like, that's my nest egg. Yeah. Because and that's the thing. That I, wonder I, how, I have to say. When like, they get it, in inverted commas, how do they get it? Or is it through Mammy's fucking credit union account? And you're going, as well. You're like, not seeing that till you're 21. Yeah. Either you know are. I mean, you know, you know, let's be honest. Like, I mean, you're not going to go, and there's your debit card. Work away, son. In yeah. the TV shows yeah. and movies that I've watched, like, the trope is there's always, like, one kind of, you know, uh, like Sam Levine plays uh, the character in Freaks and Geeks and he's the guy who's like not my bar mitzvah money and the boys would never want to have an adventure to dip into your man's bar mitzvah hmm, money right. right? there's always a few lads like that I'm sure people want to blow it up their fucking arse with a straw you know yeah. Yeah. but you're right though we basically but do it's have a community the same thing, thing but, like, and I guess maybe Clavin just screw up in a, in a higher echelon household so yeah. he just got that bit more money but um but imagine being yeah, like... So I, guess, I suppose we do have the same thing. We just weren't fucking paying attention imagine being in, a, in, a, in an opulent fucking community in America, let's say in Hollywood, and you're... This, like, I remember watching Entourage, like, at Ari Gold's kids, like, mm. and like she had a bat mitzvah. And it was like, congratulations, honey, you're a woman now. You know? It's all downhill from here, darling. Right? And they gave her fucking hundreds of thousands because all of his mates were rich. So you can imagine, like... You're getting that. I don't know. Can you can you get taxed on your bat mitzvah money? I don't. I think it's tax free. Maybe. Oh, I bet it is. Right. Bet it is. <laughs> That's what I mean. Cheers. And you get your. You get your. <laughs> what is that thing that keeps on coming in over the microphone? That is a weird. <laughs> yeah, interference. I'm not even. I don't even have headphones, and I can still hear. It. Yeah, it's yeah. weird. Um, yeah, so you get that money, or like, let's presume, you know, tax free, and uh, you're 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 sitting on all of that stuff then for your whole thing. If you're in a rich. That's a fucking nest egg, man. You could, like, go to Cancun. I'm taking a year off. I'm going on a year out. Like, it's not like I'm saving up to buy new shoes because I have holes in these ones mm. because I was working a fucking part-time job at the weekends all, you know, all through secondary school and I need new shoes for going to college. Like, you got one pair of good shoes mm. that you only wear at good occasions and then your other shoes were just but your it's shoes. A, it's a dangerous thing getting soft money like that. Like, yeah. you have to have a serious system in place for passing that on to the next generation. That's that philosophy, Because, yeah. you know, the hard times, hard people and all the rest because 
the poor old lads in the Juden Gaza, like they were left with no choice but to use the top two inches of grey matter because you weren't allowed farm, you weren't allowed that's f- what I, that's what walking I'm around the place. You, they, they, they the Christian no created their own enemy by putting those lads into the corner and then vilifying them for the only way that they could survive. Because if you left them lads all have an acre each or a half acre each, they weren't going to be worrying about fucking coins and not because yeah. they were going, well, we, we can grow our own spuds here. This we is- do this in every walk of life as well. Like like how many people, t- the drug dealer is the big dirty bastard, but it's yeah. like, again, it's the guy providing the sin to you that you want it, that you're the market. You know that kind of way. If nobody was taking the drugs, the drug kingpin doesn't exist. And you're like, the bastard. Like the mass and dads. are all allowed to get drugs easily. Yeah. Like how many people take coke on a weekend and think drug dealers are scumbags probably yeah. a lot Every, like upper class the upper class all guys who but they're doing those ad coke. campaigns now for like do you know where your coke comes from because like that's the same lad that brought over your coke probably human trafficked in the same container probably you know killed people for it like there, there's blood on your hands there's an ad for the coke and the lads are doing the doing a coke like that and then there's like blood all over their hands and they're like putting their hands up to their face like going mm. ah, is it me bleeding and it's like the coke so there's blood you on your hands everything right? that's wrong you're, you're, in, the you're the one that's buying it so you're the one it's so funny to see like you know the pushers out pushers out like all of these protests in the 80s and 90s all of these mas and dads that would come out and protest against all the drug dealers in their community because all their kids were on heroin yeah and like did you ever stop to think? Did you ever stop to think? Like, it's like, a, like a, you know, did you ever stop to think that the reason all your kids are taking heroin is because you were fucking emotionally distant or emotionally abusing them or baiting them around the house or your the dads are alcoholics and coming home and fucking kicking seven shades of shit out of all the kids? So when they were 15, some fella was like, do you feel as dead inside and empty and fucked up as I do? Yeah, try this heroin, it's deadly. Brilliant. Feels like a hug. And then they're all on heroin and the parents are going... Drug dealers, get out! And the drug dealers are all like, it's your fault that I'm so rich, you stupid cunts. Like, it's brilliant exactly, to be able to have somebody yeah, to point yeah, a finger at. That's exactly yeah, what that's heroin the, addicts say about heroin as well. They like say like, it's love. like being in the womb. Yeah. And they're like, that, that's mother's what's love, lacking, man. you know? Big time. So yeah, the Jews in Frankfurt, like, ended up, you know, paying a, uh, paying a pretty hefty price for living there. Like you said, they weren't allowed to do anything. They weren't allowed to go anywhere. They didn't have enough money to eat. Didn't have enough money to sleep. Dumb and dumber. Um, very restrictive. Boxed into the Judengasse. And even boys, they were banned from roaming the city of Frankfurt at night or on Sundays, any Sunday. Some Sunday there's no mass. <laughs> and if they wanted to cross a bridge in the city, they had to pay a toll for every bridge they wanted to cross. Christians didn't have to pay no tolls. By all accounts, a Christian could actually stop them in the street and say, pay your Jews, Jew. And they would actually have to doff their cap. Yes. Yeah. They had to show them respect yeah. like that, yeah. That is, is that where pay your, pay your Jews comes from? <laughs> Maybe. Ah, uh, you have to give him his Jews. Why? Well, he owned them. Fair Jews to him. Yeah, fair Jews to him. <laughs> Just second class citizens, man. Yeah. It's like three-fifths of a person, like for African-Americans in, yeah. in the US, like, in slavery times or whatever, in post-slavery times. The like, dog had more rights. Sir. Fucking crazy. So would you blame these motherfuckers for being like, you know what, I'm going to start uh, numismatist activities? Absolutely not. Tell them all about it, those conspiracy guys. One of the first boys that really got this thing uh, on lock, down pat, uh, ended up being the most probably famous uh, Jewish name the richest, head of the richest family in the world, sick, uh, possibly. I don't know, is it the richest? They're so sacred of 
but it's uh, a guy called Meyer Amschel Bauer. And uh, Shane, you're going to tell us a little bit about Meyer. Yeah, there's a touch of how got on. Tony Soprano about Meyer, isn't there? It's a small bit. I like it, man. I'm kind of uh, like to be honest, without getting off the fence. I, I I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of Meyer. Whatever yeah, the young lads did. Yeah, yeah. Meyer's got it going on, man. Anyone who digs themselves out of the rubble, yeah. you're like, I mean, we're looking at this hundreds of years later where you're thinking like, oh, it's, it's all gone corrupt. Of course, of course, aspects of this has gone corrupt. You know, that yeah. kind of when you get all the other generational kids involved and, uh, you know, they, they, they aren't the guy, the, the initial guy was. So there's a weakness to them. So they become more corrupt as time goes on it's because like they're, they're still tape. trying to feel yes, like the dawn. Yeah. Yeah. Rec- do you remember you record off a tape? And the tape, on the tape, on the tape. And, and it never got better. It just got weaker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Meyer seems to be like the original Gary Vaynerchuk or something like that. You know, like... Who? Gary V. Gary V. You know Gary, oh, v? Gary v. v, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes like, just go down to, you know, any car boot sale and buy a load of stuff and then sell it on eBay and just generate wealth and, and end up... Getting a bunch of money and just, if you have nothing for doing. TikTok and Instagram, yeah. yeah. He's like, obviously, like, it's hustle culture to the wall and it's kind of toxic now, but he gave me a lot of inspiration in my early TCG days because I'm just like, just get up, just do it. Him and Casey Neistat is just like, Bam, bam, oh, he's bam, not bam, that bam, fucking businessman, the billionaire who goes around, like, trying to get something for 50 cent off yeah. a fucking nine-year-old. Yes, yeah, yeah, what a bollocks, but yeah. <laughs> like, he, he put, but like, he, that's how you be a billionaire. I mean, he's undeniably a, a you know, a, yeah. a billionaire, so. Yeah, go on with Meyer and okay. let us know what the story is. The Rothschild dynasty began on the streets of uh, the Frankfurt Judengas. Judengasse, Judengasse. I was going to say Judengasse from all the podcasts. It's Judengasse, and- Judengasse, yeah. and from their half dozen generations, Meyer Amschel Bauer changed name, changed the name to Rothschild. Sprung fully formed and full of ambition from the dreariest of origins. The houses were not numbered in the ghetto; they were identified by a series of symbols in different colors. The Bauer House had a red shield on the door, and the name was chained to Roch- changed to Rothschild, which means red shield in German, was it? German, yeah. Yeah. Um, they think the name originated as far back as 1585, when they would receive post to such and such at the red shield, and it stuck. It, it, that's kind of like a, a thing of like owning your your you know like that was pro- like. Such and such at the Red Shield. The Red Shield was just that place where they just bundle all those mm. people into it and they're like, I'm going to fucking own that. It's like owning the N-word or yes, owning yes. the, the F-word. You know that kind of way? They're like, you know like what, the I'm wear that with a fucking badge of honour and I'm going to make this a good thing. If you're in a rough part of town that they end up like, uh, you know, some some kind of housing state or some like street, you know, yo, we're the Green Street crew, like Green Street for life. Like you're all, you know. Proper 12. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, do, you'll do nothing after drinking a bottle yeah. of this because we have the jack shit in ourselves. Yeah. Um, it's just as well it was a red shield and not a pile of bird shit on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the bird shit cool. dynasty. Yeah, it doesn't have um, the yeah. They had to, all, But all the houses had there was like a green shield and like a, a, a you know, an orange circle and it was, uh, you know, all done with symbols rather than words. And um, they'd send a post and they'd be like, Meyer, I'm Roth Shield in German, like, mm. so like Meyer at the Red Shield. So the postman will know, oh, it's Red Shield. Okay, this is for Meyer. So like, over over time, Bauer, I don't know, I tried to find the origins of Bauer and I went deep on the internet. I went it's, deep I into mean, books and stuff. I mean, he's in 24. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but his uncle was a, a get all these gold coins counters back in the, in the ghettos of Germany. <laughs> um, yeah, like, it, it, Bauer, 
was probably not an uncommon name, but like I think there was something in his family that he was happy enough to leave it behind. I, I, and people in, intimated that in some of the books. Frederick Moulton said something that I, I couldn't find what it was. So is he running away? His father was the first one to move. So, Well, it's like rappers taking on a name like 50 Cent. Or little little something. I think he's stepping up to the next the next plate. He's kind of like, yeah, Bauer. We did nothing with the name Bauer. Let's let's try something else. Uh, Red Shield. Yeah, that's a pretty cool. It's name. a good cool. way of creating like a mythology. Is yeah, like like it it's is. like what Coca Cola would do. Like they create like fake backstories and these corporations. You mm. know, it's creating a you, you know mythos and yeah, an entity that's kind of separate from reality. But you're gonna fuel it with your ambition mm. and your drive, and and you're gonna make this a thing. This Red like Shield that you're kind of slapped with. You're gonna. I'm gonna make this fucking red shield count for something, and it's mm-hmm. not gonna be. I'm not gonna be just among these this street full of other shields of different colors. I'm gonna. This this thing is gonna rise right to the fucking top. Yeah, you know? yeah. Marking. Yeah, it was definitely marking. His dad. His dad landed in to to Frankfurt, like he's like second generation Frankfurter, and um, I don't. I couldn't find where the dad had come from, but he come from another part of Europe. Mm. Was it Germany? Was it Austria? Obviously, Prussia and all that stuff was going on at the time. So, like, there was no solidified Austro-Hungarian Empire with German principalities. I don't know. Where, I can't, couldn't find where his dad comes from. Obviously, it's there somewhere, but I, I couldn't find it. But apparently, the story goes his dad was getting away from something, uh-huh. and they landed into Frankfurt, and then we're living in a pretty decent place, and then we're moved into the Judengasse while Meyer was very young. And then he raised his whole family then in the, the House of the Red Shield. So it's like, it's really like rags to riches. It's really like, comes from lower than the rest of the Jewish crowd. Not to big him up around, but I'm saying, by my reading of it, it seems like his family were a little bit less uh, ostentatious than anyone else kind of in the mm. area. And they were all at this kind of usury and... At these little businesses, like uh, you know, it was like uh, um, like garment makers, and there was you know, like different little businesses like around the place. Um, but the Bauer guys were already into counting coins. Yeah, when they moved there, Meyer was born in this place in seventeen forty three, and he lost his father and mother at age just twelve. Yeah, they both died of smallpox. Well, so yeah. he moved. They moved to Judengasse. They moved to Frankfurt as a baby. Moved to Judengasse at six or seven. Spent five years in the Judengasse and then his parents died. Isn't it ironic that really well-known sausages come from... <laughs> Frankfurt. Frankfurt. Or... And none of the lads that lived there are allowed to eat them. Yeah. yeah. That fucking, that's crass. <laughs> crimin- that's criminal. Like. <laughs> or like, Sorry, just or like, like, I love that's where your mind went yeah. at the time like that. And his or parents like, died when he was 12. Hold on, lads. Sausages. <laughs> Nine think times out of ten, that's where my brain is at. <laughs> just sausages. Think about, how many, think about how many lads living in Hamburg never had a hamburger. Yeah. <laughs> Poor old bastard. Do you know the me? price of the beef. I know. Yeah. It's, uh, it's weird though that like Meyer came from such, like, like I said, Absolutely fucked. His dad was doing the coin thing on a small, very small scale. Explained to him how it works. And then promptly, brown bread, within yeah. five years of moving in, both got smallpox and Meyer was left holding the can, you know? Yeah, and that's, that's a real sink or swim. The kid Fuck who survives that is going to be a force to be reckoned with. You absolutely, know, that kind of yeah. way that leader absolutely destroy you. But if you can move through it, that's, mm. that's going to be one fucking tough kid. Um, Meyer came to, into some inheritance from his father's money lending business, lending business and 
as far as Juden Gasa Jews go, they were decently well off. Mustaf. <laughs> Maya's father was a coin changer and Maya got to work with him uh, and learn the trade. Germany at the time was not the unified industrial power you know t- powerhouse you know today. It was broken up into innumerable small fiefdoms and townships and even spiritual jurisdictions and they all had their own currency systems. Any journey at all in wider Germany called for a money changer to facilitate and Bauer made his living by charging a small amount on top of each transaction. I mean, there you go. That's exactly what we were saying. Like, that is an environment ripe for the picking. If they're all separate and they're all trying to... The Germans weren't working with each other properly as a community. They're all doing their own little things, all trying to beat each other. And and by doing that, they created the opportunity for someone to come in and go, oh, I'd like to be the middleman here, guys. (laughs) You know, and then they're able to fucking create their profit off the kind of selfish system that was set up between the the various parts of Germany. But it was all... Your own sins. It was a bunch of little kind of counties that were all fighting for supremacy. Each one of them had their own prince. And like the Deutsche Mark comes from the the value in the notebook of each different coin from each different thing, and they'd make a mark beside it to see which one. So they just had to unify all the currency eventually into the to the Deutsche Mark, you know. Yeah. All of these little coinage, all of these little promissory notes, all of these little like currency until like nineteen oh eight. Currency globally, even in America, there was three or four different types of dollar. Uh, Europe there was all sorts of different fucking monetary systems. But there was no centralized system that would set the value. So what Meyer's father would do, I think his name was Amschel. Uh, what so what Am- Meyer Amschel Senior would do is to be a lad. Say you want to go from, you know, Frankfurt to Berlin, but the area in Berlin has a totally different currency. So Meyer, it's like, oh, hold on one second. I think I have a bag of those out the back. And they go out the back. And I remember years ago when we, when, when Irish people, we used to go on holidays to England and we'd always get fleeced on the thing. There was always like an auntie or something like that. It's like, I have 15 pounds in coins from the last time I went to England three yeah, years yeah, ago. Yeah, 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 I'll yeah. give it to you. And it was worth more, like having the actual sterling in your hand, like on the boat over. And you're like, oh my God, like this is more valuable than it's actually worth because I have it already. And I didn't have to pay for it. I didn't have to pay for it. I didn't have to change it. I didn't have to pay the usury amount and all that. The changing of the money and a little sliver on top for him meant that the work he was doing is seen by some as like inconsequential. Like a lot of people that look at this podcast and go, it's, well, it's fucking easy to sit here and blah, blah, blah into a microphone and fucking, you know, you get advertising revenue and people go on to patreon.com slash those conspiracy guys for ad free shows <laughs> and behind the scenes footage. But it was... Um, King boys. Yeah, <laughs> just that, that's why I'm here. And uh, you would look at those Jews and the Juden gas and changing money, money lenders, money changers. And go like, well, sure. Like, how hard is it? You only got a few, but like those boys had to keep up with the prices and stuff. That the, doing the maths in their head, changing all the stuff, and not only that, but can you imagine like if some a German Frankfurter gang just decided, hey boys, let's go down to the Judengasse and fuck up the Red Shield Bauer. I hear he has a lot of coins down there from Berlin. If we're gonna get those shekels, if we're gonna get them ducats, some he has some gold bars down there. If we're gonna fleece him, right? I don't know why they're talking like they're from fucking Tullo or something like that, but. <laughs> Um, Tolo Germans uh, How's it going boy? You going down the town for a pint off the, the Murphys? Um, so like like the security, the risk that he was taking 
the yeah, that's not a the, fun fucking business. It's not a fun business. It's stressful. It's you know trying to calculate, do all the calculations to make sure that you're not actually losing money. If you make the wrong calculations, the boys get to Berlin and the things are actually worth way more, and you screwed yourself. Like, you know, uh, there's a lot of risk in it, and the little sliver that they were taken off the top is seen by some who don't understand it as taking advantage, but it's providing a service. But I think at this time, pre-industrial revolution, service wasn't as valued as it is today. Mm. Like now, there's cons paying fifteen ninety nine a month for zeros and ones to be beamed into your television. Mm. And then you'll watch it and you'll actually like fight lads, you know. But no, no, I'm watching the... I want my zeros and ones. Come on, we watched your zeros and ones last night. I want my zeros and ones now. And you're paying like, you know, a ball of money for this. It's totally intangible. It's stuff that's been on TV for free for years. And now you're paying again for it. Like just the service that's there is the convenience of not having to download it to keep it on a hard drive to do all that. I'm talking about Netflix, Disney Mm. Plus, Amazon Prime. We've all watched them shits before. And you sit down and you pay $15.99 or $8.99 to each of these cunts. It used to just be Netflix, and now it's like ten different subjects. I guess so, but the the, the idea of paying, of creating, uh, actually needing to create in this day and age, a value from you know a value on changing money from one to the other. You go, why is it? It's it is a crazy notion when you think of your you have money for trainers in your hand. I have money over here in England for money for trainers in my hand, but. You can buy them faster than I can because your money is worth more than my money. Yeah, it's a mad notion when you think about it. They're still the same product. Same product. It's Do you just, know what I mean? Like, how do they get? Should I go on, on to Amazon? Co UK is doing like Amazon Ireland doesn't have its own Amazon, mm. so you have to buy it from Co UK, and they get a Prime with free delivery and the blah blah blah. So I'm paying for Prime. Well, I still don't get free delivery because it still has to cross the sea. Yeah, and it's all like, well, sure, what the fuck? Now it's obviously all you know business shit from Amazon, but it's just very odd. That money doesn't mean the same thing as it used to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's still lads who are doing this Bauer usury business. So, for example, like if you had ETH, if you had Ethereum. Yeah. To turn Ethereum into dollars, you have to pay what's called the gas price. right Oh. So they have to change the Ethereum into, they have to basically put it onto a market and have Which somebody to buy it. Uh, Fugaza, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's one uh, of them Fugazi. cryptocurrencies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So completely made up. I think it's the third most... Popular, the third strongest. It's a big one, yeah. Is it? There's Bitcoin, and then there's something else, and there's Ethereum. Ethereum's a big one, yeah. And it, it, there's loads of other subsidiary coins, like lesser coins that are built off the Bitcoin or off the Ethereum blockchain. Mm. So Ethereum has its own blockchain. But in order to get it out into dollars to be put into your bank account, you have to pay what's called a gas price. Right. But the gas prices are the fucking Bauer Rothschild yeah, yeah, sliver yeah. off the top. Because you have to pay for all the processing fees. They have to put that Ethereum onto the market. Somebody has to buy it. Then they have to tra- take the tran- like pay for the credit card transfers to come in, store the money, process it, pay the tax, do all the stuff. And then they pass it out to you. Like they're paying fees all the way in. You're paying fees all the way out. And then you're paying fees to cash it out. It's the same with PayPal if you're removing money from PayPal. Like it's just, it's a service. Yeah. And you pay a little bit off the top. So if you're changing any money on PayPal, you're getting like 1.5 to 3.5% less Yes, than what the yeah, money yeah, is worth yeah. when you're taking the money out in dollars and turning it into euros. Like, it's a lot, that's a lot of money, like. Mm. It is, yeah. It actually is over a year. Over a year? Yeah, it's a lot Depends of money. Depends like, like if you're taking out, a, like think about a hundred, a hundred grand. Yeah. Like, and, you're, and you're losing 3.5, that's three and a half grand you're giving to PayPal just to get your own money that's yours yeah. that was given to you. Yeah. They're like, well, 
we have to get a little bit. We held on to your. We have to get a bit of taste. Digital numbers. We held on to your digital numbers. That's what it is. And yeah. that, like, you're even clicking the button to send it and make the computer go whoop and, and vanish it over there. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we need that money. And it's like it's like when you buy a ticket for a concert now. Yeah, you do it all stop. yourself, and they and they you pay a transaction fee, and you're like, what transaction? I fucking did all this. You know, like, it used <laughs> to be those 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 Ticketmaster uh, charges used to be for the printing for the and the posting. Yeah, yeah the, the human the hand that touched the fucking thing. The physical paper ticket with the hologram, the whole thing. Yeah. Now you don't get that. It's all digital, but they still charge you those prices. Yeah, it's amazing. It's like a universal social charge that Ireland has. That's the vague. That's the Rothschild yeah. vague on top. Yeah. Just like if you just want to be an Irish person, we're just going to take like two percent of all your wages just for USC. Was that not a thing you brought in to help the economy when the economy crashed in two thousand eight? And now you should be shh, 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 shh. just keep paying it. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> the first ever income tax was was war based as well, and yeah. then it was like we're just going to do this now, and we're going to pay for the war, yeah. and then when the war is over and we've paid the debt back, we're back to no tax, and then it was like, <laughs> yeah, just keep that going. Do you, know? you want to just know start a another war? Do you know whose fucking idea that was? Mm-hmm. Meyer. These boys, oh. not Meyer, but the boys. Anyway, I digress, sorry. Meyer grew up fast, and after his parents' deaths and after receiving his inheritance, he wanted to earn money and invest wisely. Meyer left school early and uh, came under the apprenticeship of the firm Oppenheim at Hanover. By chance that's, when you're after, that's when the lads are drinking too much beer. That's where they go. A rage in Hanover. Oh, after passing through, getting a hamburger on the way to getting a Frankfurter. There's no better thing to start out of Hanover. It's a hamburger, hamburger. or a Frankfurter. That's what it is. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Hence why, yeah, I mean, Oktoberfest, that's why I ended up in fucking September, the mad bastards. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get this out of the way before Christmas. We'll leave the name, lads, but we can't fucking roll into Christmas with this head. I won't, I won't be right till Christmas. Oh, lads, I'm absolutely <laughs> fucked. I couldn't even look at another pint for in at least three months. And I, we can't let Christmas slip by because you know what we like with the parties and the, when it comes to the little log houses where we sell all the chocolates, we cannot do it. I'd be sick as a, as a I'm sick as a small hospitalised in housing. <laughs> sick as a small African village, but honestly, I don't even know what that is anymore because it's 1798. We've never seen an African. <laughs> <laughs> He's the only uh, apprenticeship for Oppenheimer and Hanover. Uh, by chance, he met uh, General von Estorf in his job, who was an avid collector and worked well with Mayer. Von Estorf likes Rothschild and connected him with the ruling elite in Hesse and Mayer was able to wiggle his way into doing business with these with this crowd. Yeah, it was just um, Mayer's hanging around in the, the Oppenheimer's office doing his business, looking real cool. He's a young go-getter, 18, 19, and he's absolutely smashing it, doing these great deals and these coins and finding his stuff. And he, he like there's tales of him like finding like rare things like stuff other people missed and we're like god damn you know your shit yeah he's but like, he's got the jump that's the class thing about he's yeah. got the jump on everybody he's doing the shit he's been a man since he was 12 exactly and he's, but he, and he's he's working with his dad since yeah, he's 4 or 5 yeah, his dad was teaching him all this stuff so like he's had this thing he's the Tiger Woods of coins yeah. right mm. yeah yeah and these lads are like oh he's a wunderkind so Van Estorf saw him and he's like you know what I have a few people that could use your expertise and it's all just like law of attraction I'm 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 Meyer's like, I'm just fucking, I want to be this thing. He's like, you know he's like? He's like uh, the Johnny Depp character in Blow. Mm. And he goes to the bank with his dad and the dad has no money. And he was like, I'm never going to be poor, dad. I'm never not going to have any money. And then the next thing he's like, no matter what, he's going to have loads of money, you know. Meyer's like, I'm not going to be my dad, nickel and diamond in the fucking Juden Gasse with a few, old, you know, coins here and there, like brass neck meeting these people, making opportunities and taking them. 
So Van Estorf basically plug him into this social pipeline, you know? Now, the German princes and royalty around the whole of Europe, uh, in fact, were all about marrying into each other's families and having little wars. Soldiers needed to be paid, and land and fiefdoms needed to be consolidated. So William of Hesse got married and went about the business of turning his fiefdom of Hanau into a little business maker. And von Estorf put William and Mayer uh, in touch with one another as William was hired into the coins. Mayer was still operating his business out of Frankfurt and William would love to head down there for the markets that would be held now and again. Yeah, they had these little kind of like coin expos and lads from all over come down and they set up in the Juden gas and have a kind of a... Like Coinicon. Like Coincon, yeah, a little, yeah, I like it. Lads coming dressed up as fucking like, hello, I'm from like Caesar's time. Look at me, I'm so roundy. <laughs> so they had all these lads come like from all over, and they had like you know, uh, uh, like Princess Jasmine walking through the market, be like, you ain't never had a friend, never had a friend like me, you know. These r- rich royals would come down and try and, it, you know what it is, man? It's these cons that go to these fucking. Uh, uh, you know, wine tastings are like, oh, I want to get a little cheeky, like a cheeky red. And I, the old Napa Valley. I'm gonna, like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to spend like, tw- I'm going to drop 12 grand on a really nice bottle of wine. Or like I'm going to like Gary Vee at the bo- at the car boot sales. Like I want to flex my expertise in this really weird, because he's a prince. He's nothing for doing. He's going around kicking the end of his robe, walking around the place, his dick hanging out. Like he's nothing for doing. So he's like, right, I'm going to head down to the markets and see Bit if I crack, could. Sure. It's a hobby. And it's like, I'm just going to flex my knowledge. Fellas do this shit. You would never know like, a fella could pick up an absolute steal of a bargain. Yeah, yeah. Find a really rare coin. And uh, he, he just wanted to fucking kick some shit around and see if he can find an old ring, an old diamond, an old coin. And uh, Meyer invited him down for the gas, like, you know? Not yeah. for the gas, that's really bad yeah. to say. Well, like, there's, 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 the a bunch of, the uh, there's a bunch of rat, rat childs who do the very same thing. They're just massive collectors of everything because yeah. it's like, again, they're assets that will appreciate. So you get your money the fuck out of money and get it into stuff that's always needed, whether mm. it's art or fucking coins. You know, it's, it's just a way of uh, solidifying your wealth and letting it grow. And then if you're really jealous like Hitler, you just kill all the lads and just take all the stuff <laughs> that they're just yeah. collected up for ages. It's like apocalypse rules, you know? Unless you have a load of guns, uh, you know, all the food that you have in the food stores, you just have to collect it up for some other cunt on the road. <laughs> Unless you have a load of guns, I'm dressing you up in S&M gear and making you walk on all fours, and you're now my dog. <laughs> I, I haven't planned this out at all. Like, <laughs> what's your what's your last name of fucking Bing Rams? It's like, oh. do, you ask, do you know, what's, his, what's the name of the movie? Uh, Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Get out the gimp. Say what again, motherfucker? Who's the fella they're looking at? Do you know? It's the guy that... Marcellus Wallace? Oh, yeah, Marcellus yeah, yeah. Wallace. Yeah, 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 yeah. You stand at the end of your garden going, Do you know Marcellus Wallace? Say what again, motherfucker? It's like, um, do you got any, have you got any milk? Have you got any clean water? Uh, it's the apocalypse. <laughs> Say what again, motherfucker? <laughs> With an AR-15, like, at the end of your garden. Sorry, Shane. <laughs> Uh, Mayer always had a little collection of goods to sell out for uh, William to peruse and got him some good rare shit. Yeah, he used to just kind of put aside the nice shit. Yeah. He, he, just he's to like, make William feel it's good. It's fucking prince coming down. It's like, let's look after exactly. this guy. And the thing is, like you were saying, if you're the fucking kind guy and your life, you, you need security. Yeah. You look after him because that man has an army. So it's like, let's, you know. It's... Well, this was M- Meyer courting William. 
Yeah. He was keeping some really good pieces. And yeah. then he's coming over to the table. He just sprinkled him in with the rest and hoped that he sees him. He's like, oh, maybe check out this one. He's like, oh my God, it's a super find. They're like, oh, well, you got me. You, you, you know. Oh, right. There making was a feel, that That's right. what I mean. It's like the fucking. Oh my God, you're such an expert. Oh, honestly. I thought he I was don't like, even know why you employ me. No. He, he was letting them kind no, of feel. Yeah. So he's letting them feel clever. That's yeah. so fucking smart. It's the Gary V shit. Like you're running, a, you're running a, 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 a car boot sale, you know? Yeah, he's And you're like, you keep all the fucking micro machines. And then Gary V is like, how many? How much for all of them? How much for all of them? And you're like, ah, $25. Like, thanks. Hey, is it, are you making this into a vlog? Yeah. Thoseconspiracyguys.com. So the website is, you know, and then you're on Gary V's channel and you do, it's a quid pro quo. Yeah. Why are fucking sucking his balls and going, I'm going to keep these rare coins of a few nice pieces and I flip them out and see, keeping them for William to make him feel cool. And clever. Because well if you're, done, if, if you William is it? being made to feel cool, he's yeah. going to keep that motherfucker around, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the relationship grew more and more solid as years went on and just at 25 years of age, Mayer thought the relationship was so good that he wanted to climb up the ladder a small bit. Because Mayer was Jewish, uh, he was at a disadvantage from most of the business done in Frankfurt, but he was able... But if he was... But if he was to get a title, uh, then he would be instantly more respected. So Mayer went about playing on the princely, princely vanity and sent a letter to see if he could get a promotion or an official appointment. A sample of something Mayer would have written goes something like this. It has been my particular high and good fortune to serve your lofty princely serenity at various times, and to your most gracious satisfaction. Mm. I stand ready to exert all my energies and my entire fortune to serve your lofty princely serenity whenever in future it shall please you to command me. Oh, command me, your highness. An especially powerful incentive to this would be Given me, if your lofty princely serenity were to distinguish me with an appointment as one of your highest court factors. Princely serenity. Lofty yeah. princely serenity is used quite a bit. Like, that's obviously a German translation of some, like, serenitiveness or whatever, you know. Uh, emails in the past feeling, feeling dirty asking for gigs. Lick holes. In particular. But, and, and I've written, hey, was, you know, because you've got to... But I... To bring myself to right, <laughs> your lofty promotional your s- serenity your, to serve your lofty princely serenity. I would get out of the comedy game if I, if I had to fucking write that. But in this, an email. look at if all he has to do is get him to bite once, and he knows, yeah. man. This is it. He's got a game. He's got a game this plan. Like it. it's like Gollum crouching before he goes, yeah. master, 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 and he's got his eye on that yeah. ring the whole time. You know, muscle tough hobbits. <laughs> hobbits is doesn't like to pokes. Pokes habits that hobbitses doesn't eat. Just pigs. Mm. Your small hatses. The small hatses and the hobbitses. Oh, there it is. Oh, hobbitses. These frankfurters and hamburgerses. <laughs> Makes the hobbits fatses. <laughs> Can you do a German? Uh, a German Schmiegel. golem. Come on. Jesus. Come on. Fifil eats you two mortals, as Fifil. No, it's too hard. Man. It's too many things <laughs> in the mouth. <laughs> yeah, the lofty princely serenity is a bit sick in them, but look at all he has to do is get one, you know. I am making bold to beg for this with some more confidence in the assurance that by doing I am not giving any trouble. While for my part such a distinction would lift up my commercial standing and be of help to me in many other ways that I might feel certain thereby to make my own way and fortune here in the city of Frankfurt. That is some sentence. Jesus, that is. In all fairness, he's laid it all out going, listen. Just basically. Fucking lo- he's playing. Uh, yeah, he's- You're a lofty prince and, you and, and you know, you got that serenity. Please give me the title of highest court factor 
and I'll be the king shit of fuck mountain for you here yeah. in Frankfurt. Like, after building up a relationship, making it feel good with the good coins, would many people ask for that? Like, you've big fat balls, Tom. Would you, like, you've asked for some shit that I, I wouldn't have even dreamed of writing down on a piece of paper and then thrown in the fire. Yeah. It's hard, but, like, it's it worth is, it. It is, but you, you look at the brazen neck on some people and you go, yeah, do you know what? What's the worst that can fucking happen? What's the worst that can happen? You can scrunch up the paper and go, fuck that guy. Yeah. We're going back to Frankfurt. Yeah. He's hardly going to do it. Like, because he's, he has a great time every time he goes over there. He feels class, finds a few bargains, finds a couple of Whopper coins. And let's be honest, Mayor is probably a sound skin. That's that's a big, big thing. He's That's the thing is he don't have the skin. That's the whole point. <laughs> he probably has it in a jaw. Yeah, yeah. You can show it. You can actually, yeah. But he's just, like, he's just, he's more, it sounds like he's a real nice like, guy to hang out with. Nice guy, but also like a businessman doing yeah, business. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. not a fucking pain in the hole, no. hard shaw. Every time you no. go over there, he's giving you a bust in your balls. Yeah. He's, but he's already proven his worth as well at that stage. You yeah, know, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he is an asset. His knowledge is an asset. Like, I remember uh, I was talking to a girl and she was like, she's kind of pissed off in her job. She's working in the same job for years. And then her ma just said, ask for a promotion. What are you waiting for them to come to you for? Just go up and say, here, look, I think I'm, I think I'm here. She was like, fuck, okay. And she did. And they were just like, yeah, okay. You know, that kind of way. Yeah, and it was just like, yeah. how many people are actively just going... The shortcut here is actually for me, I've proven my worth and now I want to step up and I can be more value to you if you allow me to step up, you know, and it's just like, yeah. you have to have the worth first, you have to have the value, but when you know your value and you're just like, here, look, I'm wasted on you unless you actually bring me up a rank and then I'm yeah. really going to fucking work for you, you know, yeah. Um, and yeah, this fucker gets it. He just Young. asked for the business, man. That's what it is. So Tom, can you then tell us when he did finally get his uh, appointment by, by William of Hesse. Uh, what happened? Yeah, so this, this is entitled The Prince and the Banker. The Prince and the Banker. I want to go see that in Broadway. <laughs> um, yeah, so William, uh, or William or William granted him the position of official crown agent of the Principality of Hesse, which was a huge deal from a Frankfurt Jew. This title and the desire for it encapsulates the Rothschild attitude to business at the highest levels of success knowing that such a title would tie his reputation to the highest and most powerful figures in the land, it would also yield much more business and trust from under higher high-level customers. It's like having a great quote on your poster. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, or a recommendation or a review from somebody, or like a, a, a what's that called, a testimony. A testimony, from, from yeah, From another yeah, like, yeah. trusted customer in the industry. But this is like royals recommending it's the royal Meyer to other yeah. royals. Like, that's... Cute. Don't get better than that. So Mayor Emshell Rothschild was now the world's first influencer. And on the 21st of September, my birthday, 1769, Mayor was able to nail a sign over the door of his office that said he and the prince were best buddies. Yeah. And the like whole the whole of Frankfurt knew this and shit And inside now. the, the, the Judenkasse yeah. as well, like... It was, it was auspicious and it was like unprecedented for the Judenkasse to get that kind of honour. That's some... Big, He's raising up his whole big dick energy in that. Yeah, like. massive, but no foreskin on that dick. <laughs> but it's big dick energy. On like big fully cut. Pulsated, yeah, veiny, yeah, dick throbby. Energy, yeah. But like an actual sound coming from it, like the, <laughs> like a low rumbling. <laughs> he he elevated his whole community. The whole of the Jewish community in the whole of Frankfurt was elevated by this. Yeah. Well they get to take pride in hey, our guy is mates with the prince or the king. You know, like, tough, like mm-hmm. you know these guys. Yeah. <laughs> The business Prince William got into some seemingly unsavoury wartime dealings. 
he would rent out Hessians to soldiers, to anyone who could stump up the money, without going into the intimate details of marriages, births and deaths of the Hesse Castle Principality. We can tell the story of 12,000 Hessians, some sources say up to 30,000, who were hired by Brit- by the British in 1776 to... Se- to be sent to the USA to fight against those pesky rebels. You don't hear about this, I think. No, you don't. You don't. There's all these, like, you know, the Patriot, like Mel Gibson movies and all these kind of fucking national treasure and all that. They never talk about the fucking Germans being hired by the British to come over and fight because the British wouldn't have enough men in the country to run Britain and also fight against the whole of America. But it's mad. It's like, oh, of course, because that's how we do everything now. So yeah. why would it be any different? You know that kind of way. But, it uh, was. Yeah, because like the first thing, the first kind of uh, Illuminati or or or, or Rothschild, well, not Illuminati, Rothschild connection I would have had to like the American Civil War was the guy on the horse running to tell people to sell their stocks after it. You know that kind of way. Yes. But you're like, oh yeah, well of course there was more to this. You know that kind of way. And <laughs> uh, yeah, this family's all over it. So William's dad, Friedrich II, or Friedrich Zwei, <laughs> Tom knows this, made a ball of money from the English pay, from the English paying for soldiers, and he was able to offset that from the taxes he would usually charge his people. They got lower taxes and could spend more on luxuries, and his public spending was high. With the public welfare system put in place, and education infrastructure was created. Very progressive for an 18th century Europe where most people were in poverty. See, this is the Dubai yeah, effect, be right? Be the best see, king. See, they turn around, they go, oh, we'll, you know, we'll charge you no taxes, but everything's fucking fair expensive. Yeah. But we'll charge you no taxes, yeah. but everything's fair fucking... But what, how, how much do you want for a non-alcoholic pint? 1750 <laughs> Not a bother. There you go. Yeah. You know what I mean? But there's no taxes. Do you know? But the, the, this guy had stuff like... At the right price, tutor like yeah, yeah, so yeah. like Getting and the people mind these people. But of course, how would you not be able to support a king that does that for you? Now, obviously, you have to give up your sons and husbands. That's the to go and fight in a war, and you have to pay it somewhere. <laughs> Arab, but you're yeah. dying. There's people dying of smallpox and dysentery anyway. But yeah. when the boys, when the boys come back from war, they're minded. They get a pension. Mm. They get a big payment on the way home, so they get half on the way out and half on the way back. Mm-hmm. If you do die when you're out in America at war, or when you're in another country being sold away as a Hessian mercenary. They'll mind your family and they'll keep paying you like an insurance. They'll keep giving like a stipend to your wife and whatever kids you have, because like you died for the for the the king and the prince and the the duke or whatever Ferdinand was, or Frederick whatever Frederick the second was, king or duke or whatever. Uh, you died for him, but not on his soil. And the reason he started hiring him out is because he put so much money into. Um, training the Hessian soldiers were really highly well trained and well armed contractors are always going to be a better job but the armament of that country or that principality was so high anyway and it was so strong that no one was attacking Hesse yeah so Hesse was linked in with they were like the Spartans can I just they were linked in with the the Queen Victoria so like the Saxburg Gothas and all these lads this Hesse was one of the strongest houses in in the whole of Germany right and uh, they decked out their their um Military and like really good gear, really well trained. Like from from chance. Hessian, yeah, 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 yeah. So these these Hessians like are world renowned warriors, but like they were in a peacetime in like seventeen sixty, seventeen seventy seven. Warriors love to war. You got to put it. But you, warriors got a war. Yeah. So like, where's your war going on, America? Mm, yeah, we can do the boats. Let's go, and then fucking off to go. But they know that they're in the safe hands because if they do get fucking squished when they're you know. 
the boys are firing musket guns and the boys are coming in with swords. Uh, they know that their wife and kids are going to be taken care of. So there's no point. There's no. Usually these, these lads, they'd only fight for the king and country out of nationalistic pride. And then in peacetime, they don't fight at all. And they go back to like tending the land. Mm-hmm. But these lads are like, I'm a soldier for life, bro. I'm in. This is my rifle. This is my gun. This is for fighting. And this is for fun. I got to fucking fight. Like, because that's my job. Yeah. And um, they knew they were minded. Like their whole lifestyle, the whole country was 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 buoyed up by so, their so efforts, smart you know? by Friedrich to, to not be a greedy fucking pig and so and you know say right I've made a fucking rake of money yeah. on leasing these boys out. He turned around and lowered taxes as a result of the payout from it, like and everybody's like because you you could uh, as the public you might be going, why are you taking all our best men? Why are you taking? And he's like, Harold, relax. Mm. The fucking money the boys are gonna fucking make for us. And they had a social welfare system, was, so if anyone yeah. lost their jobs, if there was women and children left without a man to earn money for the family because he died in in battle, they'd give them like just here's money, there's yeah. money from the from the pot. Like. The male population of his kingdom were an asset that he could use yes. to make way more money than he could use just taxing them. That he could just if I move them over there, I make this much. You know yeah, that kind of. Yeah. Way. And again, it's just the genius of this fucker realizing the wealth of being the middleman. You know that he's just able to. Uh, yeah, see, see them English over there. They need these guys, and you know. And we've a lot of lads who can't do fuck all that's only fight. And we're getting sure. Look, it's quid pro quo. Like yeah. he's in the game five minutes, and it's also it's already looking like oh, he's got his eyes on world domination. <laughs> like this is yeah. Uh, he knew from the start what he yeah. loved to. Uh, after Friedrich keeled over one day at dinner and died, William was crowned the William was crowned and mayor, and he were already great buds. So mayor was in with the king now and all the money a king might have, considered to have the most extensive property of any German prince of all time. The payments from England were coming into William now, and they came in as a bill of exchange, as no one wanted to carry coins and valuables across the sea in more time. Like we were saying earlier on. Yeah. Um, these bills had to be converted, and the values may have changed in the interim, and they usually changed by the van der Gotten Financial House, out, uh, or sorry, I should have done that in a Dutch accent. Right. Shit, I ran myself up a river yeah. there. Up a canal. Uh, up a canal. <laughs> Don't worry, Tom, it's okay. We all make mistakes. Mistakes. And Mayor had his eyes set on the prize. Mayor used the charm to integrate himself with the Hesse Castle treasury and the new king had fully entrusted on an official there by the name of Karl Friedrich Budras. Mayor cozied up to the guy real nice and the quote about their relationship was, Rothschild, similar to their ambitions, formidably tenacious, patient and secret, had the meeting of my, of the minds and decided to enter an arrangement of mutual assistance. Jeez, that sounds like the lies are right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Would you uh, engage me in uh, mutual assistance, please? Of course I would. What else am I here for? <laughs> Dirty. Uh, essentially, uh, essentially... Oh, your lad is formidably tenacious. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, Mayor with Buderus uh, gained control of William's forty million dollar fortune. That's forty million in today's money. But that was back when nobody had money. Uh, exactly. So you first were millionaires. you were a first gazillionaire, like in I, the blink of an eye. Yeah, just got for handshakes and friendships, man. Lock, stock, and barrel. Yeah, he was like, I, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll uh, was a honey trap the king with lovely coins, make him feel good, get appointed to the thing. Then I'm like. Hey William, you know the way I'm the guy, and they're like, "Yes, yes, Meyer. Can you introduce me to your treasurer?" Oh, sure, Budras, is it? Yeah, yeah, hey Budras, 
Budras Budras Gali is his, is his, uh, his great great grandfather. So Budras ended up like showing him the fucking ropes of everything, like showing him all the accounts. And Mary's like, mm, we can do something with this. We can do something with this. Let's fucking, you know. He fucking Shawshanked him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fucking never thought that's exactly right. That's what he did, yeah. That's exactly what he did. Andy Dufresne. Yeah. <laughs> Ever crawl through a river of shit? <laughs> that's exactly what he did. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Back yeah. to the shit story again. <laughs> Whenever a begging any- letter was the river of shit. <laughs> Whenever anybody wants something, say, come to me. I'm great. I'm the guy who gets the things. <laughs> okay. Wrote. They call him Wrote. Wrote. <laughs> so how the bills work? There were promissory notes that went that would be sent to the king, and he would pass them off to trusted changers like the financial houses, or eventually mayor. But for two years of kissing ass, mayor got none of these bills. This is where the big money was, right? Mm. So the, the, the promissory bonds, these, these, these are like government checks. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. And I think we talked about it again in the Money and Gold, and I think in Federal Reserve, where it, it, it went from, um, and I think maybe also in the Freemasons episode, it went from lads having caravans of like, uh, you know, Camels and donkeys and shit, mm. bringing bags of gold across the fucking desert. They had a team of, say, like Knights Templar, who, in a very big armored caravan, would take a bunch of gold from one place and bring it to like a really volatile area and set up a bank. They defend that bank with all the weapons and skills that they had. And they were the only ones that ever had to travel with the gold. And then, if you wanted to have gold, if you were making a pilgrimage to the Holy Land, let's say, from England, you wouldn't have to bring your own gold fortune. You'd go to the bank, you'd give them in your gold, and they'd give you a note that says how much gold you get when you get to the other side. You travel all the way to fucking wherever Constantinople or fucking whatever it was called before that New Amsterdam or yeah, yeah, some yeah, fucking yeah. shit, and you end up there, and you go into the bank and you hand them over their note, and it has their code and their kind of special writing and their stamp and seal so they know what's real. It's not, you didn't make it up, you know, like a fake bank note. That's what they're called, bank notes. Mm. You write the note of it, right? And uh, they go, okay, this is official. If it's an exorbitant sum, they might have to send back and go, come here, this lad has this thing. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, cool. And then they'd be able to hand you out the gold at, at, at source, like at that location. So you wouldn't have to carry the whole way across and possibly get robbed or possibly, you know, right? So these governments were doing this in this in the 1600s, 1700s between each other. So like the Hessian government were renting soldiers to the British and then the British were sending them to America to fight. But the families and the Hessian soldiers when they returned had to get paid. So the British were writing a bank note from the Bank of England and sending it to the Bank of Hesse. And then the Bank of Hesse was going, okay, so they must have some of the English gold in their bank and they say okay we have such and such and the English have a balance of this much with us what they do is they take that note and they give it to a changer so instead of um, the banks holding other countries money they would use loaned money from changers who had a speculative like amount so they had a bunch of gold that didn't belong to anybody and they'd take in these notes and they'd say, how much is this? Say 10,000. Hmm. I do have 10,000 pieces of gold. Would you like it now? Like, yeah. And they give out the 10,000 pieces of gold and they'd keep the note. Right. So the note retained the value of 10,000. So 10,000 of, like, say, gold. Well, would they give out 9,000 as a, you know, 
Well, they take a big cut coming. So they take a big off the top. So right. sorry, the British would give it to Hesse. Hesse would bring it to say a, a money changer. So I have, a, I have a note here for ten thousand. Rand goes, yeah, I'll change it out for, and I'll give you nine thousand six hundred back. And he's like, mm, yeah, go on. So your man ends up with a check for nine thousand six hundred. Or for 10,000, and he loses 9,600 of his gold. Yeah. Then he waits because he knows that that 9,600 is the price of gold. He waits for the price of gold to go down, buys in more gold, and then he has that thing for 9,600. So somebody else comes in and they say, Hey, I've got 9,600 pieces of gold. Because, okay, I have gold you can have, or I can make you a note, or I can give you this note from the British Bank. Depending on the value. So if the value of gold is very high, he wants to get it out like less than what he paid for it. If it's very low, he won't give out that note because yeah. he's losing money on it. So it's basically just like holding a store of money and swapping out promissory notes for it, which is what any bank is doing now. And that's yeah. the thing. Like baked into that is the classic fucking banking scam of like that when you put all the the bank knows realistically, you're never going to take all your gold out of that bank because yeah. that's going to be dangerous for you. I'll keep it here safe. Don't you worry about that. You'll never take up. Nobody will ever. So they've got all this gold in. But you're never really going to spend all that. And you keep getting a pieces of paper and you're off out spending your pieces of paper, which are working like money. But they're holding on to all the fucking the gold, actual gold. Yeah, yeah. But they're writing more notes off it because they know that not everyone is going to come in and ask for all exactly. the gold all at the same time. They can lend out way more paper because uh, yeah. they can keep promising these notes because no one's ever... All their customers would have to come in and take all their gold out at the same time yeah. in order for the game to... In order to see the scam. Yeah. But that'll never happen. So they can just keep loaning out this paper pretending like, oh yeah, it's backed by that money in there. Yeah. As good as gold. And that's a, as good as gold. That's how it all started. So these are fucking... It's not just like businessmen doing it between themselves. This is like... These are country bonds. Like these are... These are royal bonds that these lads are getting their hands on. So this was, Meyer hadn't got it, after two years of being with, um, being with uh, William of Hesse, he, ne- he never got, Hesse, he never got his, his, um, his chance at cash out a royal bond, which is a big vig. It's a big score, like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he never, he hasn't got the chance yet, until now. So the money stayed in England and was invested. The interest on those investments was paid in drafts to William's estate. And the money from those drafts was processed by Mayer he would keep the promissory notes from the prince and cash them out in his own pot. And then he would lend that money out to other princes and charge them interest on those loans until the interest had paid him back for the draft notes from England. That's the other part I forgot to say. Cheeky bastard. Imagine. So, so... <laughs> and he, so and the he English... up to that fucking prince that Yeah, long, like, man. Willie look, f- looking after him no end. Like. He figured it out. That's how it works. He figured out that's how it works. Sure and he went... Willie doesn't need to know anything. Well, I can do a version of that as well then. If they're doing it, I can do it too, so long as... There's not a run on my pot, and I don't have any gold if someone comes in to cash their gold out, right? But they can always refuse, I guess. So the English write a promissory note of ten thousand that they owe to Hesse, and they give it to they give it to William's people, and William gives it to Meyer, and Meyer then cashes it out and gives him gives William the ten thousand in gold. So William's paid off. Mm. Happy out. Happy out. But Meyer is holding a note that's worth ten thousand of English gold. Now he can go to England and say, "I want that ten thousand gold." ship it over to me or he can say keep it there and whatever investments that you're going to be putting that gold into which obviously they're going to put the value into give me a percentage of the interest of that so he never actually gets paid he just holds on to that like you owe me motherfucker Mm. and everything you do with that gold any money you make off it some of it is coming to me and it became passive income 
Wow. And imagine that at like a hundreds of millions of dollars worth of gold and level. All, all off the back of using Willie's money. That's all it is. Wow. And Willie still has his money to walk oh, around yeah, with. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, like, I mean, he bet he didn't ask him. But, he, but, yeah, but sure does he, the bank ask you? Is the mo- like, Meyer's money is the money that's appreciated. Yes. Off the back of... Uh, Sorry, Willie's money. That's yeah. not doing anything. Willie's dead money and Moyer's money is appreciating now. Exactly. Of, you know? that's, that's, therein lies the risk of, of, of William. Like he said, you mind my money, will you? Exactly. I, will, I will, of course. Yeah, but sure, that's what any banker accountant to do. Like that's a, all these fucking rich people are like, my accountant fucked me. He's like, what happened? Well, I had given him like 15 million, which is my entire fortune. And then he fucking gambled it away on like mortgage-backed securities or some kind yeah. of stock market thing because he was holding on to it and the, the person wasn't using it. So he was like, well, sure, it's not just going to sit there and do nothing. I'm actually going to invest it and stuff and then those investments didn't pan out. Yeah. Or, they did, or, or they did pan out and the money that was coming in was done on behalf of the person but the accountant didn't pay the taxes on it. That's what happened like to Willie Nelson and with Wesley Snipes and Schitt's Creek as well, the yeah, same yeah. thing. So you have an accountant that's like investing your money behind your back uh, under your name and making income and screaming it off the top and then not telling you. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, Mr. Snipes, you owe like a bunch of tax for all of these things. And he's like, what, do I? And he's like, yeah, well, your money was working away here for the last like 20 years. Did you not know that? And he's like, no, I just kept on looking at my bank balance. It's yeah. always the same, you know. Pension so so that every bank, that we're, we're all storing money in the bank. It's every penny of hours that sits in the bank. The only thing is just sitting there. Like they're making it work for them. They're loaning it out to other people. They're making that value that they can hold. That's their pile of coins that they're handing out to other people to do stuff with. Mm. They're writing out new promissory notes. They're signing up new mortgages. Because the people who want the money now get the money now because we don't want it now as well. Yeah. But when everybody goes for it at the same time, like what happened in 2008 or... Uh, What's going to happen in five minutes? Yeah. <laughs> 2001, uh, you know, 1929, that everybody went, well, fuck, I have to get my money out or my gold. Weimar now, look at fucking Weimar well, Germany a hundred times it's happened right yeah. and they go in and go give it it's a run on the bank they call it and it basically means the bank just runs out of money and then they go well we haven't got any more money to give out can everybody calm down and not ask for it it's like we start selling the furniture I, I, I really want my money though and they're like well I haven't got it to give you well then you're going to have to go bankrupt yeah and that's what happened. That's when the money becomes worthless. Then people realize, oh, there's nothing in the vault. Oh, fuck. Oh, the, the, but that's what um, happened to Lehman Brothers. Way like, more money than the I'm vault. I'm gonna take this chair. Yeah. They just had to run it. They just ran out of money. Like you know, it is bonkers. Mm. And now, like we were just saying, Willie did get his twist out of the money, but Mayor was given the keys to the kingdom as far as the revenue generation. Mm-hmm. He got a little twist. Like you got a little because yeah, obviously you got to wet his beak a bit. Just yeah, to Mayor give, has to be like to give a justification for your actual hanging mm. around, like. Um, yeah, but he's def- also like being really, uh, really uh, economic for him. Like he's being really like, oh, talk fuck, jeez, I am getting so much good out of this. That fucker's taking, he's sound, he's taking fuck all off me, and he's just getting more and more important, more and more ingratiated with this guy, so he can come for a bigger move, you know. Mm. But William, William is getting like, usually, you know, I just hire out my soldiers and I get ten grand for it, and like that's fine. Because William is not doing the work anyway. And now Myers coming back to him and going. Well, then you're not ten grand you can get. Yeah, if you let me process it, I'll be giving you back ten thousand five hundred every time, and you're just getting five hundred for free. <gasps> really? He's like, yeah. And then Mayor's getting fifteen hundred because he's getting twelve hundred back in. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's yeah. like, well, you're getting five hundred extra, and you're getting paid your money. So like, that's what you promised me for is to process the money, and I'm giving you a little bit extra. 
But he's fucking creaming off the top as well. Did you ever hear That's the genius? Pablo? Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Did you ever hear a Pablo Escobar story? How he switched from like uh, how he got his foot in the game uh, uh, in terms of smuggling and all the rest. He was working kind of small time doing uh, tobacco washing machines, anything that could be stolen. You know that kind of tobacco washing machines. Yeah. Your clothes smell rotten. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, the head guy basically, he was good. He was savvy and all the rest, and. Uh, he went to the guy who run the operation because he was looking around at lads constantly fleecing, constantly fucking pocking loads of tobacco for themselves and selling it as well. And uh, he went and he was really young. I think he was like 15 at the time. And he went to the kind of the head guy. Who Pablo was. Hadn't got, yeah, yeah, yeah. The head guy who hadn't got his fucking, hadn't got his eye closely on the prize, you know, that kind of way. Again, probably a third generation gangster and wasn't, wasn't running his ship properly. And Pablo just goes to him, look, I can double your profits overnight if you give me fucking rain. I'll fucking terrorise these cunts. I will put the fear of God in these men. If you give me the power to do it, I'll double your profits. And your mom's like, yeah, cool. Pablo went to all that 15-year-old boy. The guys are fucking hardened criminals. They're all like 40. And he was like, look, lads, do us a favour. Stop robbing all that shit. And I'll give you twice what you are fucking you are getting. I'll make you more money if you just stop robbing the shit. So he, he, he basically got a windfall from the guy that was running the show and pretty much gave an awful lot of it away. Didn't make a massive uh, amount. But the guy at the top is like, this motherfucker yeah. put the fear in God in those guys and he's running a tight ship. And word got around that this guy was the fucking yeah, Don at 15 and he was just like... And all he did was like he saw the scams, he saw what was going on and he was just like... He really looked after those guys. He convinced your man he had done some fucking mad fucking voodoo level terrorism just on them to whip them into shape. Wages, yeah. And, uh, tidy up the fucking and now he was yeah. like a fucking Don. Yeah, wow. that, and then he... Yeah. But again, great business. A little bit underhanded, but not illegal. Mm. It's just not getting everybody the information. Yeah. Yeah, it's a... Uh, I mean, it sounds like murky waters, but like to me, it's like businessmen do a business, right? Tell them all about it, the conspiracy guys. So, this one's called the Royal Lenders. The coat of arms of the Rothschild family was officially granted them by the Emperor Francis I of Austria in 1822. So this is why you would often hear uh, Vaughn or Du, like, you know, Edmund de Rothschild uh, that comes with a, a, a baronship or a knighthood yeah. or, a, you know, one of these royal appointments. Um, the coat of arms consists of a crest out of a ducal coronet or what's called a mullet of six points. You know oh, about that, Tom. he's a dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just one of those it's one of those kind of coat of arms which is a long flowing bit out the back. Yes, a ta- yeah, like a yeah, tail yeah, kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Mud flap. Yeah, and it's, there's nothing on the sides of it. No, real yeah. sharp and tight on the sides, <laughs> you know, streamlined and then out the back it's got a little spoiler. Yeah, a ducal coronet. So that's what you say. Uh, that's what I'm going to remind you call it from now on. Ducal coronet. <laughs> I love it. A ducal coronet. Um, so the shield is split into four parts. The top left is a black eagle representing Austria. Next to that is a leopard representing England. Next to that is a lion rampart. Uh, he's up on his hind legs with his like, get out of here. Rawr. Do you want me to do that? <laughs> with the little, rawr. Um, <laughs> which represents Germany, specifically Hesse in Germany. And then the fourth one is a, a right arm flexed like, yeah, boy. And it's holding, it's grasping five arrows in its hand. 
like right. a Jean-Claude Van Damme fucking poster. Exactly. It's ridiculous, isn't it? It's like... Lions, it's, leopards, tigers, yeah. With this muscly arm holding five arrows. Five like, arrows. It's actually like the name of a fucking Van Damme film from fucking the 90s, isn't it? <laughs> five five arrows. arrows. Do you know, it just sounds like something yeah. he'd be in like, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Twi- what was the one where he's... Double, tr- double... Double... Double impact. Double impact. Where he's met his twin. Oh, so good, man. So good. So shit baggy is good. jeans. Yeah, amazing. Fucking back heel kicks. Those, those baggy jeans, Monica wore the same jeans in season one of Friends. That's right up to your fucking... Up your right gooch. Up, right up your gooch. Um, so these five arrows that's in the, the clenched fist represent the five Rothschild brothers, the sons of Mayor Amschel. Uh, there's also a greyhound representing loyalty and a stork representing piety. This represents all the areas that the brothers were doing business in, and they applied for a patent for all of those countries. So you have to apply for a patent that your uh, crest might be accepted in all the different countries. Right. Kind of as, like, as, your as your family crest. Your yeah. So some countries refused as it was considered too grand or too grandiose. There was too many details, too many little fiddly bits, especially the uh, Duke, Ducal Coronet, which is basically three different tops. For the, it was it was like, uh, you know, What's you give a child an app and said, like, here, design the thing. And it's like, you can have a shield, you can have an animal either side, and you can have stuff on the top. And then they just use all the crystals and they fucking buy all the things that make some crazy monstrosity. Um, very kind of slapdash, to be honest, the original one. And they've like it reduced look, it, reduced it, it reduced like it. It looks like an ostentatious headstone that we'll see here in some parts of Ireland. You'll see it at some graveyards yeah. <laughs> where it's ridiculously some certain certain graveyards yeah, and certain, certain families. Graveyards. But it, it was too yeah, ostentatious is the word. And a lot of these countries are like, nah, man, that looks shit. Like we can't have that like as part of our. It does. It looks fucking. It's gaudy. too much in it. Like gaudy. But it's like these guys, you know. I don't mean to. Their talk. version of putting spinners on a fucking chrome spinners <laughs> exactly. on their car. I was just going to say I don't mean to talk shit about you know people who have lost somebody or anybody that this has happened to, but sometimes you know people will be at a a funeral, and like there's some people that can access the artistic side of themselves and some people that cannot. But there's kind of a done thing where often there's in grief there's a like a poem written about a dead person, mm-hmm. and sometimes they're beautiful and poignant and you know. You see that in like four weddings and a funeral. Stop all the clocks, you know. And sometimes you get one and Auntie Mary gets up and she's like, John died and it was bad. Most of his life it was mad. Now he's in a box and we are sad. <laughs> but we loved him and we are glad. And everyone's like, yeah, Mary, that's really... That was from the heart. That really touched us, Mary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's the thing you do, but there's no cunt in the whole family that can fucking write a poem, you know. Yeah. And I think this was the version of that where all of these lads were great with money lending, they were great with coins, they were great with all this stuff. They were like, right lads, we need you to design... We need you to design a, a crest for your family. It's like, oh, can I have a leopard? Oh, can I have an <laughs> elephant? Like, Have you ever seen Elon Musk dance? Oh yeah, no. It's one of, it will make oh. your penis invert. Yeah. It's that fucking it's, cringy. It, but that's like, what I mean. You're it a great man mentally, but never, it, ever, you're actually creating war crimes. Your not, dance is that fucking man, bad. Not everybody can do everything and that's a thing we all know. But these boys are not going to Photoshop. There's so many things in this crest. There's a leopard in there. There's, There's a leopard. No need in a leopard. A greyhound, a lion, an eagle. There's like these... Um, Ducal coronets, which is like the other feathers. And there's a wh- white, blue, and white, which is the colours of the yeah. Hessian thing. And then, so there's three, instead of just one, like, cap. Yeah. There's three caps. Yeah. And on those three caps are three more caps. And then they have things all around the sides. It's just way too messy. And and literally, 
like you're not supposed to be able to refuse a coat of arms in a country. Literally, like a dozen countries said, Rothschilds, you're the, the money lads from Frankfurt, yeah? This is too, what the fuck? How am I supposed to put this next to all the rest it of it? It won't even fit. Mm. It won't even fit. It's too wide, it's too tall, there's too many things on it. You just are spaz. Get back. The lad's like, oh, can I not have the greyhound? I really want the greyhound. Like, it's like they learned, everyone has to do this. It's like, my. <laughs> but they're, they're showing their true colours in a way because. My crest is bad. It makes me sad. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what they're doing is they're showing their true colours because you know it's like uh, you're seeing like 80s comedies and stuff like that where like somebody will show up pretending to be part of the group, the posh group, but they'll wear, you know, golfing trousers that are yes, totally over the top. Of course. You know, like, you they know, dressed, Rod- like, Rodney like, Dangerfield like, um, turns up to the golf course, like. Like Lloyd and Harry getting the suits and stuff like that's that. That's exactly yeah, yeah. what it is. Turn up going, we, I am the poshest man in the room. Look nice. at my crest. And you're like, you're totally showing <laughs> your colours. You've never had a crest before, have you? You've never... <laughs> Look at what you've, you've done. See the crest. Jesus Christ Almighty. Uh, uh, Mayor, you're really fucking making a show of me right now. And as you couldn't. What? Where did you get the peacock? Why is the lion and the elephant? Surely it's a different part of Africa. Do you even know what a leopard is? No, you don't. I have seen, I've shot uh, many. You've never even heard of a leopard. Right now, it's just a spotty dog. A leopard? Is that not like a spotty lion? What is this? A leopard? How do you fucking. And one lad is like, what animal would you like to think? I don't know, Greyhound. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's not very, like, yeah. grandiose. Yeah, like, like whip it. Put a whip it on it. Focus. It's <laughs> <laughs> it just seems mad. And and the countries refused it. They had to make the new version without the big coronet and the side animals and the heralding and the ribbons and the whole thing. And one uh, rule change because of these uh, principalities, countries and, and um, kingdoms. If you had something on it, it was supposed to represent. So, like, the, there's real rules around these crests. I'm not going to get into it, obviously. It's one of those quiz questions you get. But if you have a lion on it, like, you have to have, like, you know, property within certain countries to represent that, you know, you can't just, like, pick and mix from a bunch of different things. I want a lion and I want a tiger and I want an elephant and I want it. It all has to have a meaning and it all has to be ratified. So you have to prove, like. It's like lads getting tribal tattoos back in the 90s. And they don't no know what point. Never. Like getting chicken chow mein and Chinese on the back of their yeah. neck and all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It has to actually have some uh, representation, in fact. So that when someone sees the crest and they see the lion in Rampart or they see the lion. Makes sense. On, on, yeah. their, on, their, on their paws or they see him face on or they have him like. Like the print or the fucking the John Travolta, like all the different poses <laughs> of the lion means a different thing. So if you have a lion and he's like rah with the two hands up, like he's a camp, yeah, like the yeah, the yeah. I'm such a wonderful tigger, like this kind of you know, Dorothy, uh, are we going to Oz or what's happening? Come on, we got I've got I've got places to be. I've got to get my hair done. Yeah, I've got. Do you know how long it takes to dry this mane? Right? I push my hair back. Well, check, check my claws. <laughs> Tell me how you're feeling. <laughs> Right, <laughs> Lionzo. Yeah, yeah. He got a BBL, which is a Brazilian butt lion. Um, Big black lad. <laughs> That's what I thought it was for it's ages. Right, just to be honest with you, all these girls on, on TikTok going, "Oh, I'd love a BBL." I thought it was like a big black lad. Like, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if you had the lion in Rampart, rare. People can look at that and instantly recognize. Okay, that family, Alcrest, I think. that family are integrated into English nobility through like Plantagenet into Tudor into Windsor. Mm. Like they know the line, and just at a glance, people who know the crest can go bang, bang, bang. Okay, we know you. 
I think this is the first time the boys put together a crest and they just picked all the fucking things, way too many bits. It's like when you go into an all-you-can-eat Chinese and you make, and a, you, show and you make a show yourself and you yeah. put all the different, all the wrong tastes together and you go up to the counter and I was like, that look rotten. That look, hey, you got satay next to Kong Po. You're going to shit real bad right now, okay? I love how he turned a little, <laughs> a little, like London Jamaican. Yeah, that's, like, that's what it is. That's what it is. You're going to shit real bad right now. You know what I mean, Baff? Um, so, yeah, they had to make a new version without all these bits. And one of the things, because it was representative of the... Uh, f- the the Remember I was saying that... Um, maybe I didn't say it, but, like, Mayor was going and asking for these uh, Count Hoods, Baron Hoods, mm. these titles. All his sons did the same shit, right? So, like, when the Five Sons... I'm skipping ahead a little bit now. When the Five Sons went out and they got their little uh, Count Hoods and their Baronships and all... Uh, you end up being recognised as nobility. You right. know, you can get upstairs in lilies or whatever. <laughs> and um, <laughs> that is so niche, to, isn't it? To so few people and whoever right gets now, that right into me in let the me library know, playing right? the piano. Yeah, yeah, you can get upstairs in lilies without work. being stopped, right? And um, but you have to have a knighthood. You have to have a baronship. You have to have a countship. You have to have the official title. That's ratified. So if you go, what's your name? Oh, I'm Baron de Rothschilds. It's like, oh yeah, who gave you the baron? Not tonight, that's regulars only. Uh, clo- cloaks and boots. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cloaks and boots tonight. Barons only tonight, that's. Yeah, yeah. Um, you have to go, well, you know, the Emperor Fr- Frederick I of Austria gave it to me. It's like, yeah. So Frederick I, uh, Frederick I given the baronship? Yeah. yeah, Fred. Yeah, go on ahead up there. Yeah, yeah. Behave yourself <laughs> now tonight. Good lads. Yeah, behave yourself. Um, <laughs> so Five years, is it? Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> no, no chance tonight, lads. <laughs> No chance tonight. But we're all brothers. No, no, no. Five. Come on now. Um, it's a stag party. Sorry, I, I, that deserved a bit there. That was really funny. That deserved a bit. That was really funny. Who's that fucking weird cunt down the back? Is he been drinking? Have you oh, that's, pills? That's Cass. That's, 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 this is Carl. He's, he's okay. It's, it's his stag. It's his stag joke. We'll find out about Carl later on. Yeah, sorry, fucking yeah, hell. I'm jumping. jumping. Carl is like, what? We're putting a stag on the crest? What? <laughs> so... The, the the five arrows in the fist on the on the on the shield weren't allowed to have five because you're only allowed to have an arrow on it if the lad has an actual baronship. And Nathan, who's the middle child, refused his baronship. He went to London and he was offered to be a baron, he was offered to be a count, he was offered to be a lord. Didn't want them shits. Now his son and his grandson so Edmund de Rothschild sat in the House of Lords. He's the first Jew to be allowed on, first non-converted uh, Jew to be allowed on the into, into British Parliament. So right. Benjamin Disraeli, I think, was the first Jew, but he was already converted to a Christian. Uh, but Edmund de Rothschild sat on the Parliament of the of Britain um, before any other Jew. Like, he was the first Jew of all of them, right? But he was the first one in England of that Nathan's line to take a peerage position. Mm. So Nathan, they weren't allowed to have five arrows in the crest. Only four. Because Nathan refused his Why do you peerage. Refuse it? Do you want to stay below the radar? I, I, I think he wants to stay below the radar, man. And we'll find out later on we talk a bit more about I think he wanted to stay I, stay under the fucking radar. Yeah, I think. Well, he, either that or he had even bigger fucking grand be king of ideas fucking England, about himself because he was like, I'm my plan. Is to use these fuckers to get to a point where they need me. I yeah, why? Why take them? Why take you know, an under I, I, underlings? I, I, that's like saying that's you're the assistant ambition. manager. It's like yeah, but yeah. that means that I can never be the owner. Yeah. 
So like you're the manager, give me the assistant manager position. I don't want this because I'm just yeah. going to go straight to owner. Uh, well, like you give me that barnship, I assume I have to kneel before someone to do that. This is the thing you yeah, have to write. Like that. You have to write this a letter. How he used to fucking thinking in his yeah. head. Was he just? I mean, read what I've read. It would seem that he was a consummate businessman. And oh, business we talk about it now in the way. Do yeah. not fucking bend. Do not. He do not fuck with Nathan Ross for the same. Yeah. Um, he didn't want to be like your. What was it? Your supple princely nips or whatever. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't writing a letter like that. Oh no. no, no. But then so, again, he wouldn't have been where he was unless exactly. his father had the greasy. Dick. I mean, just the thing. So swings and roundabouts. I don't know if they had them in the Juden gas, but <laughs> this is what the swings and roundabouts. So they had to take out the fifth arrow. I, I know I laboured that point really heavily, and we went on and on and on about it. I just think it's a very quirky little detail. It's very interesting. And Nathan's mm. story, that's a, that's one where you're like, oh, that's important. That's that's a big one. It's important in two ways because Nathan refused the peerage, but also nobody would allow them to have a mm. little extra arrow on their crest because of that. Yeah. I'm like, what that's are keeping you, you down just that bit petty now. motherfuckers, no, man. No, 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 that's know? keeping them where they... So, uh, the boys acquiesced and took the arrow out. And in a letter from Amschel, just the oldest, to, to Solomon, another son from 1816, he says... James and Carl received their nobility, as the other two brothers, but it's a pity Nathan did not want it, because Nathan, who was in charge of the London branch, didn't want to receive these baronships. Um, maybe Nathan was a fan of the work and let it speak for itself, as as we said, Shane. Maybe he had loftier ideas, but maybe he just identified with the crest in general. And there's a motto, a family motto, inscribed at the bottom of this crest on a ribbon, one of those flowy, fucking Warner Brothers jobs. The motto of the Rothschild family is Concordia Integritas Industria, which means harmony, integrity, and industry. And I mean, that's good enough for him. He doesn't need a little arrow. He's like, I'm a multi-billionaire. I don't need a little arrow. Like, fuck it. Yeah. It could be that, that, that ego thing. That, small stuff. He's got, yeah, yeah, that yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. no, I'm good. I'm, I've got my self-esteem. The esteem of your goddamn self, as uh, Cat Williams says. So instead of Meyer that these dealings with the Hesse Castle crew and their British IOUs wasn't altogether above board. I mean, these are, you know, accusations out of maybe resentment, jealousy. I don't know. It seems like businessmen doing business, but the pure morals and inscrutable integrity is the romantic notion of the Rothschild ethos. The truth, some may say, is far more underhanded and unsavory. But like I said, resentment is possibly anti-Semitism that people are going on with. But they don't like this stuff. So, Arthur Cheap Spiridovich. Arthur Cheap Spiridovich. It's not easy to say. Was a Russian major general and a count in the papal nobility. So, the, the Vatican were giving out I'd say he was a, counthoods. He'd go fucking missing it, you know, getting his round in, I'd say that. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Big time. No, this motherfucker you was You don't like, get a nickname like Cheap if you're a... F- <laughs> I think it's like Chir- Chirip, Chirip Spiridovich. Um, it was obviously he, a, bird, he's a, a Russian, small bird he's, on his crest, he's, he's a Russian, a Russian uh, uh, Orthodox who was um, given the counthood by the Vatican in the uh, Catherine the Great times, or after after Catherine the Great times in um, Catherine Great times, Catherine's Great times, <laughs> uh, and then after the Bolshevik, re- re- or it was in after the. Um, Nicholas the Second, well, Nicholas the, Alexander the Third, Nicholas the Second times, yeah, and he was an older dude. And after the Bolshevik Revolution, he was like, "I'm getting the fuck out of here because yeah, cute enough, these no. mof, these motherfuckers are killing royalty." And I was associated with these cons, so bounced, went to the U.S. 
And he had it on good authority that there's this council of 300 that run the world per his book that he wrote called The Hidden Hand from 1926. And they're all Jewish and they're all nefarious. Now, needless to say, if you look up this lad, Arthur Chirip Spiridovich, online, it'll say, you know, Russian autocrat count of the you know Romanov Empire, notorious uh, anti-Semite, like, you know, he's, he's well known, right? So he claims, Spiridovich claims, that mayor kept the money, right, mm-hmm. and never actually gave it to William and embezzled it and said. So William gave mayor the bunch, the, the bunch of the forty million, mm. and then embezzlement, as we said earlier on, like how do you operate with that amount of money? You keep it, you lend it out, you you have your pile, you keep the notes. William wasn't asking for it all at once. Exactly, it was it was money management. Like to be honest, it was originally what a hedge fund is now. Yeah, yeah. So Meyer Amschel Rothschild was running a hedge fund for William of Hesse. And uh, Spiridovich didn't like the sound of it. And he was like, you stole it! Right? Fucking beautiful hedges all around the garden. Uh, perfectly manicured. Someone's got to pay for the garden. <laughs> this topiary yeah. costs are exactly. inspiring. Really? Yeah, yeah. The Rothschilds have some fucking amazing gardens. Unbelievable yeah. gardens. Fucking, fucking hedge funds, lads. This is where they start. Hedge funds. That's where they come from. The, uh, did you ever see the, the Wallen, Wallenpop or Wallenbogger? Whatever the fucking... Your man... Um, Jacob, the, the the lad that's still around, he looks like he's sort of kissing oh, half yeah, frying oh, hands. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, he's like, yeah, he's like, fuck, you want some Vaseline or something? <laughs> Spirulina. Ah, but it's bad breeding, though. Like, bad. Why, like, yeah, he yeah. always sounds like he's mid-stroke. Ah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. But he had to have this house called Walden Pope or Walden Pop or Drope or something like that. Holy fucking shit, man. Everything you touch is worth a million pounds. Like, it's like a billion-dollar house, you know? Suffering, jeez. Every bit of furniture is, like, a thousand years old. Like, it's fucking crazy. And the grounds are... Li- they literally have, like, Mexicans out with nail yeah, scissors, yeah. like, on the fucking lawns and all. Bonkers. Bonkers high-quality stuff, you know? Um, So, Spiridovich claims that Meyer embezzled the money that he was supposed to be given to the soldiers by William. So, William was paid by the British in a promissory note. Mm-hmm. William gave the promissory note to Mayor. Mayor was supposed to cash it out for gold and then uh, uh, William was supposed to give that gold or give that money, currency, to the soldiers when they had returned from war. But they didn't do that. William took it and left it with Mayor and Mayor embezzled it for a second time. So what Spiridovich is claiming is the British gave it to Mayor, gave the note to William, William gave the note to Mayor, Mayor gave the money to William and William said, hang on to that money for me. And he gave it back to Mayor. So the first time, he was supposed to have given it to him. So there was two lots of the same money, which is the same as what Fractional Reserve Banking is now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So by all the books, Mayor had, instead of 40 million, he had 80 million because he'd been given it twice. He never had to pay it out. So he was just lending, 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 lending on, the, on the, the belief that he had this, you know, cash money that wasn't there, but not everyone was asking for it all at the same time, so he'd never run out. Like, it's Fractional Reserve Banking. Yeah. We've gone through already yeah, in another episode, right? But Spiridovich is like, oh, they're not allowed to do that. And then everyone went, that's a great idea for making money from nothing. So, But in, in Spiridovich's defence, you absolutely shouldn't. It, like, it is what's just morally yeah. destroys societies every time. Yeah. But yeah, go on. Sorry. But like legally, it's totally fine because there was no law yeah, against it. Now, it right? yeah. So Rothschild made a million from it and then the entire Rothschild fortune has been built in Spiridovich's opinion off the backs and the bloods of the Hessian soldiers that fought for the British in the War of Independence in the US and was meant for them to pay their wages. Tainted money, he calls it. 
But there's also a rumour that this money was sent to Nathan, uh, one of Mayor Amschel's sons, who had a bank in London, to properly establish the London branch of the Rothschild banking dynasty. So, story goes, the British ask William of Hesse for soldiers. Soldiers go to America to fight. The British pay William of Hesse $40 million for William to go, I need to process this as a promissory note from the British government. And they gave it to Meyer Amschel. And Meyer was like, I have a young lad living in London, and this is a promissory note. So I'm going to pay William a little bit out of what I have here and tell him I have the 40 million and he can come and get it all if he wants, but I know he won't. And then I'm not going to call in this note off the British government. I'm going to leave that money in England and I'm going to get them on the promise of this promissory note. I'm going to send it back and I'm going to get Nathan to cash it out and start the bank there. And I'm going to get him to use that 40 million to build up a backlog of cash and every time William asks me for money, I'm going to give him the cash that Nathan is making off his oh, money nice. in England. That's the first, like the first set of arbitrage, the first, like fractionally reserved bank in the world. And no one had ever thought to do this. If they had a failure, if Nathan had a shit to bed in London and lost a bunch of money or invested poorly, or people he let, he loaned it out and people didn't pay back the debts and they defaulted on loans and he would have lost money. And then when William came knocking to Myers and been like, yo, have you got my, you know, I, I need to take out a million pound because there's, a, you know, I've got a fucking paternity suit here this bitch suing me. He's a lot of Mayor is like, uh, uh, can you give me a couple of days to get it together? He's like, I thought you said you had the whole thing in the back there. Uh, um, just give me a couple of days. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like that happened to America a few years ago. Germany was like, here, come here. Not loving, loving things economically. Can you just fucking ship us over all our gold? And yeah. America was like, we're going to need 30 years and Germany's like the fuck you need 30 years they've loaned it out 10 times over man that's why like this whole this thing that Mayer started is now the norm in global uh, international currency changes it's possible and I I don't know if you want to I'm sure you want to push on with this maybe I'll bring it back later it's possible in my head uh, that it's not the first time but it keeps getting reset. They keep wiping these fuckers yeah. out. They eventually, you have a massive recession and they're like, all right, kill these fuckers. They're after fucking destroying everything. Even though, again, we all contribute to these booms and busts. And uh, it's possible that this game is as old as fucking time, even past this. This is, the mo- this is the most modern version. This is the one that set up exactly what we're dealing with now. Yeah. But it's possible that this was happening fucking 2,000 years ago because Jesus was baiting the bankers out of the temple for the same fucking scam. The, uh, they were basically, you needed to go, in order to go to the temple, you needed to uh, basically use like temple notes, temple dollars. So all the foreign tourists who came to pay their respects at the temple were, were switching their currency into the temple note and uh, they like were Disney basically books. promising uh, same stuff. They were making the little extra money on the, on the side of this and that was Jesus' whole thing of going in and saying, get the fuck out. <laughs> that was that was his whole Like the only way you could praise God, God only takes this type of currency and you have to yeah. change your shekels and ducats yeah. with me for this special God dollars. And yeah. then you, they, they can put that on the plate and that's the only way they can get blessings from yeah. God. And he was like, no, 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 you don't get the profit from fucking God. Let these fuckers in to talk to God. You know, that kind of way. So that was his whole thing of whipping them out. And, and again, that might be an allegory. That's Logos. That is enlightened man saying, this is fucking wrong. Out, you know. It seems to have caused all the problems that we have today. Uh, wealth inequality, you know, elitism, class warfare, 
poverty, you know, it's, it's, it's a the war machine, all your of that stuff. energy. You mm. go, you work. Your energy actually builds the world. But You're the value to get a bit of your energy keeps ocean. getting siphoned off, the, you know? The, the, <laughs> the output of the people, the, the work of the hands of the people, it's a little bit Marxist. In no, that way, no, but, I'm not saying that at yeah, all. Yeah, what yeah. I'm saying is they are turning your... Oh, You're a builder. Big eyebrows and start smoking <laughs> cigars. Not and I'll look off in the one direction. I'm yeah. definitely not saying a Marxist thing. Uh, your your work is your energy, and what they're doing is they're turning it into like here's like because it is it's a good uh, you know you need you need a physical way of of turning the money into wealth so or turning the energy your labor into wealth. But what they're doing is constantly weaken the money that you're turning your energy into. So it's 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 sucking your life force yeah. dry. Um, with this little shell game that's going on, this little uh, money scam that's even going on. Even something so know? simple as, and it's not so simple, but even something so simple as a mortgage. Mm. Like the variable interest, fixed interest over a certain period of time, you're always paying back the money, like up to possibly 30 to f- almost sometimes 50, depending on the rates of the money that you're paying. So you, you're you buying a house for 350000 When you borrow that money over 35 years, you'll end up paying back 550000 over that yeah. time. There's people so you're paying an extra two hundred thousand, and you think I've bought a house for three hundred thousand, but you're paying two hundred thousand in just interest. Yeah. So they're just creating money out of nothing there, and you're spending all your time working to pay all that stuff off just for the privilege of living in the house that you don't end up in because you're always in work. That's what's the fucking Russian national anthem like? Yeah. Oh, it's got like it's fucking it's bonkers, you know. There's people who spend the first ten years only paying off the interest of a mortgage. You know that kind of went getting yeah. nowhere near chipping a penny off the, the fucking. Same, same has happened with all of those fucking loans, those student loans. They jacked up the price of college, and they got all these people who weren't going to be getting houses. It's the one loan where bankruptcy won't clear you. Bankru- our debt. Yeah, our debt, debt won't, won't clear you. It goes to your siblings or your parents, and who the fuck allowed those loans to be allowed? Who the fuck jacked the prices of college? It's because there's people that weren't buying houses. They it's had 24-year-olds buying scandal. houses in the 80s. Even in the 90s, probably 28-year-olds. Now you wouldn't have a con who's 40 to be able to afford to buy a house. American college because price. So they want it. to get you at 20 with the amount to be in debt that you would have if it was 40 years ago and you were buying a house because the whole economy works on everybody being in debt mm. from about 20 years of age. And if you're not in debt, they don't like you because you're operating outside of the system. You're not a, you, you, it means that if you're in 80 grand's worth of debt in America, there's no way that you're emigrating. Where are you going to emigrate to? Not at all. The money is going to get sucked to whatever country you're in, whatever you're earning. It's going to be getting sucked out into this fucking loan. And most of the time, there's people that are still in their 30s and all they're doing is paying the minimum, which is the interest. And they haven't touched the principal and they still owe 35 grand and will forever unless they get some kind of a windfall. Gets, imagine getting a student loan and not paying it off for 20 years. Yeah. And a that's co- a fucking... A cousin of mine, he's a... He's, that's an everyday story. He's a renowned, renowned surgeon now. Yeah, and, doctors are the and biggest. And he, he went to FSU, Florida State. And Jesus Christ, he was telling me, sure, he was 15 years before. And in, and doctoring at, at the, the doctor highest level. doctor age, yeah. And he's still... He says, Jesus Christ, now he's he's grand now. Like, but fuck me. He said, was, he says, you're busting your whole 80 hours a week doing high-end high end work. And, the whole and you're not taking that home with you, no, really. fuck all. You're sleeping inside in the hospital because it didn't work fucking going home. Because the thing it is, if, if you stopped it all tomorrow, if you banned usury tomorrow, what would happen immediately would be 
your interest-free loan would probably be a bit a lot harder to get. You'd have to put, you'd have to pony up a lot more if if they created like an, an interest-free system. What you'd have is people looking for a shortcut. All of a sudden, there's a black market. Some lad down the road with a bag of cash sharks. and usually kicks in straight away. That's why we'll never escape but this. It's like it's a human exist, story, like, especially in in heavily urban areas like yeah. the Christmas, go, Christmas they lenders yeah, and all that. They stuff. won't go to the, the, the credit union or the bank. For, They'll break your thumbs, like yeah, yeah. for Christmas. It's fucking depressing the small bit now. I'm a, like I've got a, a just a kind of a wave of st- drive on till we get a happy bit. So I got a wave of despair there going because I'm not in debt like, and yeah. I don't plan to be like. Oh yeah, and <laughs> but what I'm saying that's what I'm saying. I'm like going like, how do you like? I'm okay to rent, uh, but is that not kind of along with the you loan nothing and be happy kind of thing? Uh, you know, where where is it going from here? If we do have a massive crash, is there kind of this like? You met me at a very strange time in my life, Marla. Like, are we getting this fucking credit yeah, card company's it, it, crashing now? Is everything going to get fucked? If you're able to the capitalize on a crash, you'll do very well. But that's what I'm saying. What do you capitalize on? You buy, like, real tangible things. You buy... But, yeah, to, you'll to have, have, have to hedge your money to, for the crash. To what end? Yeah. Like, I mean, what... If you're buying gold you and there's seriously? an extra 12 trillion worth of gold... Yeah, but I don't believe that. It's a but, yeah, well. Even if there is, it's still a tangible asset. It's still mm-hmm. a, it's still a, like there's so much debt, even if they found quadruple the amount of gold, I think gold will still be good. You know, that kind of mm-hmm. way. Like, look at Weimar, look at how worthless money can actually be. Like, people were selling pianos for like a dollar, you know, or probably a lot less. Mm-hmm. You know, people were just moving out of their flat and giving it to an American for that day's meal. And then they were right back to square one the next day going, fuck, we need another meal. <laughs> We've got nothing left to give. Yeah. What do we do now? You know, that's how worthless money gets. So even if even but if that's the gold the thing, went to 100, it's still fucking gold. But that's the thing. They gave away all the things that are actually worth something, like a house, like yeah. a piano, like, a, you yeah. know. Because food is the best fucking asset when you're, when you're hungry. Yeah, what is it? They're only nine meals away from fucking total disaster. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Yeah, it's a small bit depressing, but like, Anybody out there suffering from student loans, let me hear you holla. Uh, we're going to do a fucking uh, a, a, live, a debt relief live stream and uh, you can all come on and complain about your student loans and how you got caught in the psychology behind it and how it's affected you. It's something I really like to talk about yeah. because not saying that usury is terrible. Everyone gets loans and shit like that. I've got one loan once and it was for a considerable amount of money and then as soon as I had the money to pay it off, all in one lump sum, it was supposed to be for like five years and I only had it I think for about a year and three months and I counted up because were I was totally bamboozling. They told me all the stuff. You can be paying this much every month. I'm like, mm-hmm. and then my phone I goes, this is, and I look at my banking app. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then like three weeks later, this is what? That's only three weeks. And a week later, another payment. And I'm like, hold on. And then three weeks later, another one. And I'm like, hold on a minute. And I watched it do that for a year. And I think I ended up paying like I don't know, two thousand one hundred in interest over a year and three uh. months. But it would have been three times that if I had let it go to the end of the term and I'm like <laughs> no no from all gone like straight up paid the whole thing off down to zero because like I'm not giving you that money in interest mm. for doing nothing like you did nothing yeah, yeah. it's pure money. Of foresight loans is like quick gratification and put things off That's and what it was. Oh, it's only 600 quid a month and you're like right but only 400 of that has actually been knocked off your debt yeah. you know that kind of way and the extra 200 you're just adding extra 200 if, for nothing if, in my mind I was getting nothing back from it to sacrifice and save you can do like like I say like our parents generations 
it was really common for them to move into a caravan first, sit, save, yeah. save, 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 Live and then have a lump to go at the yeah. mortgage with. You know that kind of way? Yeah, Nobody yeah. does that. Our generation were 100% mortgage. Like, I'm you doing out it. of your fucking mind. I'm, that's what I'm doing right now. Literally. 100%. Oh, no, no, no you're no, doing no. that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I was going to say. I'm gone old school. Like, yeah, 100%. Hunker down for a couple it's of years. It's, it's, cash, it's like cash up. It's, it's the cash I will save, say I turn up with, well, say 10 grand or 20,000 or whatever. It's worth 40,000. Yeah. Yeah. Against in the long term, like so, but with the interest that you'd pay off the value of it, absolutely. Like, yeah. But do you see, with with having your own, at least you can, you know. I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not buying a house. I'm going building a house, so at least I can. Listen, there'll be no skirting boards in that house for the first fucking five years. I can tell you that. <laughs> you know, and there'll be yeah, one yeah, or two yeah. bedrooms, not fucking finished. You know, people coming to stay will be oh, sleeping in the yeah. like, You know what I mean? So, um, at least you can take, you can bite away at it at your own time rather yes. than paying a big bag of bastards to fucking drive new Audis. Yeah, I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't abide by it. Like, I don't know what I'm gonna do when we need to buy a house. But okay. Um, so, the reputation that we were talking about, uh, Mayor Amschel doing some, doing some dodge and paying for Nathan to start his bank in London and all that stuff. So this reputation that kind of started to go around eh, is it anti-Semitic? I don't know, but it didn't wash with the great and good of high German society. And Meyer's clientele were top of the tier noblemen. So they didn't want any fucking bad press. They didn't make him a bunch of money. Still, like, William was spreading around his promissory notes from Britain in order to flood the market and lower the exchange rate, right? But, and I'll talk about that, how that transpired in a little while. But their status was invaluable. So he wasn't making much money off these lads, but he was getting the juice. I said the juice. Yeah. Uh, he was uh, getting yeah. the he was getting the, 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 the pump off these lads. His name was, like in lights, you know, above all of these financial mm-hmm. houses in Frankfurt. And everyone's like, oh, Rothschild, is that the lad that serves all the kings and princes and noblemen? Yeah, he's good. Like, he's fucking, you know. So it's just yeah, basically yeah, rubbing yeah. shoulders with the great and good. And uh, there was also this matter then of Meyer's unshakable integrity. So this integrity was the reputation to have. Uh, and when it came to holding, like, you know, monies that maybe of ill-gotten origin or at least immoral, you know, like some kind of warmonger. Or like, you mean a... Uh you know, a, a Swiss bank or whatever. I mean, what yeah, 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 yeah. That's a goal. But if it was, yeah. you know, um, from Hessian soldiers being rented out to fight against Americans or whatever, yeah. like, yeah, yeah. you know, he was holding money for these pups. So he allied himself with some very powerful people. And it's also rumored that he himself was the architect of the epistle of the Illuminati. This first document that said, here's what the Illuminati is. Here's what we want to do. Uh, and the Illuminati, as we know, because we did an episode on it, they infiltrated the fraternal orders like the Freemasons with the view to ensuring their methods and machinations were kept in line with the global agenda. And Adam Weishaupt is often granted the honour of being the main man when it comes to the Illuminati. We did a whole episode. It's great. Uh, but never, you know, was there any chat about Mayor Rothschild uh, being the, the one who came up with the whole idea and then hired Adam Weishaupt to come along and be like the, the face and the organiser and the developer of the whole scheme. So, like, we, in our Illuminati episode, kind of put it down that the Illuminati in 1776, as their origin, 1778 maybe, as their origins, like, they were founded and within three years were disbanded. Now, I don't think disbanded is the word, I think dissolved or absorbed. So, in 1778, they got together, they created the organisation, Weishaupt got a bunch of lads, and they all infiltrated, like, the Freemason lodges and got in, but then some of them were found out and they were kind of fucked out in their arse. I don't think they were fucked out. I think they were, some of them were really clever. 
and stayed in it and have been in it for the last like 300 years or 250 mm. years or so um, kind of you know tipping stuff along for the beneficial because these lads were illuminatus they were knowledgeable they were wise now some of them could be racist some of them could be fucking crazy and evil psychopaths by now it's very possible but uh, you know I like to believe that at the core of that cohort of very very elite people some of them are cunts and some of them are not cunts and I mean like chances are with the way people are it's probably 50-50 there or thereabouts yeah. Right? yeah 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 but when you talk about the Rothschilds there are some rumours that the Rothschilds were actually the ones behind the Illuminati that were able to inform the lads on market forces uh, you know listening to businessmen talking about business which you're not allowed to do in the Freemasons but uh, you know they're in that cohort they know those people and they're like here come here did you know that the Prince of fucking Bavaria is going to do such and such a thing and he's going to declare war against it and Meyer's like is he yeah yeah cool 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 cool, cool. okay and he makes some business dealings the shit would go up in value he'd be like bang make a ball of money he's like thanks for that so you had all these like little spies everywhere his little it's kind of inside trading a bit like isn't it oh totally like... remember like trading places yeah where the orange market Oh yeah, the orange, orange juice. The orange juice market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he got the te- the the report. Was it the yeah the the orange report from Florida? Yeah, yeah pork yeah. pork bellies. Pork bellies. <laughs> so if anybody wants to know anything about trade, I mean, actually become an expert. Frozen just, orange juice and pork bellies. Just watch the Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy and uh, it's a Christmas movie. Yeah, it's. it's a movie I, for- I I still can't believe that they used to operate. Uh, Wall Street like that Yeah With all that ticker tape And all the shouting And all of the fucking The cardboard And writing stuff there you know, Bye 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 Sell 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 Bye 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 yeah, bye it's and like, how, Who's keeping track of any of that How does any of that fucking At the work? end of the day Would you not just go Did you say sell It's either going to zero oh, I didn't say sell You shouted sell 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 at me I wasn't looking at you I was looking at another lad Like uh, yeah. Come on yeah, It seems yeah. bonkers But I guess it's dramatised um, So when William of Hesse Was forced to flee Hanau To Denmark in 1806 this is where the integrity kicks in. He left about £600,000 or $3 million in today's money with Mayer for safekeeping. And on pain of destruction, Mayer wouldn't give up the goods, right? So in 1806, we're talking about, um, and we're going to do a whole show on Napoleon because he was a bad cunt. But I'm not going to go too deeply Some into Some operator, now. though. Oh, man. 50 like these, these terrible, awful people. He was at, he was at 53 and 2, do you know that? Yeah. That's some that's some fight record. It only takes it only takes two to fucking push on like push Waterloo on the island. And, uh, Leipzig, was it? Mm. Uh, I mean, big losses in Waterloo, but it's one of these things where you can't but respect the motherfucker. I mean, there's, like, there's a reason that like the toilet was named after. You know, he <laughs> he, he coined the toilet like Napoleon Bonaparte. Like, yeah, yeah. It was something to do with. He had somebody invent the toilet, didn't he? I don't know. I think he did. Yeah, the actual modern day, what we would call a rather than a shit pot or a pig pan. Yeah. He actually went, "We're going to have to sort this. We can't be shitting. <laughs> we can't be shitting in buckets." I'm like, this is fucking scandal, and it's under the bed, lads. This is fucking rank. <laughs> Can we not get a water closet of some sort? And by all accounts, he was actually a handy enough man for getting things made. Right, that's, that's a yeah. leader. That's yeah. a leader of yeah. men. A man again, who just goes, we we're not doing this to... anymore. Everyone's so comfortable shitting now, like, because <laughs> uh, of him. Uh, and what, what? Is that why you had one hand in his jacket? Because he was just a little bit of toilet paper inside and tall. All the time. No, do you Holy know what he was doing? Holy shit. Ready he to wipe. made the shit go away. Again. I don't oh, know the guy made the shit go away. He and he became the big fucking yeah. kingpin. Yeah, for a f- <laughs> Shit is a really important part of human life, I think. <laughs> I, Lads, we need to come up with a plan to move shit. That's the whole thing. I think if we can develop some sort of a corrosive, like a, like a, <laughs> 
Can we get? Is there an animal that eats shit and we just breed that animal and sell it? And every, it's in everyone's house. <laughs> get, then you don't need plumbing, and you, you just like everyone has to have a a whole a f- like a shit monster. <laughs> <laughs> there has to be a, a way I, to... I, I went straight for alien life form Why not some kind of I don't know It's weird though that um, uh, Napoleon was like So Hated and so loved Like lads like uh, What's your man's name David Mitchell And all the fucking loves Napoleon Loves World War 2 It's just this thing like Like Hitler obviously was a terrible cunt But it's so So impressive what he did you know the story about how you invented the 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 current stadium for yeah. you know how how to fill it twice as quick for the Olympics yeah that's nuts that's nuts that like, like he hired architects to do it and he was like just like nah, nah 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 we need to fill this quicker here's an idea and he came up dig down dig down so that like the entrance is already halfway up the stadium that may, that way when we fill people in some can go up some can go down and we fill this fucker twice as quick and it's just like that's a fucking but, smart guy yeah. You see the beat. It's it's the it's the advent of telly. The problem with it, and it's like the advent of social media. You're going to be outed straight away if you're a complete fucking knob. Yeah. Because social media will show it. The telly was on the go when Hitler was around, and looking back at it now, you go, "Ah, oh, he was a fucking wanker." But sure, Napoleon was fucking ripping around the place, being a thundering prick. And nobody knew. And about nobody it. knew about all. Yeah. Anybody did was go. That fellow was tiny. But now it's a thing of like, you know, people are oh he did terrible things and war crimes and all. There's a certain amount of, like, Hitler is, like, obviously reviled now. And Napoleon was reviled for all through the 19th century. See, but, like, it's, t- it's tragedy plus tragedy, time. I was going to say tragedy, tragedy plus, plus time. time. Oh, so, you <laughs> so if you have enough, if you, we were talking, remember when we were talking. That's I, the problem. He yeah, a fucking yeah, yeah. side hustle. He had a few projects going on. He purely went only after a fucking military, domi- military domination yeah, 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 over yeah. fucking Europe. But instead, he did this fucking bugbear with the Jewish people. And that was and his side hustle going on, and yeah. gypsies and people with deformities, and anybody who you know didn't wear you know, wore glasses or whatever. Yeah, what the fuck was that side hustle about? He'd right to keep that under fucking wraps and go and just be a secret little racist. He would have, yeah, he, like the rest of them. He would have come out, <laughs> like all the people in England. He would have come out as clean <laughs> all the, as all the colonising bastards from Tories, England, yeah. all the Tories. He yeah, would have come yeah. out as clean as all of them had he not had that nasty little side hustle on the go. It's, it's just, yeah, it's true, true, but there's um. There's a certain mystery around, I think, like, waiting a certain amount of time. I don't know you guys here. Who did the Vampires? Ep- any of you doing the Vampires episode? No, I, mean? I think Eamon did the Vampires episode. Yeah, we did yeah. the Vampires episode, and we talked about um, um, Vlad the Impaler, you know. Direct descendant of Prince Charles. Yep. Yeah, and he was a Who has terrible a punch on for Rom- Romania, by the way. He's he terrible. Romania. But Vlad the Impaler was like the Emperor the emperor of Romania, right? Terrible cunt. That's why vampires come from Transylvania. And... He used to like he was such a good like military strategist, and now I think people are like, yeah, Vladimir Pedro is so cool, but the stuff they did is like the most gruesome the serial killer, terrible like against human rights things. But it's like four hundred years ago, so eh, yeah, do you know? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Even, so, like even in two hundred years, we'd be like, oh man, I ain't never seen anybody annex Czechoslovakia like Adolf. Man, he does a good, but you know. Also, you see what Vlad. Vlad went after a group of people that didn't end up to be quite successful. Exactly as well. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like they, they I think that was the thing we came to was like as long as the people who you were fighting against are not in power, you're you're then allowed to be cool yeah. again. Mm. Yeah. But but the, the, so the thing is know. some of the best movie makers, some of the most powerful bankers end up being descendants of people who got fucked by Hitler. Yeah. So you're like he's 
As, look, like, look what you fucking yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. Bill Burr said, like, he's Never even his forget. first name, Adolf. Yeah. Like, his jersey got retired. His yeah, jersey done. got retired. Nobody called that love no more. That's the thing. So, like, uh, in Victorian England, that was the they were the lads who were railing against the French, hated the French. It was all, like, froggies and French cunts and fucking garlic bullshit. And, all, you know, like, English were really hard against the French. And they only kind of made up during, like, World War Two times, to be mm. honest, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, when a little bit of World War One, but there was still a bit of consternation. So, like... English hated the French for so many years. The Americans hated the French for so many years because they didn't help yeah. <laughs> in any of the, you know, the, the the French colonized America as well as the British. And it was like, there was never any, you know, uh, relief. But it's because the British were in charge for the whole of the 19th century and most of the 20th century. They were only lost in the last 60, 70 years. So now, like, the French are cool. You can be cool with the French. But, like, in the 1860s or 70s, all the French were cunts. Yeah, of Do course, you know? they were poisonous bastards. Poisonous yeah, bastards. Yeah, 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 and yeah. now they're all cool and they're fucking, you know, sexy and smoking cigarettes and being skinny and playing jazz. And now the Germans are cunts until like 60 or 70 years' time when everyone's kind of, I don't know, do you get over it? But everyone's kind of, oh, I'm over that. All good. Germans are sound, man. Great cars, like yeah. Autobahn, you know, like all this stuff. Germany is. Anti gravity technology. I mean, we wouldn't have it only like, for that. Well, Ger- Germany is, is trying hard, so hard the other way. Like I was so, I, uh, Michael Rice on my podcast is comedian from Kilkenny who was lived in Berlin for a while and he said it's really so ridiculous that they have swung back so hard the other way that it's so uber crazy liberal that yeah. people are going around like he got he got more or less molested and ridden by a girl in a park they yeah. were sitting around drinking cans because that's totally a normal thing everybody looks like it's 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 important now to look like shit in, in Berlin yeah, not to be getting dressed. Don't up be trying not, to. Yeah, we're not showing your actual wealth. Yeah, also like because you just we all we're all free spirits, hey man, and just it's all, like they don't want to punish anything for any in any way. Like, it's also self-flagellation, so they keep the whole east of Berlin in like shit, Nick. Yeah, like everything looks like shit because it's all like well, this was the old communist thing, and the reason it's like that is because of our war crime. So we will keep it as a monument to our sorriness. Yeah, and it's it, all become the bohemian side of town, and everything cool goes on there. And the western side is very like affluent, and it's all old people, and it's all like beautiful, like uh, you know, tree adorned avenues and lovely architecture that wasn't absolutely destroyed. And but the east of Berlin is uh, fucked because it was like communist and and run f- for so long. And but to have this weird like yeah, it was terrible, but we loved it. You know, yeah, 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 quite yeah, similar yeah, to yeah. the way Irish people were. Is like we had no electricity, but you know what? We sang songs around the fire, and it was fucking and the <laughs> like the East <laughs> East Berliners love that shit, man. And they all, they're all, the old triangle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're all in their, they're all in their like uh, uh, when they harken back to the nineties, like that seventies show for the the Germans. It's all that, you know, those. Um, brown and beige and yellow in stripes, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. All that kind of uh, uh, wallpaper and, you know, oh yeah, Bruce Springsteen came here one time, he played really loud and we could hear him over the wall. That was a great Tuesday. Like, <laughs> really weird fucking memories of what it was like and, man, I don't know, it's, um, tragedy plus time equals we're allowed to talk about it. It's right. just we have to wait for a little while. So I think with, uh, with Meyer and whatever he did with that money, um, it was just resting in my account. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was just resting there. I didn't, I didn't do it. I didn't take it. It's just like uh, Napoleon had this vibe, you know. 
I'm I'm anointed by God. I'm the emperor of France. I'm anointed by God. He was just super, super, super self-confident, right? Yeah. And he wanted to unite the whole of Europe under his reign. And, like, he was pretty fucking good at what he was doing. Like, pretty good. Now, we talk about him again in another show, but William uh, of Hesse was forced to flee to Denmark to get away from Napoleon, right? And he had a ball of money, and he left it with Meyer to mind. And then Meyer said, I mind it no matter what, you know, nobody will get this shit. And the French came in and they tried to fuck up Meyer, tried to get the money off him, tried to be like, we're, you know, uh, you know, I'm paying a debt, we're going to put you in jail. And Meyer's like, no, no, you're not getting it, man. You're not getting it, man. You're not getting it. Do you want to say it in French? Get the fuck out of here, right? <laughs> so this whole, like, defending William of Hesse's money and keeping his word and securing the money, and it was all returned in full when, when William was able to return in 1816 after Napoleon got booted. This made Mayer's family, and Mayer died in 1812, spoiler alert, but this made the Rothschilds and his family absolutely ironclad in the eyes of the nobility, right? This is like, even under pain of total annihilation by Napoleonic forces, he stood his ground and his integrity shone through above all. He was now their man from that incident forward. Mm-hmm. So Mayer and his reputation, ironclad man, and his association with the nobility became his greatest, greatest asset. He had the the good and great of all of these countries in the Prussian, Austro-Hungarian, German, and then after Napoleon got ousted, French nobility and British nobility and Russian nobility that were like, come here, are you the boy that keeps the money no matter what? And he's like, that's me. He's like, right, I have a ball of money and my family trying to kill me. So like, make sure it gets to my kids if, and he's like, "Mm mm-hmm. Like that's invaluable. And that's part of the reason that they're billionaires is because that reputation, like anyone can bank. Yeah. Yeah, Can yeah, you yeah. fucking stand up against like a a, a, a zero loss Napoleonic like full Napoleonic army baiting your door down? Is there a grabble there? Is there something? Is there a conspiracy within that story though? It's like how do you how do you stare down a, a standing army like that? Because you think he did the? You think? He look, did? I don't know. This is compl- this is just me talking out my arse. But like, if he has some sort of tie with the Napoleonic forces, mm. and he can create that whole drama, and yeah. he can be the man who looked down you, at Napoleon. You mean because like he's a, only about four fucking tall? A, sal- a, s- a certain Colombian drug lord that you talked yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and wouldn't. I wouldn't doubt that he already had. He was mining money for Napoleon, Napoleon as well. Like, yeah. how do you fucking do that? Look, look no, at that he, army. But that's a great story for your family and your dynasty. I fully agree with you, Shane. That is. Probably you're most right. likely what you has probably happened. Probably cut, cut the boys in a small bit. And if you're talking about like guilt by association, not guilt by assumption, you're talking about like if you're looking at a murder case and a fella loves to strangle and then cut off a bitch's hands, um, and like and use them then in like one of those weird things that you bring to the football match to do rounds of applause, <laughs> right? That's his penchant. So there's like ten women. <laughs> there's ten women and they're all missing their hands, right? In the one town, and they keep on finding these yokes that they're like, right? And then one lad is stopped, and just by chance, some cop sees in the back seat of the car, there's one of these hand clappers. He's like, oh, more than likely, all of those rumors and all of those things that people are saying, they're like, oh, well, he made those out of all of those women's hands. Then the thing comes around and goes, this guy most probably did all those other murders. And made 10 sets of clappers. Now, he might not have made it sets of clappers. He made it made an ashtray. He made it made, like, 
you know, a fucking a light fixture. Like we're talking about Ed Gein shit here. He may have made like a fucking, you know, p- p- stick it stick it on a on a yoke on a table and make it like a ring holder. Mm-hmm. Who knows what he made with these women's hands? It was still a terrible crime. It was still a, like a gruesome, brutal dismemberment. But the intention and the result may not be the same. But the last thing that they get caught for, the thing that's demonstrable, is the thing that's presumed for every other action. Mm-hmm. So like you catch the lad with a hand clapper which is the weirdest thing I could think of off the top of my head, in the back of the car, that's what everyone will think that he done with all those other women's hands. And he'll be done for the murder of all those other women as well. So many, and I don't know, we watched, we did an episode on Israel Keys, you and me, Tom, and your your final supposition was fucking sublime. I'm getting loads of messages about it going, yeah, you're dead right. The cunt fucked up his last murder. And he's supposed to be like killing 60-something people uh, it's alleged he fucked it up like a and he gal. fucked it up like a, a, like an amateur, amateur. Yeah, right yeah. and you're going like right well I can only presume that he wasn't that good then if the one that he got caught for was so amateur and shitty um, there's some guys that say like the son of Sam killers yeah. is a group of people I think so there's some saying that like John Wayne Gacy and Randy Kraft and William Bonin and all these highway killers that uh, Dean Carl and, and um, uh, John Wayne Gacy were all involved in a a cabal of killing young boys because all these lads were like, you know, businessmen doing business in in the in the the central Saw states of America. Shit. And they just get Hostile these lads together, shit. and they have these groups of pedophiles who murder the kids and have sex with them, and do all that stuff, right? Mm. But you can only presume because John Wayne Gacy came out and said, "Yeah," and there's thirty three lads under my porch. But how many other hundreds had he witnessed? How many other? Dozens and dozens had he and been he in the in presence of. John Wayne Gacy was fucking. Yeah, he was like a, a shriner and yeah, he, he was a, a, a high up in business, like businessman doing business. That's what I'm saying, right? Yeah. So, so, so you can only accuse John Wayne Gacy of the bodies that were found under his porch. Hmm. That's why they say, like, oh, you can't get rid of that lad out of the business. Why? He knows where the bodies are buried. Yeah. There's a reason yeah, they use yeah, that yeah. term. So, like, the bodies are buried under the porch. What about all the ones that were dumped in the river? What about all the ones that were done out of the state? What about all the ones? And then when they're fucking giving the cunt the lethal injection, he goes, you'll never find them all. You're like, you bastard. Mm-hmm. So there must be more. This, to transpose that like awful murder stuff onto Mayor Amschel, he has a history of you know, doing this performance stuff for royalties. Did he take that three million that William gave to him while he was running away and like send that off and make extra money off it. Did he promise to lend that to Napoleonic forces? Yeah. Did he? Yeah. No. You come over here. I'll, one night. I just need one night with you, Napoleon. One come night. Here, let me say no. You can have this cash and I'll fucking get all that other fucking money off the, now, now I'm the I'm most the, trustworthy fucking man uh, with yeah, yeah, money yeah. on the planet. And still, nobody saw a penny yeah. in that whole drama. Exactly. Nobody seen a fucking So Napoleon penny. got his lick Mayor got his lick and William got his money back at the end because it was like 12 years later when he got his money back, right? Mm. What I'm saying is he was caught for stuff later on. So were the sons caught for stuff. Very similar, funding the two sides of a war. Who's to say they didn't do that with Napoleon? Who's to say he didn't do that, you know, uh, with the American Revolution? That he was already funding... Look the, at how the, stretched Napoleon would have been. You know that kind yeah, of like, in terms of sure like the amount of conquests he was. He was the running, soldiers you know? he had to pay. The amount of what, he had to poo. At that point, uh, where was he? Like, poop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where yeah. did all the soldiers? He poop? needed someone to. He needed to fund the toilet. Where do all the soldiers <laughs> yeah. poop, man? Yeah. So this is what I'm saying. If you're proven to do one, if you're caught doing one thing, and there's a load of crimes in your in your wake, 
Chances are. Chances are you've done them too, or at least that's what a court of like, uh, you know, public opinion would think. They're going, oh, well, of course you've done all that. Mm. Do you know? So if you've had all of these, I don't know, what would you say? What's what's the most terrible thing? If you had a rake of rape accusations, but no proof, and you were just getting away and getting away and getting away, and then one time you were caught for doing the rape, you could safely say then retcon all the other accusations and go, well, you've definitely done all the rest of them then. Because we didn't have proof until now, but now you're fucking caught dick in, like, mm-hmm. you're done. I think uh, funding both sides of the war is the biggest and most kind of malevolent thing that does be leveled at the Rothschilds dynasty. This is early days, so I guarantee you these motherfuckers were doing that. Oh, yeah. Now, yeah, yeah. whether you can respect that or get over the fact that they did it is another thing. But you've just seen it as business. If business you can be is cold, business. Can be business is That's business. That's it, man. The, the money got to come from somewhere. Yeah. And, and we all know now who wins and who loses, who's the bad cunt and who's you the good never, cunt. But at the time... If it was fun sure we're doing it right now and no At one's t- saying, exactly. ah, hold on, you know, obviously some people are and plenty of people can see through these wars, yeah. but like the exact same game is happening and yeah. the amount of treasure that comes back from these things. Ukraine and Russia. Russia are the big bad cunts, but they've given them like 300 million for fucking oil over the last three or four months. Mm. Like, why are you paying the enemy if they're mm. going to be using the money? They're selling you oil, you're giving them cash in, they're taking that cash and giving them to soldiers to fucking kill people in Ukraine or so you say. Like... Stop get, stop buying their oil and you can't. Mm. But again, both sides of the war. So the robber barons, all of these fine reputations and peerage and titles count for nothing in the face of conjecture and suspicion of your morals and motives. And the enduring rumour of Mayer keeping the money from William of Hesse when he went on the run from the French and using it to fund Nathan making the Rothschild Bank in London is written about in several books. I don't know how true it is. And the detractors of this theory say that it's just anti-Semitic propaganda. Sure, but also... Have a look with your eyes. The movement of money was the main business there, lads. That's all movement of money. Is it a crime? No. If it was a crime, cool. Is it immoral? Maybe. But like any banks, they'd use that money while it's in their position to invest, lend, pay off and transfer. All the money that everybody listening to this has sitting in the bank, it's not just sitting there waiting for you to come and collect it in a little box. It's out earning. It's out working that money. For someone else. For somebody else, yeah. yeah. For the bank, like. So... These banks make a little bit off the top of these actions while the money is on its way to where it was going. So maybe Mayer did give it to Nathan on a speculatory basis and when it was earned back, it was returned in time for William to get it and be none the wiser, like I said. It'd be a different story if he fucked it <laughs> and lost the money. Uh, but like I said, if you can find one instance of it happening, it definitely happened. And all the other accusations are almost then presumed to be true. Yeah, yeah. So one proven example of this method was when Mayer got gold from the East India Company that was bound for Wellington's Peninsula campaign against France in the fight for the Portuguese independence. This is during the Napoleonic uh, well, uh, War, uh, 1814, I think. This uh, seven, the, the, the Battle of the Seven States, I think it's called, something like that. Nathan had £800 million pounds worth of gold from East India, and that was to pay for the war Wellington side of the war in part and then in the movement of this money Nathan made four types of skimmed off profits off the top of moving it around right so the British government through the East India Company wanted to take their money out of the East India Company and give it to Wellington's forces to fight against the French 800 million Nathan was the man to do this job and he made money off the note from Wellington so Wellington gave uh, uh, the note to Wellington so the British government gave the note to Wellington it's like there's your cheque cash that 
So Wellington went to Nathan and went, can I cash this, please? To get the cash to pay my soldiers. And went, yeah, money off that. On the sale of the gold to Wellington, so he's selling out the gold and he's like, okay, uh, he had bought the gold for one price and he sold it to Wellington for a higher price, made money off a second time. Then on the repurchase to be sent to Portugal. So the note that the British government gave to Wellington, Nathan said, I'll cash that for you. But the goal is going to be another country. So in order to get it to Portugal, I have to now write a note and send it to my people. You're going to have to pay for that one. So we've got a third payment Fuck. for moving the money to Portugal to get it to the lads on the front. And then on transferring it to Portugal, so the movement of the money and the cash out at the other end, he had to pay again at the de- at the destination. Like, that's a cunt. Over 800, million, over 800 million, he got four lots of VIG, right? But like... And the VIG on the money was so immense... And so, uh, like, compounded, uh, uh, compoundedly large, it cemented the London branch as the main player in the Rothschilds dynastic organisation. And, if I'm not mistaken, and I may be mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, it made so much money for Nathan Rothschild that his organisation had more cash than the British government. Yeah. From that mm. one set of transactions, it would seem so. Yeah, and as per the <laughs> history book, but like the other argument is, yeah, okay, he's pulling fucking sly moves all over the shop. But why didn't they do it themselves if they could? Exactly, it's it's sure it's your it's, it's, this is it's a service he's providing, and he's yeah. Know, why didn't you get a bunch of soldiers just to like ship the fucking gold well, below? The fucking thing, you know? though, but I guarantee it, he didn't move fucking anything at this. Oh, it's all waiting place. All he had to do was just send a pigeon to say, yeah, yeah. give them that. Give them like, the they, nothing was moved, but, but you're getting that Ticketmaster transaction <laughs> exactly, fee Exactly, man. You know, he made it seem like a lot more work than it was. But uh, again, when. You don't know how to do, do it. it. You're the only guy that can do it. Exactly. Yeah, he spent fucking years setting up this thing so he could be the guy that went, yeah, I can do that. I know? mean, there's a story, I don't know if we if we end up talking about it, I probably won't, I said, but there's a story of how he did get gold into into a war zone. Into It was into France to pay, to, to pay for, 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 so to pay British soldiers in France. It might have been... Keep the troops happy. To keep the troops happy, but he snuck it in all right in compartments of, of carriages but in doing that, he got nabbed by the French, but he went, oh, no, Jesus. Oh, no. it was in wine casks or something, yeah. wasn't it? And yeah. He said, no, 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 no. Listen, uh, this is actually more than anything. This is going to be looking after ye the way I'm doing this. He managed to twist the story. Maybe that's how we got Napoleon's good story. Yeah, yeah, man. And the Come story, the story yeah. goes that basically the French okayed it and went, Jesus, fella's fucking class. Let mm. him in, let him in, let him in, let him in. Because he, he gave him information on how, listen, lads, this fucking British crowd are a sinking ship. I'm just a money guy. But don't you fucking worry one bit about this now because I'll, I'll, basically me in doing this will help sink the British fucking, the British effort. I'm a double agent. And they That's completely bought his story. So legal, but again, not moral. No. But like, but again, what do you want, do, him, what do, you want from, yeah. do you want him to be a businessman that fails? Like, so, this is, you can take my gold now, ruin my reputation, or you can leave me be and I can be in the ear of every fucker back then and I can give you very important information that will help your fucking and that will help you destabilise the people I work for and that's the way or you can take a tiny little fucking profit off me now ruin me and, and get no power you know that mm. kind and of and that's how Paris, yeah, Paris gave green Napoleon. <laughs> they greenlit it on it they went oh jeez do you know what he's actually he's the man really yeah it's bonkers because they knew his reputation too because all you need to do is one fucking you know a letter to somebody in the know and they go oh fucking Rothschild she's the kitty. Mm. There's nobody. To, there's nobody better at the business than he, this guy. So I suppose why would you want to bust him? 
you go, fuck, we might need this for ourselves. Like, and again, Mayor didn't, nobody knew who was going to win the war at that time. So he's like, well, look, I'm going to keep sweeping both mercenary. sides. He's so. a man with no, yeah. he's a man with no borders. Yeah, like, yeah. Do you know, I he's know, like, man, it's not it's like, it's not ringing my alarm bells. It's like, it's businessmen doing business in war. Like, would any of us do, do, do you get on to Halliburton? Do you fucking, do you know, are all these people like, People are doing it today and no one's doing nothing about it. Well, sure, if you're a like food, literally doing it right now. If you're a food producer, a worldwide food food producer, like Kraft or somebody like that, or Heinz or something, you, you don't give one fuck if your bottles of sauce are getting bought in China or getting bought in Russia or getting yeah. bought in America. You're not going, hey guys, you're going, buy away. Buy away. Some people now have that virtue signaling thing of like, no, 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 we're not allowing our service to be used in Russia anymore. Oh anyway. yeah, but that's just purely to pedal, pedal your... That's just a new news story it's so like, you can... Rainbow logo here, but not in Dubai. Yeah. Yeah, yeah or Saudi yeah. Arabia. Fuck that. Right. So, Shane, finally we get into the sunshine of Mayor Amschel's life. His five strapping young lads. Uh, Jews, everyone. Um, they were a, an integral part of the empire. And if they weren't gifted in the way that they were, uh, I guess, like, you know, his life would have burned out um, at the start of the 19th century. But they've kept it on and kept a 250-year-old uh, family empire alive. Can you tell us about the Five Arrows? Yes. Yeah, so, the Rothschild uh, family, please. Mayor was obviously an incredibly intelligent and hard-working man uh, and wanted a dynasty. He followed the intimated instruction of the nobility in his clientele and ended up having a bunch of children that could live and take care of the legacy of their wealth. Um, in the small red shield house in the Juden Gasa, in the rooms above the father's shop, Mayor Amschel would sit around a dirty wooden table with his sons and discuss finance, business and people. These young lads would go on to become the barons of banking and allegedly control the world's finances uh, and command the world's governments, all starting in a humble set of rooms in the narrow streets of Frankfurt's Jewish, Jewish ghetto. Mayor, Mayor would tell them stories of the four sons of Charlemagne and how the Roman emperors ruled the world. The five daughters of Mayor... Uh, the five daughters Mayor had weren't included in these talks, of course. Of course, like yeah, of yeah. course, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, of course. They would have blabbed it. How would you? How could you? Oh, <laughs> how would you have women when you're in talking about money and politics? Now, how would you have like? Because their brain is the squirrel. squirrely. Yeah, yeah, women's yeah. no good. No uh, good for the think. Yeah, they, they 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 have the brain like squirrel. Yeah, <laughs> just uh, for the fuck babies, uh, wash up and uh, make a potato. Yeah, <laughs> it seems a little bit kind of like we've never heard of these. If these lads were so intelligent, and every podcast I ever listened to on these lads, every book I've read, were like the immensely gifted children of Mayoracha. Sure, where the where the women's at? Yeah. You're not because <laughs> you don't. It's not you all. Only, it's not like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito. Like you don't get all the good stuff in one and then shit in the other. But there was like where are them women's at. There was know? a fabled story um, of how somebody spoke to an old woman in rocking her chair in her house, and it was the the Germans and French were going to war again, and they were all they were only after finishing a fucking war, and they were like, "Oh Jesus Christ, they were going to war again." To fuck no, this is going to shit. And the old lady apparently said, "Don't worry, my sons won't allow it." And the story was her five sons. It was Mrs. Her- Mrs. Mrs. Rothschild. Nana Rothschild had said, don't worry, the boys won't let it. And the fa- the story was based on how, how powerful the five boys were that they did indeed continue with peace because yeah. they, they demanded it. But 
that was the only time I, readings. You've ever heard of a Rothschild woman being mentioned? That was the only time. Was Nan and the Rothschild went? Couldn't, couldn't find nothing about any of the women. Couldn't like it went hard. Couldn't find nothing, man. It's weird, isn't it? I mean, who would they have married? Surely they married off to good men. Yeah, like, and know? then lost their name, and then you know. But I don't know. At the time, conjecture, though, speculation. Like, I don't know, but these nobility are raising their daughters to just be really pleasing people to to marry into. Well, no, I don't know. The Rothschilds are all marrying in between each other, though, weren't they? Are, these, are they already all, yeah. interbreeding yet? Not yet. Yeah, so if, you, if they're trying to climb their way up mm. uh, the nobility ladder, you you want them to be like the original Rothschild guy, really yeah. pleasing, really, you know, subservient. He's probably ra- raising his daughters like that so that they can ingratiate themselves and be like, you know, Assets. good wives I, yes. so that he can get into these families. You know, that really kind of creepy notion. Like an Oklahoma moment, but it's like <laughs> seven brides for seven Jews. Five, five, five sisters for five brothers marry each other. Keep it in house. Yeah, just saying. Don't be marrying out. Marry a different, that's a different shade of red than that, that red shield, it. man. That's not right, man. Yeah, I've gone wrong there. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but 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 like yeah, some fucking flowers in the attic shit there. Like I don't know what the. But like, why why are these women not mentioned anywhere? That's, that's thing, what yeah. I couldn't figure out, man. Anyway, we keep going. Sorry. Mayor was absolutely anti-Bolshevik, anti-socialist. To be honest, he sees people as moving pieces in the machine of business and egalitarian and fairness. E- egalitarianism and fairness weren't in his vocabulary. This could be a byproduct of his hatred uh, of Russia and of the Rus- and of the Christians who persecuted the Jewish people. He filtered in them. He filtered in them an idea of secrecy, and they were instructed to keep the wealth of the family within the family. No one was ever to know how much money they had, and they were to marry within the bloodline to maintain the wealth. They were not to inherit fortunes to daughters. They were to keep the name Rothschild at all times. <laughs> sure, he didn't do all that letter writing uh, and name getting getting for nothing, right? Exactly. He's not going to be passing off a load of wealth sorry. and a load Did of titles you? to a woman who's going to marry a man and take her name and then just like disappear off up somebody's gash. Did did I? You were poo pooing my notion of creepy incest there a second ago, the Hills of Eyes kind of shit. And literally said, keep it in the... Okay, maybe. He wasn't poo pooing okay. and he wasn't marrying his sisters. Like riding your sister is awful different to riding your cousin. Because at least riding your cousin, you wouldn't have to see her every time you passed around the landing. You'd only see her at like Christmases and Easter's yeah, and stuff right like enough. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know what I mean when you're over visiting? Yeah, fair enough. But yeah. it's it's exactly Riding your sister is, is bad news. It's like uh, non-alcoholic beer. Taste the, the same, but it's not right, man. It's exactly what the Catholic Church <laughs> brought in the rule of uh, not allowing priests to marry because they just they didn't want them getting divorced and losing land, of losing course. assets of the church. Losing so the assets went, of the church. Oh, you know what, fuck that. You lads just aren't allowed to marry. And that was, there's nothing about that in the Bible. Nothing. That was just the nothing. church going, I want to keep all this fucking land. Yeah, because it's a real estate company. It's not a God company. Mm. It's the same as McDonald's. McDonald's not about burgers, but land. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They want the best land in the whole world and loads of it, you know? So incest, as you say, Tom, is not a top-of-the-menu choice, but it's just keeping it within the family so you're not marrying out to, I don't know, some young one whose parents have notions and they're all like, Get a, ho- a whole heap of babies and then leave them, or like poison them at night time, or get them to give us money, or and they're begging, going, "Oh, can we have a fucking mansion? Can we have a house? He's really rich. Get them none of that. Get your fucking cousin. I know her father. That's how we go." And they married within each other. They married within the street. They're, it wasn't like you know, brother and sister. It wasn't like they got. <laughs> it was like one of the Rothschild sisters got stuck in the washing machine, and and like uh, you know, yeah. was walking along going. Oh, you got stuck in the dryer. Yes, that brother helped me out. You know, like all that shit that goes on now. 
It seems to be but a very big still, category. Do you know what? I and, don't know why it's... This is another failing, much like the time they had no grasp of Photoshop and making their their crest. This is another failing. I know his, his eventual goal was to keep it inside the bloodline and all the rest of it, but had they been allowed to farm and learn about animals and animal husbandry, mm. you would know not to breed inside your own yeah. street, it, inside your own yeah. county, it's inside a, your it, own... It, you will end up with backward fucking legged cows. It's a fault of of nobility though. That Shins the, going for the greed backwards. versus the like the Habsburgs. Th- those motherfuckers were the goes the big inside heads, out, the big, foreheads big massive forehead, hydrocephalus yeah. and little withery arms and all this stuff. Um, the Habsburgs were like crazy inbred, and eventually they ended up dying out because the Lord in heaven. <laughs> Punishes your body for interbreeding for so many generations and then just makes your like ovaries not work and makes your sperm get fucked. And you're like, come here, easy. I'll just seem like I gave you one chance, I give you a second chance. This is like third generation cousin shit. Your jizz is not gonna work no more, man. We can't keep this going. Like, you're gonna end up burning inside out like some weird fucking. Well, look at Boris Johnson. You know, I know he's not royalty or anything, but like, yeah. like the, all these families do uh, marry very world. closely. The Rockefellers and the Roy- Rothschilds, that's probably as broadly as they yeah. breed outwards as like just two families constantly fucking each other. You but know? it's a thing of like trans- transference of wealth. They're not going to want to mm. inherit uh, inherit a bunch of money to a woman because there was no rights for women in those mm. times. And whatever, like if you were given her an inheritance, that was a fucking dowry. That as soon as she was married, she and her property was the property of her husband. He could do with it what he what he wishes. So like you're not gonna like go, oh, I'm dying. Oh daughter, here's all of my land. Give it to some cunt who blows his muck up you. <laughs> do you know what I mean? That's literally what he'd be doing. What like. a send off. <laughs> whatever you do. Don't Imagine the la- give it to somebody blows muck up. <laughs> Blows his mug up you. Like, because that's all it takes. Make your daddy proud. That's all it takes. Blow. Yeah. <laughs> there was, a, I think, be, <laughs> <laughs> because there was no talk of these women, I presume that they weren't respected. So their judgment then obviously wasn't respected. So it's like, oh, these young girls, if we give them all our millions, all it'll take is for some, like, smooth skinned, large cocked fucking Letario to give him a few sweet words and he ends up as a millionaire for some three BBL or, or, three or four dips. Say. Yeah, yeah, some BBL comes in. Elisa Rocha, you go to me, you know. Um, <laughs> if and when I die. <laughs> problems. I don't want problems. I don't want easy life. I got 99 problems, but I do in one. <laughs> Not I mean. Irie, Lord of mercy. Lord of mercy. But it just, it just, shows the attitude towards women at the time pretty I, sketchy pretty you, shitty look, you can only imagine it and no one any successful businessman I've ever met yeah. they tend not to even see the things that don't relate to business yeah. they're animals they're hard men to live with yeah. they're fucking you know yeah. but you know it is what it is boys we're talking fucking 1770s here yeah. like what are you gonna do yeah. you know you can't exactly cancel the Rothschilds on Twitter for being shitty to women one generation ago in Ireland the, of the course, way, the daughters would be left nothing in the will. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. a generation not... ago in Ireland, Shane. I don't know how many people on the listening end of the show would know this, but if you were a woman, whatever a woman is now, I don't even know. If you were a woman, up until 1972, if you got pregnant or married, you weren't allowed to have a full time job anymore. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, you yeah. had to quit your job, whatever it was, and go home and get in the kitchen. Yep. If you were married, go home and get in the kitchen. You were 
fully working. You were 20, 21 years of age. You had a job. It was all good. And then you met a fella. Muck was blown. You had to go home and sit at home all day, every day. You weren't allowed to go to work no more. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, jump in here and uh, destroy any future possible career I ever have and say there is a wisdom behind that. In it, that, it, like... It, it was it, a short-sighted traditional value. You create a strong course, family yes. and you provide... Yeah. Like, how dysfunctional kids are now with two parents out working and, and their kids have no one raising them yeah. and they leave... And, and, the whole idea that the Rockefeller, Rockefellers moved the kind of feminist industry to basically make them beg for that job. Yeah. Then they got out into the workplace and now you've got two fuckers to tax in the household. Yes, the because they out, saw... You indoctrinate the kids younger. They saw the mothers as an extra tax income stream. Sure, what so they're like, for. let's empower women to get out into the workforce to be able to get more money off them. But by the same token, if you're talking about family Choice. values or, or, or if you're talking about you know humanistic values, right? Like men and women are equally valuable but in diff- maybe in different uh, aspects, maybe in different what what's the industries or different skill sets, right? But like obviously equally valuable, equally taxable is mm. the thing. Mm. Yeah. So that they promote women to leave the home. Um, they say like that Bill Burr bit about like, oh, being a mother, it's the hardest job. It's like, no, no, no. Being a coal miner is really hard. Like yeah. he's like, yeah. oh, look at you bending over at the hip all day, putting DVDs into DVD players. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah, a really yeah. hard job. Like hilarious, yeah. but also like grains of truth went in there. The whole thing is like, oh, you have to stay at home to make a, like a nuclear family and we need a motherly presence in the house. And this is what, this is God's word. And do we ever follow that bit of the word? But the other bit of the word that they didn't follow is don't get your wages on a Thursday evening and go straight to the pub oh, and keep drinking until yeah. Friday and then come home and bait your missus around the kitchen for two full days until you go back to work on Monday and you don't talk to the bitch again until Thursday. Like, Many an Irish father did that. Exactly, and they don't say any of that shit. So I think it's very, you know, short-sighted to think. No, that doing, I, I, get, I do ways. get what you mean. Yeah. I do get what you mean. Like the thing about the, the, the whole uh, movement and getting women out to work, yeah. they allowed people to believe that if you did this, you'll have double income and you'll pay your mortgage yeah. off in half the time. But what yeah. happened is within five minutes, both of those incomes was still only shaving off the same amount yeah. of your fucking mortgage. You know that kind of way. Like, um, it's a call either way. And yeah. I think that uh, a lot of people are being given a lot of information that thinks that they think they think they were being empowered yeah. by learning this information when really they're being conned, yeah. which is why a lot of the new shit that I'm hearing and I rail against it, I'm not really, I don't have the fucking life energy for the culture war anymore. Yeah. No. Um, Look after yourself. But it's a huge part of what's happening right now. Demotivation, demoralization, disempowerment, and disassociation. That's what's happening. And men, women, everybody, whatever the fuck you are, whatever's between your legs, you're being demoralized mm. as a human. And it's very easy to do. It's fucking way easier to do in 1737 because, like, you actually didn't have any legal representation. You actually didn't have a social movement. You couldn't vote. You couldn't do anything. You were basically like a fucking jizz receptacle for your husband. So you can understand why, at the time, Mayor Amschel was like, my number one rule is don't leave your money to your daughters. Because some cunt's going to go blow muck and every milliliter of that is going to be worth fucking 300 grand. So, like, don't do that shit. Yeah. Well, don't leave your money to your daughters because in this society, that money is his. That He'd exactly. be the man of the house exactly. and you're just handing that to him. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And Mayor Amschel knows a thing about 
thing or two about getting someone else's money. So he's like, <laughs> let's... Uh, don't, be, don't ever fall in love with a man like me. Why? Because <laughs> he'll uh, start a war in two countries and pay <laughs> for both sides. <laughs> so, yeah, tell us about the kids. Yeah, so Amshel had five sons and five daughters. His sons were Anselm Mayer, born in 1773, married Ava Hanau. Salomon... Hanau from, uh, like, uh, associated with William of Hesse. Remember his... his his um, kingdom was Hanau. Okay, yeah. Uh, Solomon Mayer, born in 1774, married Caroline Stern. Nathan Mayer, born in 1777, married Hannah Levi Barnett Cohen. Talk about her Jesus. again in a minute. That's a fair, All the names in their Jewish name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 1806, uh, oh, sorry, married Hannah, Lev- Hannah Levy Barnett Cohen, 1806. Yeah. Carl, born 1788, married Adelaide. Adelaide Hurt. Of the car rental. Thing. <laughs> I was just thinking it. Jacob James, born in 1792, married niece Betty, daughter of his brother Solomon. Rank. Hold on, yep. hold on. Let's rewind yeah, there. Yeah, what? Yeah. Yep. And, he, and Adelaide Hurts was a cousin, and Caroline Stern was also a cousin. Dirty bastard. But this is how you keep the money. This is how, this yeah. is how all dynasties Le- money, money and lose your good bone structure. <laughs> Hannah Levi Baron Cohen was. Um, the daughter of... Uh, a jeans manufacturer, of <laughs> bad haircuts, and a good singer. <laughs> <laughs> so long, Marshall. It's um, She was the daughter of a, a famous military leader in the German army, and uh, or in the Austrian army, sorry, and Eva Hanau was uh, from the House of Hesse. That was a good, good tie-up. But, 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 but Anselm was the oldest son, so he got the best, he got the best choice. And Nathan... Picked your one. He was the only one that refused to marry a cousin. He was like, no. He also refused the nobility. Nathan's no. A fucking done. Nathan's a G. Yeah. But he's also the most evil cunt. There's a there's a story about him leaning up against a pillar in the uh in London. Someone was like when he was in London and said, I saw Nathan Nathan Rochelle lean up against a pillar with his hands in his pockets. And he had this look of death on his face. That his eyes were dead like a shark, like oh, dead. Yeah. And then somebody came up and said hello to him. And it was like life shook back into him. And he was like, hi, 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 hi. And then when they left, he went and straight back into it. Like something something wrong inside. Something inside so wrong. I was going to bring this up. Got so. fucked. Like people would notice how fucked up of a human he was. Yeah. But just a genius man for the fucking banking. You hear... Um Every so often you'll hear, uh, there's one, I don't even know his name, and uh, I'm not going to fucking say his name anyway, even if I knew it, but there's uh, multiple accounts, there's a a current uh, rape scandal going on with an American comedian, and there's been multiple accounts of his victims describing how his fucking eyes would just turn black. Yeah, like Ted Bundy's. That description, Ted Bundy, exactly. Yep. That description is really fucking common. in people who were at the hands of pure fucking psychopaths. It's a very strange, demonic description. Also, with all the interbreeding, that's like, it's a, it's a, it, it it increases the this the psychopathic gene, all this interbreeding that like empathy and all plummets yeah. over uh, generational incest. So you know you could see very easily how this family become very evil very quick. Or dude, any royal family, you know? Oh, absolutely. All the royal every, families every, yeah, of that's Europe. What I mean. Yeah, all, all of these motherfuckers with fucking cousins and cultures and and losing empathy for the common man and just making decisions that were like. Yeah, uh, how do we get rid of all these cunts? I don't know, burn. 
burned them. We yeah, just set yeah. fire to the whole street. Yeah. Like, completely depersonalized, you know? Yeah. Um, tell us, Tom, about the Frankfurt Jews. Now, these boys, these f- lads in Frankfurt were fucking, I'm sorry, I've been in Frankfurt. Lovely spot. Not for Jews. Not a great place to be, I tell you. Now it's probably grand because of the whole thing. But, um, you know the thing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's probably fine now. Mm. You know the thing? I've heard of it. Learned about it in school. The Sausage Factory. Yes. Yeah. Um, the speech that JFK made. But, it, no, I think um, they were the fucking baddest cons. So tell us about what it was like to be a Jew in Frankfurt. Rough. But in 1809, just three years before his death, Mayer was in the good books with the Grand Duke Dalberg of Frankfurt. The Jews, who lived in the ghetto and did business there, had to pay a yearly sum to be allowed to stay. And Imagine. Li- yeah. Yearly sum, you had to pay for fucking tolls, crossing bridges, you weren't allowed out on Sunday or at night time. Like, fucked. Still having to pay, like, your... Yeah. And a yearly rent, then, to be allowed. To live in a ghetto. Yeah. 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 Yeah, pay me to live in this fucking kip. Uh, and Mayer was doing a great business despite the ban on exports-imports because of the French boycott of England, which the ads got a, the, got a smuggling ring out of and made a ball of money. Yeah, Napoleon had put... Um, Napoleon's French forces had kind of not taken over in Frankfurt but had put a kind of a, a, an a, a imper, imperial uh, stoppage on English imports because he was fighting with England. It was England, Russia, Portugal and a few other places, right? So they put an imperial ban on imports and then the Rothschilds were like, no, a ban? Mm, no, nah. doesn't, doesn't sound pledge. like good business. Nah. No. And they just went, I'm not doing it. So um, I mean, a European leader was stopping import-export out of Britain because Britain didn't want to be part of Europe. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Intr- interesting. <laughs> Funny. So Duke Dalberg was like, I'd love an old fucking chalk dip. I'd love yeah. a fucking, I'd love an old, you know, packet of cheesy watsits. I'd love <laughs> a Cornish pasty. Love a Cornish pasty. Yeah. I'd love an old fucking bit of bangers and mash, bit of toad in the hole. Meat nail pie. Meat nail pie. Love a steak and kidney pie. I love a fucking... Uh, what's the... What's the, what's the, the, the the fucking beef Wellington. Beef Wellington. What's the, the Gordon Ramsay? The, the spotted dick. Maya, you got your beef Wellington. It's all wet. Come on, you fucking donkey. Right. So Maya was like to the to Duke Dalberg, bro. I got you. I got you. You want them Ritz crackers, salty on one side, dry on the other. Loves them shits. Yeah. Cheesy watsits. Fucking uh, Protestant tato. Pork, pork scratchings. It's against my religion, but I will get them for you. I, I tell you what. Scampi fries. I've had. Bacon fries. I've had. Cheese moments, mm. I've never had. See them on the little cardboard thing. I've never had them. They're good. I've never. Have you had them? Yeah. I, I I love you, Tom. I don't believe you. Cheese moments. I've never met a man in real life or a person who's ever had a cheese moment. Really? I swear to God. And I've been in pubs my whole life. I've had the bacon bites. I had the bacon bit. I've never bacon. heard of a cheese moment. But they're on the thing, so it's like it's on the card. Scampi, like fries, scampi fries, scampi fries, cheese moments, bacon fries, Never and I've had scampi fries, and they're so oh no, scampiish. They burn, they burn the inside of your mouth. The chemicals, bacon fries, classy. Suck on them. They're like fucking delicious communion. Cheese moments. I've never seen. I've definitely or had, had them. If I remember correctly, they're like little pillows. They're like little they're like the scampi fries, but yeah. with cheese. Yeah, I've, I've, but there's supposed to be stuff inside them, and I've never fucking seen them in real life. And I've never had them. I'm turning into Lewis Black right now. I've definitely had them. I've never had them. I've been in more pubs than you have. Okay, I believe yeah. you. Yeah, no, I've definitely, definitely had them. Uh, uh, anybody out there? Have you ever, like, you've, mm. have you ever seen 
the cheese moments on the card and never had them. Anybody's had them, please let me know. I'll do a poll. Uh, wow, I fucking, you, you feel strongly about I this. really do, bro. Jesus. I really do feel strongly about cheese moments, I have to say. <laughs> um, speaking about uh, uh, cheese, uh, this Duke Dalberg, he wanted his cheesy moments. Uh, he asked Meyer to sort it out, and because of the French boycott, made by Napoleon, by mm-hmm. the way, that's what I wanted to jump in and say. The Duke wanted to go to Paris to pay respect to Napoleon on the birth of his son, but none of the banks would lend him, you know, to tip up there. So, old mayor took the call and lent him 80k. Fucking, he was going balling for the weekend. <laughs> but just the thing, they didn't want to give him the money because they like, where are you going? I'm going to see Napoleon. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, I mean, how much how that. much coke is this guy going doing over the weekend? <laughs> like? uh, with little interest and no need to pay it back in total. That's a dangerous time. Just yeah. the interest, lad. Just the interest. This was a very clever way of getting the main man of Frankfurt in his pocket. The smuggling racket they were going on withdrew some unwanted attention from the French authorities, though in 1809 there was a raid planned. Mayor got the tip off from the Duke and Mayor got rid of the incriminating items and documents when the men from the trade boycott ins- inspector arrived. They found Mayor in bed and found nothing at all around the place. They gave him a small fine and Mayor escaped going to the big big house. That was a favour return. That's pretty good, right? Sure, I mean, the savings yeah. he made there probably covered... The whole lot. You see... You see that's a business. Man. 80 grand. He could have got, he would have been in jail like his business was over. He would have yeah, got fined more than 80 grand. Yeah, yeah. Got a small fine of a few thousand. The French were like, oh, you made us come down here, you can't. And he's like, what are you going to do? But the, the Duke was like, hey, I heard on the grapevine. But this was, a, do you know what? The money, the gold, the coins, the big bank, the great, uh, the great name, all of that stuff, nothing was worth as much as the network of information ah, this that is- Meyer had fostered and passed on to his children, and that they grew. The network of information and contacts, and probably reputation, but the contacts is everything mm-hmm. for these guys. Contacts, reputation. This is uh, exactly what happened with Donald Trump. When he went bankrupt, it was a Rothschild. It was the Rothschilds that bailed him out. Mm-hmm. He was fucking hemorrhaging cash. When, when the casinos collapsed, not right. rest, he lost fucking stupid money impossible sums of money he was never going to be able to pay it back so it was I think it was the Rothschilds uh, swooped in and forgave him because they were like this motherfucker is an asset well, this don't is- be don't destroy him he's an asset we will make our money out of this guy when we put him to work this guy is the world's greatest salesman we'll be making look- the president <laughs> of the United States okay of course, I'm back by this presidency is sponsored by Rothschild. You use the code Trump at Rothschild.com. You'll be able to get your own presidential pin. Remember, remember when they were uh, when some guy introduced uh, Trump and he was like the first Jewish pre- president? And you're like, there you go. That's so funny. The, Paid in full. But but Trump <laughs> but Trump did move the US embassy into yep. Jerusalem, so like the the I mean there's always there done. was a joke back in, in the, the, the highfalutin days of the construction boom and it was essentially don't owe the bank fifty thousand because they'll they'll fucking hound you for it. Owe them five hundred million, yeah, and you'll get Ryder Cup tickets, yeah, because they'll go. We got to keep this fucker on side, yeah. Because if he just defaults, like yeah. we're we're on our arse, yeah. But that's exactly what it was with Trump. It was like this, like we can't hit him for the money because it's not there. You know that kind yeah, of way. There's yeah, nothing yeah. we can do. Mm. What can we do? I, He's an incredibly manipulative like he'll influential be guy we can use this guy the annual fee Jewish families had to pay was 22k Jesus Christ yeah every every family they had to pay for the whole year to be allowed to live in the ghetto 
And this was a like per- the Dublin rents. Yeah. Yeah, but that's what I was going to say. Like, yeah. it's like, we are that now, you know? It was a perpetual cost, but Mayor wanted to be done with. So he convinced the Duke to take one time payment lump sum in exchange for the Jews of Frankfurt to be able to establish their own ruling bodies and councils. So this is after Mayor had hooked him up with the, with the contraband. Mm. The Duke had given him the favour, goes, the boys are coming to inspect. Mayor's like, thanks very much. Started him out with more contraband, gave him a few bob. And now, Mayor was like, look it, we're being bled. Duke started out. Yeah. Is this Mayor pretty much at death's door? Mm, he's about like three he's, years from dying, but he's, he's not. getting on. And he's still like looking right down to the bottom going, let's bring these, these fuckers do, up. Yeah. These guys do, Fuck though. Me, this man. is one of my, one of my dying, he's like, he, he's like, this is one of my dying wishes. What a legacy. Give a, give an egalitarian out for all of the Jewish people that live in the ghetto in Frankfurt. It's like, we don't want to pay rents no more. Because it was bleeding. Do you know what it is, man? It's keeping all those people at the point of poverty. Mm. Foot on their throat. Just Foot in the throat. You can't, you just, you're working to survive. It's not, you're not working to thrive. And he's like, well, if I take 22k liability off every one of the families in this ghetto here, they'll have an awful lot more operating capital to be able to maybe live a better life, and get a bit of education. And afterwards. I mean, that this was the byproduct of the story of it. was, yeah. Was yeah. It's unreal. Like, you compare, like Tom said, you compare that to fucking J-Lo driving through the ghetto and her fucking rims, you know, that kind of way, yeah, just yeah. rubbing it in people's faces. This guy <laughs> pulls as, his entire fucking culture This up. terrible Jew, this, you know, usurer, this money-lending, you know, well, you look Rothschild at, head. If, like, if, if for a comparison, if you want to go, um, I have Jerry McBride of a podcast, the Tom and Jerry show, but we did a, we do a deep dive on random subjects that absolutely just interest us. And we did, we, we studied the beatification of Do- Dolly Parton, the seven stages of uh, Christianity that would get you to being a, a, a saint. And we put in this God being country music and we broke it down. But when you look at it, she employs over 8,000 people. Jesus. And she came from a, like from what people would describe as an absolute hovel up the, up the, no up the mountain no shoes stuff okay and would have been and her carry on then with her you know her skimpy dresses and stuff would have been badly looked down upon like by and you look back at it and you look at the legacy she's leaving around her like she opened a whole theme park and she employs thousands of people but she she primarily employs people that would have been of retirement age because she believes they're of good values and so loads of people who are in their 70s are tipping away there like, and they can work at their own pace. But 8,000 people, she gives... Do you know what, she, do you know what she does in Dolly World? This is what she does in Dolly World. She employs people on like a two hours a week basis. It's Dollywood. Dollywood. Dolly World. It's a happy place. Oh, hello. Hi. You like my tits? Sorry. <laughs> so in Dollywood, she, employ, she employs people who are oh, coming up to retirement age and of retirement age for two hours a week. So mm. they come in and they're greeters on the door for two hours a week. But she pays for their full medical insurance through her business. So all these people who couldn't afford fucking nothing and they were getting fleeced and all their pension oh, money was gone away yeah. on that. Unbelievable. She pays for all of their medical expenses. So instead of giving it to charity or giving it to something, she pays direct. She hires them on as employees. So her 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 employee roster is massive. But like they all come in like for two hours a week. Mm. Oh, yeah. and do that stuff and she pays for all of their fucking pays into their pensions pays into the stuff and it's all people local and where is it in Tennessee is it yeah yeah it's Smoky pays, Mountain so it's all in the Tennessee like in the local area and pays into all of their you know credit union savings into their pension funds in for their uh, their health insurance like 
and they don't have to they show up like you know for two hours a week like hi welcome to Dollywood imagine how fucking happy that staff is for those two fucking hours like they, yeah, they must be the greatest fucking staff to be dealing with best ever man she does yeah. she, she pioneered the, the every every child should have a book you know that one that thing as well yeah she pioneered that, that, that thousands and thousands of books of, I think maybe 16 I'm, I can't remember when we did it's like a two hour podcast if people want to go find it and I, up till the age of 16 or 18 you'll get a book every week no she way. covers it like yeah and but the gentrification or the what she it does is she moves into a lot of southern st- cities like in in Nashville or Tennessee she'll move into a a rough neighborhood but hire and upskill the locals yeah now obviously gentrifying and raising the profile of her property portfolio as well but at the same time she's not she's not doing it for money at this stage she's so wealthy like you know yeah. what I mean but but again business woman doing business so yeah, many of the area doing business, the gentrification like, thing usually fucks people because they're not getting any of the money but if she's also employing the area oh, they're yeah. the ones, all boats yeah, are yeah, fucking gentrification crazy, yeah. usually like yeah. annexes the people and replaces them with a workforce yeah. or qualified she's a rising tide exactly. yeah 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 nice exactly. fucking um, hell yeah man some of the bed and some of the kitchen <laughs> Just went and ahead and poured working, myself a cup of ambition. Yeah, working nine to five, man. She's the way fucking, she wrote that song is class. Do you ever hear her playing it on her nails? Yeah, Do you ever yeah, hear her yeah, telling yeah, that yeah, song? Yeah, brilliant. brilliant. So the Duke agreed to some 20 times that of the annual fee. He was a greedy cunt and saw Mayor as a handy number after getting the loan and not having to pay it back. The Duke saw this as an easy and quick payday to, and Mayor, who never let anyone know how much he had, was easily able to pay this. Keep the Duke on side, he wrote a letter licking his hole. A skill he kept for the most audacious of nobility and something that some wouldn't be able to hand stomach. This deal made the Jews of Frankfurt a separate nation and infuriated the Christians in the city, who then ousted Duke Dalberg for taking Jew money and installed Baron von Huge. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, That's his real name. Yeah, I know. And it's just <laughs> He was a Hesse and he was one of William's boys. From Hesse. Man, what a name. And uh, Baron von Huge went in there instead of the Duke d'Alberg. So, like, Mayor went, how much to get all these Jews free? And he's and he's like, well, how much is the year? 22K. Mm, Ten times that. And, and Mayor's like, that all? Forever? Oh, Man. forever? Yeah. Okay, you dope. Pocket. And he got a ball of money. And then the Duke d'Alberg immediately got ousted, replaced with Baron von Huge. And then uh, Meyer, after doing all the business with William... Ends up being friends with your man and gets all the money back anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the beauty of it. Like he was, he was well friends. Uh, like they did twenty years on the go. Um, twenty years earlier during the American Revolutionary War, boys were tight. Like they were, the boys were tight. Mm. Now, unfortunately, the Council of Vienna in eighteen fourteen would not honor the ousted Grand Duke's agreement with Mayor, and there was a question that it may not go through. But bribed men and princes and nobles from Austrian royalty were indebted to Mayor. Got you on the fucking street. And strings were pulled. This Congress of Vienna was one of the most powerful displays of the power of the Rothschilds, had over international affairs, and one of the reasons that these banker types were suspicious among politicians in many countries. Basically, this is the first time that, like, Jews were able to buy their freedom out Mm. of a city in Europe. And a council came together of Austria, and now this is, like, Austro-Hungarian, like, post-Prussian, post-Napoleonic War post-unification of Germany or pre-unification of Germany like this is Europe was up for grabs you know <laughs> this Rothschild lad just came in and went much is it? much? yeah and he was able to pull it out what was in his pocket 
Mm. And then, and then the they were second like, time what? Was, you bought a race of people's independence with what was just in your pocket? And he's like, yeah. Did you, did you want more? Did you not have that in your pocket? Because I fucking do. I, and you know what? I have three more pockets. But this was princes <laughs> and kings and barons and dukes. And this was just a Jew from the ghetto who pulled out a roll and went, much? There's one. There's another. Hey, hey, Bobby, give me the other suitcase. Like, baller shit. And everybody and at this council, everybody at this council, the council were like, you can't do it. And he rocked up to the council and he went, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Duke, uh, Duke Van Huge, you owe me a lot of money. You owe me, uh, remember that time uh, your sister was, she was having a bar mitzvah and, uh, you know, you needed a loan to get the thing. Hey, uh, Baron, uh, Baron Van uh, Sticky Fingers, you over here, <laughs> remember that time you need to go on holiday, your, your second wife's giving you a jib. I ended up, you know what I mean? You owe me. It's not a, you know, <laughs> it's not a fucking, it's not a big deal over here. Like, he just went and went bang, 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 bang. You owe me this, you owe me this, you owe me this. Called in all the favors, and they were like, oh, fuck's sakes, this guy, okay. Well, look at, he is sound, and he can really be counted on, so, like, go on. And everybody in Europe saw this council getting, like, tromped on. Yeah. By a fellow who was able to pay off every Jew in the city. What was in his pocket? Yeah, the king is on the gun. It's gone. Them motherfuckers were like, "Oh shit, man!" If he actually does get power, like, yeah, yeah, you know, and we better not get on the bad side of him because he knows who we're going to be fighting against, and he'll just—he doesn't give a fuck about writing letters. Nah. So if we're fighting against somebody, all he has to do is send a letter to the lad we're fighting against, and if he's financing them, we're fucked because he got all the money. He's got all the money. But it just goes to show you, man, the fucking green like yeah. wins above all. Always, you know. Let's talk about Nathan then. Shane, can you tell us a little bit about Nathan when he got to um he got to start up? So Nathan's the middle child and he and he, he he's the one that kind of made the I think made the bad reputation. Meyer Amschel that kind of was a good a seemingly good dude, but Nathan ended up kind of getting into London's high and mighty and all through the Victorian era through his weight around a little bit. And Nathan's guy has been booking trends left, right and centre. Yeah, refusing his nobility. Married the cousin, but yeah. refused the mo- mo- nobility. A loose cannon. A middle child. Tom knows about it. You're a middle child, mm. Tom. This is it. The wild, is it. The, the, wild, the wild cunt with the mullers at the, the family room. The amount of times they fucking put cousins <laughs> my way and I'm like, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. They're all fucking brutal looking anyway. Like, and that was my only reason. reason. Yeah, 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 yeah. The only reason. <laughs> So Nathan, the middle child, was arguably the most gifted of the bunch and he was sent to Manchester to begin trading there and scope out the British market. Undoubtedly, Britain was the Rothschild's biggest client up till now and was the reason for their father's fortune in the war against the, rebe- against the rebellion in the US. The family sent Nathan to Manchester and not to London because there was clothing trade concerns that they wanted to exploit before tackling London proper. So they're laying roots. Well, yeah, getting business done. Yeah. You'll never guess what the cloth was being used for. You what was it being used for, Shane? Army uniforms. Wasn't there a Bush grandfather doing the same thing? Yeah, Prescott, that's him. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hugo Boss. Yeah. For a certain army of national socialists. Who was the Italian that was doing uh, Italy's one? For Mussolini's lads? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know. Oh, no, it was somebody... It was... It was, it was an Italian well-known Italian Versace design. as well it was somebody it? like Versace yeah. that's hence why they were pretty sexy you know, uh, like. uh, well <sighs> yep army uniforms for the British army and navy which used to be supplied for, uh, which used to be su- supplied from Germany Nathan was sent there in 1798 and war was on the cards 
and he had about five years to get ready to supply the army and the navy, almost like he knew that war was coming. Wouldn't you think? Yeah. Fucking clever shit, man. Mm. This was this was all info from Myers' mates in high society, of course, and they were ahead of the curve. When the usual Manchester manufacturers went to get their fabric from Germany, they were told that the British government had already sold manufacturing rights to the Rothschilds. They revolted and Nathan was uh, in fear of his life and he kind of had to flee London. He was in Manchester for just five years. Can you imagine? He was ran out after five years. Ran out after five years, man. They were all like, are you after taking our clothes? We were getting ready to make uniforms, you, you bastard. Like, <laughs> all, and he's just like, uh, okay, I go to London now. Okay, bye. Like... <laughs> You gotta roll with <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah. The whole town. Yeah. And they just came in and just owned the whole town like. That's what a boss does. Fucking tell you, man. You go boss. Mm-hmm. He then fled for London, right? Uh, Nathan fled for London and became the wealthiest man alive. His brothers were set up by their father in cities all over Europe. Like, uh, like Solomon was in Vienna, Austria. Uh, Anselm stayed in Frankfurt. Carl, who was in charge of Naples, uh, Naples, Italy, and then Jacob uh, in Paris, France. Their wealth with London at the head was more than just another bank. It was the power to change governments, and it had more money than the Bank of England. And its objective was to tear down European civilizations and install a new world order, or so it is said. Yeah, that's the the narrative. They were also called upon to use their influence and capital to help other nations in their desire to rule out on their subjects. Money has no race, no creed, no religion. That's business. It does It's businessmen doing business, and that's what gets you your fucking wars won. Get your uniforms made, get your money in, see gaps in the market, fill in those shits, see what people need, because really at the start of all wars and the end of all wars, it's men who are in charge of making those wars happen, and if you fulfill their needs, I think it's called appeasement. appeasement. Um, yeah, yeah, if you yeah, appease yeah, these yeah. motherfuckers, they just want to they stop warring. Just at the right time so all your shit doesn't get destroyed that you've bought and paid for. Uh, markets go down, prices go down, and you're the only cunt with money around that's not fleecing, uh, getting fleeced, paying out soldiers, paying out this, paying out that. So all the stuff that governments could be buying up when the money uh, uh, when the money value goes down, but also the price of everything plummets. If you're the only lad holding a few bob, you get to own everything. That's where there's a boom, bust, boom, bust every fucking 30 years. Now it's every nine years. Because mm. it's a change over our hands. Can you imagine the lads who held government bonds? Like we're talking about government bonds, we talked about it on the, the money and gold, and I think about the Federal Reserve episode. The amount of bonds that the Chinese government holds or has cashed in now since, but held, they were American money. And they just went, Yeah, these promise we don't want to promise no more. <laughs> Can you give us the gold? And they were like, uh, we kind of don't have any gold to give you. Okay, you want to give us the cash instead? Because America bought a lot of stuff off China, mm-hmm. and China, and they were like, "Do you want the dollars for that?" No, no, give us a bounce. Because like the price of the thing and the price of the dollar. Mm-hmm. Now they're coming back and saying, "Okay, give us the cash," and they're like, "Okay, here's the cash." Actually, you don't have to send it; just keep it and give us all of this stuff that we buy. Yeah, and they give just went, oil. "Give us all that oil, give us all that land, give us all that." Only the other day, man, Joe Biden is after giving all the fucking selling, like, I think 30%, maybe 40% of the emergency fucking oil reserves for the whole country to China because basically they came in and went, hey, we got these bonds. What you got? And they're like, uh, because we're cashing the bonds. You can't say no to cashing in bonds is the thing. they're not giving fucking Hawaii. But... (laughs) 
Just give him South Carolina. Take it away. That's the thing. They, they can't. They can't say no. So it's like we're, we're cashing these bonds. Um, what, what what have you got? What do we need? Give us all that lovely oil. Give us a give us a give us a load of land. And they're like, okay, uh, they have to give it. Man, death by a thousand cuts. Like the sanctions they put on Russia absolutely fucked themselves. You know that mm. kind of way. And made trading around more oil. And then around, never been doing deals. The oil away. It's all this fucking bond shit, man. And the boys are doing business. Businessmen doing business, and they know exactly what they're doing. I'm not excusing it now when I say businessmen doing business. It's just what I'm fact. saying is this is how it's going, and it's not illegal. Yeah. And all the conspiracy heads are like, we got to fight the power. The blah blah blah. All you have to do is vote for motherfuckers who will make that shit illegal and then it all stops. Mm, but and, and like giving out about Amazon and then not shopping on Amazon and hoping that's going to fix it is like giving out about climate change and then like Purcell says on their ads washing your clothes at 10 degrees less and then showing like a picture of a happy polar bear not dying. Fuck uh, up. Yeah, yeah. But that bo- shit does not wash like <laughs> that doesn't wash <laughs> that doesn't wash with me. <laughs> Like, be, do a thing and a blah, blah, blah. It's taking advantage of your fear of climate change and you're washing 10 degrees. We formulated our personal to, to clean at a lower temperature so you're saving the planet or else you'll feel good about saving the planet and you'll buy our one because it's the only one that works at 30 degrees. You fucking dope. Mm. Don't think there's a way of voting your way out though. I think, like, obviously this game is fucking rigged. It's, it's our, it's, our job to fucking figure our own way out in the same way the Rothschilds figured their way out of the fucking ghetto. I don't think there's... I, I think if you if you try and play that game and vote someone in, if there was someone noble and popular enough to win that vote, he'd go the way of JFK. Shane, Very the thing different. is, and I take my cue from the Rothschilds, I'm absolutely burnt out from listening to cultural... Uh, uh, culture war shit. I'm absolutely burnt out with petty American politics fucking, you know, oligarchical fan, Pelosi, Biden, John Kerry, the Bushes, these motherfuckers, Clintons, <laughs> fucking lizards. <laughs> I fed up with talking about them, fed up thinking about them. There's nothing you can do about it. Have them die somehow. Put them in a Tesla, pay Elon Musk, or you just get Elon Musk to program the Tesla to drive into the sea with them in it, right? <sighs> what the Rothschilds are instructed me to do via their actions 300 or 250 years ago is use the system that's already there in a new way in a way that's not illegal but using innovation to use the system that's already there to just change how things are done oh that's what I'm saying but lead by example like the only way you'll do that is to vote a guy like Ron DeSantis as the fucking president who's a young dude he's not a billionaire he has some radical ideas just Make him the president and see what happens in four years. Yeah, but the the Rothschilds didn't vote for shit. I know they, they didn't fucking, vote for shit. They, they but steered who, their own destiny. You know how how we are all trying to do this and they're selling us the fucking dream of Bitcoin being the savior of uh, like if we use Bitcoin, we get to not use their dollar. And um, and you know they have no power. I was, I was like, man, Bitcoin isn't worth that unless you're cashing out into dollars. You fucking dope. <laughs> it's still the, the only reason people are interested in Bitcoin is because it's valued in American dollars. Oh man, what's Bitcoin at now? Uh, uh, I don't know. They're not valuing it in yuan. They're not yeah. saying, "Oh yeah, it's fucking you know thirteen thousand yuan." They're like, "Yeah, it's about eight thousand dollars at the moment." Yeah, the dollars that you don't trust is that who you're valuing this thing that's going to say the word? Yeah. "Fuck off." Mm. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. like, I don't put put any stock in any shit. I'm saying use the system that's already there against the people that have set it up. Find the fucking loopholes in it and use it legally, but maybe immorally, and that's the shit that's going to get you, you know, to the next level. 
people are on YouTube and they're using that system legally, but immorally. Until, but the thing is, YouTube can change the rules as it goes along. The SEC are chasing lads. Look what's happening on the GME. I don't want to get into it now, but on the GME subreddit, on Super Stonks, all these boys on, on Reddit, are they have the fucking full American stock market by the bollocks. They're still holding on to that, yeah? Still holding, man. Diamond <laughs> hands, bro. They have all of these GME stocks. They bought them all up. They're putting them through this like registration system to make all the stocks that are out there. Because what happened was the lads were shorting all these GameStop stocks. So oh, the boys yeah. bought loads of them because they were really cheap. They were flying down towards zero and they bought them. And because they bought them, the price started going up and now it's up into the moon. But the lads all have a load of stocks that were shorted. So they had been borrowed mm. by the lads who were putting them up as shorted stocks. And now to buy them back, they're fucking mad. So the lads are hundreds of billions of dollars in debt. Yeah. So instead of like going leveraged bets, like leveraged to thousands on every penny off that their guess right. was off, they were betting on it going to like a cent and it's fucking 80 quid and they're like they're losing thousands for every penny of that move you know? incrementally larger <laughs> amounts of money like like right. they've already driven a 13 billion dollar hedge fund into the ground and Beautiful. made it bankrupt right yeah. these fucking redditors yeah. right so like they're using a the system in the legal way and then by the rules like BlackRock or whatever the fucking hedge fund is that's pumping money into GME should be going into business now mm. But instead of doing that, they went to the SEC and went, can you change the rules so that yeah. we can get away with this and we don't go out of business? And the SEC, like with 500 million rather than 50 grand, mm -hmm. they're like, right, well, we need you to keep the economy going. So, uh, yeah, we'll fix it for you. And they've, they, they, they shut down, like, uh, is it Robinhood was the app that people yeah, were using? Yeah, yeah. Now, the lads are like, right, what do we do? What do we do? And there's thousands of them, loads of brands thinking, how are we going to do this? Thousands come together. Okay, if we register all the stocks and make them register all the stocks and we find out how many there is, because some lad has found out that they're actually doubling up the stocks. So one lad is lending them and he's selling them at one price, another lad's lending them on and selling them at another price, lending them on and selling them at another price in a short. So now as it comes back, it comes back, it comes back, the boys bought the actual stock. So in order for this lad to pay back, this lad to pay back, this lad to pay back, this lad, it's incrementally more expensive to pay them all back. Of course, yeah, yeah. Because they've doubled up. And the lads have registered the stock, so there's only one of them. Mm. So when these other four lads try to sell it back, they're like, well, I haven't got it to sell back to you, so I have to sell you back the value. What did you buy that? $4. What's it worth now? $120. And how many of them did you buy? 50000 because I thought mm. they were going to zero, and I bought them at $4. So you spent two hundred grand, and now we owe ah. them fucking $300 million. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, the, yeah. and thousands of these cons have done this using a system that's legal but possibly immoral. And instead of just riding with the rules and they should have won and th those uh, hedge funds should have went into the dirt. They went behind their back and they changed the fucking rules, man. Yeah. It's the game the hedge funds were playing anyway. Like, they were crazy. The hedge funds stock. are doing that yeah, stuff. Yeah, they so these lads found a way to do it. The Rothschilds yeah. keeping this shit secret. Don't tell anybody how to do it. Don't tell anyone how much money we have. Yeah. yeah. That's what the hedge funds were doing, Rothschild shit. Yeah. And then these boys on Reddit figured out how to do Rothschild shit. And they were like, let's us just do it. And that's I've only got $100. That'll $100. Put it on the pile. What have you got? $8. That'll Put it on the pile. And yeah. they got thousands of people. And they spent hundreds of thousands of dollars. And now it's worth hundreds and hundreds of millions. Yeah. Fuck. 
But that's the thing, like, you don't need to be a rocket scientist. It, it was just about them you do, just man. taking a step back. Because no, no. you're going to the moon. <laughs> 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 but it was just about a couple of cute hours yeah. taking a step back and going, oh, lads, lads, quick, 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 look, look, look. And it was just about lads getting so. And the, the, the other right thing was time. trust and philosophy. They trusted each other. It was like, if any of you fuckers sell, we're fucked. Yeah. You'll Fuck the whole thing up. Diamond hands, man. Please be strong. And they had strong hands. They had a philosophy. They had a goal. Apes, and they apes strong together. That was yeah. the, they, they called themselves the apes. And like, apes strong together. No sell. Yeah. Diamond hands. And the funny one was like, oh man, it's going to, the, I'm going to lose $100. And Green, like, what a fuck. Paper hands, no sell. Apes, strong, uh, apes only strong went together. And they're like, okay, I'll keep it. Yeah. And they come in and they go, I, I found $20 in the back of the couch. Guess what I did? And they were like, apes buy. Apes buy. Apes strong together! And there was yeah. a big celebration and buy more stock and all. Like, it, it, it's yeah. a real sense of community, man. to get out more as a fucking child. But look at it. You know it's I mean? hundreds of millions. Hundreds of millions. You wouldn't get that kick in the ball up against the wall unless you're like Ronaldo or whatever. But anyway, uh, we have Nathan in London. We've got, uh, who have we got? We've got the boys in Vienna, Naples, uh, Frankfurt, Paris, and Nathan in London. And now Meyer is at home in Frankfurt on his deathbed. I'd love to talk more about anyone anyone that's involved in that GME shit. Reach out, man, because I want to talk. I want to be educated properly on exactly what's going on. I do look at it sometimes when I'm going to bed, and I just like laugh like super stonks is fucking hilarious. But anyone that's out there that want to fucking reach out, tell a brother what's going on. I'd love to hear from you. Right, Meyer's in Frankfurt, and before his death, he encouraged his sons to branch out and sent them all across Europe. Right. Um, they were already doing business, like we said. Nathan was mm-hmm. doing business in Manchester, like started a bank. He may have robbed the money off of William uh, of Hesse to do that, but let's you know. So there's wars going on in Europe. There's lots of scope for these notes to be changed. Meyer see the writing on the wall. Uh, uh, Ansel, Old, and Solomon and Nathan saw the shit coming. They were like, "Man, everybody's looking for to pay for armies. They're looking for to fucking cash out money to pay for soldiers." Like. Jesus, that thing that you were doing, Dad, like 20 years ago. Yeah. That's happening all over now. Like, let's get into these cities and do that shit. Mm. He's like, <laughs> my boy, I raised you well. Like, this shit is a license to print money, right? But if they're being in Frankfurt, they were restricted by their geography, and they're obviously stuck in the Jew ghetto, can't get nowhere. Uh, it was really high-stakes betting game, like this GME. And if they lost, they were fucked. Right? Um, it's risk assessment. And if you're taking in, like, what was it, 40 million from William of Hesse, and you were hoping that he didn't call for it all at the one time, mm. that was the one risk. You were lending out the cons that you might not get the interest back off it. That's another risk. Uh, they didn't exactly have, like, an army or, 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 like, a group of dudes who'd be able to go knock on cons doors and be like, we're going to break your thumbs if you don't pay your, pay your bills. It was just all done out of, like, mutual respect and trust. So, like... When you're dealing with the nobility, there would have been a shame attached with not being able to There wouldn't, there wouldn't, man. They just fucking sent the soldiers over and sliced well, you up. Maybe. It was, he was some Jew living in the ghetto. It was the reputation. That was the thing. Mm. The reputation. I don't think there's a shame about royalties. You, doing you, you don't like, want the other royal families knowing you couldn't repay your debt because they'd fucking descend you. on you like vultures. Yeah, you I know? do get you, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. To be like, oh, we're going to uh, uh, exile. We're going to exile him for what he done. What did he do? Oh, he was eating pizza in a pizza express and walking. <laughs> that's not where. That's not where royalty eats. That's what he got in trouble for, right? 
Mm. Oh, yeah, right. yeah. A, yeah, 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 yeah. It was in Pizza Express. It was pizza ago. It was, <laughs> it was, <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. No, the horrible fucker, um, to tell the truth of it, he got, as I mean, it was reported afterwards, he didn't admit it in the interview, but the real reason for the whole thing was, oh, Jesus Christ, could I even say it? He got pineapple on a fucking pizza. Oh my god! What a monster! <laughs> fucking disgusting! Fucking barbarian! Like what a monster! <laughs> Should be taken out and fucking shot. No wonder he had to do that interview for BBC to get yeah. away with that. Yeah. Huh? No, no wonder the cunt doesn't sweat anymore. Like pineapples <laughs> on a pizza is fuck. That pure, that poor Virginia girl who used he made her eat the pizza as well. He did, yeah, yeah. That was it. Fucking, fucking monster! Pineapple on a pizza. Can't believe that man. Fucking animal. Should be ashamed himself. Sorry, guys. Sorry. No wonder they wouldn't want him at the Jubilee. <laughs> Did you, you put pineapple on a pizza, you sick bastard. Clip. If I weren't a hologram, I'd <laughs> If I could physically touch you, instead of being a light-emitting diode. I died three months ago. <laughs> I wasn't living inside an actual AI computer right now, much like Johnny Depp in that movie. <laughs> but don't worry, I'm going to make the grass grow really quickly. Because... Andrew, me and the hologram of Tupac are going to kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, where did I put Abba? <laughs> uh, I'm the dancing queen. <laughs> <laughs> so, the Rothschilds were pushing back against Napoleon, getting all of that, uh, you know, reputation from the royals. Um, and they were supporting Napoleon's enemies financially, which was the worst thing that you could do, right? Like, if you were Napoleon. Uh, Napoleon abdicated in 1814, got pushed out, got fucked and uh, the Bourbons were reinstated as the French royalty, right? So, Meyer died in 1812, said to his sons, go forth, multiply, multiply them fucking monies, mm-hmm. right? So Louis XVIII became the king and was then challenged again by Napoleon when he came back for his round two. This is, uh, this is uh, uh, <laughs> McGregor versus Nurmagomedov, yeah. the, the second one, right? And... Um, the, the bourbon, like the French were fed up in the point, like, get the fuck, man, right? They weren't wanting any more of them. So um, the king ultimately came out on top. And in this period, then from 1808 to 1824, it was the big shake up in European democracy. And in the US as well, now, to be fair, we had the Andrew Garfields and we had the, uh, the Emancipation Proclamations. And we had, a, it was a huge time for uh, revolution, for advancement, for progressivism. We had independence. All over the place in the late 18th century, I never like rebellions it. in France, in Ireland, 1798 rebellion in Ireland. We had the War of Independence in America. We had the French Revolution. We had, you know, it's almost like they were creating a new world order. I never imagined that. The guy who played one of the Spider Men to end up Wait, Andrew <laughs> Garfield. Yeah, it's fucking amazing. Like, <laughs> played to have the time. He got assassinated on the Monday. That's why the cartoon cat doesn't like Mondays. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so this big shake-up in European democracy like, was basically you know, somebody upsetting the breakfast table and Mayor Rothschild and his kids were underneath it to catch every crumb. Uh, with the reinstatement of the Bourbons in France, Jacob Rothschild, or James, but Jacob, uh, was granted permission to establish a bank in Paris and the king was like, yeah, come on into Paris. Like, what a fucking way to start a bank. Nathan had to slog to get it into London because that was like total like enemy territory as far as like a Frankfurter Jew yeah. was concerned they were like we don't want yous right but to be invited into Paris by the king and then become 
the fucking king's financier. And truth be told, the fanciest king of all of Europe. All of Europe. Yeah. Since like the four, Louis the Fourteenth, which yeah, was yeah, maybe yeah. 80 years beforehand. Yeah. Like this motherfucker was opulent. Yeah. Right? And was willing to spend money. And Meyer had basically like slammed all of Napoleon's enemies for as long as that revolutionary war was going on. And or the the war the 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 seven the war the 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 seven coalition right, and um, <laughs> the Bourbons were sitting back and watching this happen and going, "Jeez, that Mayoracha is a fucking sound cunt. He's fighting against the poly man. He don't like him. Woo, jeez, we're gonna bless him when we come out the other yeah. side of this." And lo and behold, they were like, "Which one are you sending to Paris, Meyer?" And he's like, "Uh, that one." And sent Jacob over. He got to be the king's financier in Paris, man. Yeah. Like, talk about top level. And then there was a push from the French then to modernise away from this checkered past. And they relied on Jacob's wit and foresight to predict what would be financially beneficial. The royals had all this money. And they didn't know how to spend it. And they went to Jacob Rothschild. How do we do it, man? What do we, what do we buy? And he was like, I'll tell you now. Hello, Nathan. <laughs> the king wants to know what to buy. So they were all kind of con- basically going like, oh, we control France now. Mm, yeah. We're the man in the ear of the king of France. What do we do? Like, next level shit. Right? Yeah. So Jacob saw the value in railroads and he lent the Bourbons millions and millions of francs to buy them. And these pan-European railroads now, all down to the Rothschilds. And you know in America, like if you build the railroads, you own the country. Yeah. And... I don't even know if the French government ever paid the Rothschilds back for this. Was this like one of those loans where you give it, you reap the interest forever and ever, amen, and then you don't call back in the principal because you know it's like a million like unrefusable favours forever and ever. You literally can't put a price on it because the amount of industry that, that moves off mm. the back of the fucking railroad. And the boys were getting a slice of each one. So it was like it was like getting in at the heart of the whole thing. Like yeah. they never had... They'd surely make those millions back over this period they of years. They need to be paid a penny by France to do that. If they just went, we'll put them down for fucking free. But they're going to know every industry in every town that takes off. They can they can have a first foot in the door of every... You're and not going to... And, they know, and it's not about information as well. Information is the war that they were fighting. Like. But yeah. this still goes on today. Most of the toll bridges you'll see in Ireland... Oh, the uh, fucking are built, a scam. ...are built mm-hmm. under what's known as the PPP scheme. As a public and private... Uh, investment scheme that came together and the idea was that after 20 years people, very wealthy Irish people would be bought out but sure of course the buys never wanted to be bought out they were like Hooray! oh no yeah that oh no yeah that I won't have it fucking said go on away spend it Go, don't spend it all in the one shop get yourself some sweets honest to God oh I tell you what I'll do now for every two euros for a car that goes through sure look it look it look it look it look it say not say not we'll take maybe nine cents per car Yeah, and I'll say I won't have another I won't take a penny more than that you go on away. Go on. go on, go on, go on, go on, go on. A gazillion cars forever later. I remember yeah. having this row. I remember a, a cousin, your cousin was in an awful stressful scenario one day and he came to me about how... This you, is Trevor. Trevor, the huge toll bill. I said, what would you do? I said, what would I do? Would you want me to tell you what I've done? He went, oh, Jesus, dude. I said, tell them go fuck themselves and their road. Because I got on the phone and went, what do you mean I owe a penalty? Sure, I'll pay you now the two euro. No, no, there's penalties out in that. That's Just true. for ones where you forgot, you drive yeah. through that one After and you forget airport. to get yeah. some private, it's a private, yeah, But it's a private company. It's not, it's not government regulated. It's, it's not an independent thing. I said yeah. to so my, they just have to send bailiffs to your house and do I all said, that send to them get on. you. Like. Send them on. Send them on. Because I said, and I'll give them the two euro. 
Yeah. I says, and then I've offered to pay my bill and you don't have a fucking leg to stand on. I says, because here's the thing, we didn't contract anything. Mm, I says, yeah. At the time, I didn't have an e-tag or anything. I said, I just drove through the thing. I said, you're going to tell me that I can't. I said, did I borrow a bit of the fucking road? Like a video back in the day. Yeah. I said, go in, fuck off. I said, I'll give you the two. Yeah, euro. you wouldn't steal a car. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't steal four and feet I, of tarmac. I said, but I just told Trevor, stand, stand your ground, don't back up. It, you're yeah. just talking to somebody who's got a job. Yeah. It's not actually your contract money. only kicks in the second you walk into court and agree to their game. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I, that, and that's what I was staunch. I said, no, it's never happening. It's not happening. I Mr. O'Manny, agree with this. It is you who say I'm your honor. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is. Oh, I'm a free man. I'm yeah, a yeah. man of the soil. Whatever the fuck that is. You're a man of that lens of tarmac. Like <laughs> so as we discussed in our Money and Gold episode, you were on that one, Shane. Long, uh, long ago. Like, uh, good times, though. Yeah. Different vibe. Um, President Andrew Jackson. Sorry, Andrew Jackson. Staunch Presbyterian. Was big time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, the bass player for the Jackson Five. That's right. Yeah. Doom, do doom. Andy. Doom, 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 doom. Yeah. Hey, Andy. Split up. Take it from the top. He was the only president who totally reduced the national debt to zero in the United States ever. Imagine Jesus. that. Jesus. He was vehemently against bankers and usurers, and in 1832, publicly opposed the centralized banking notion that was floating around the US as a federal reserve or fractional reserve banking system was being proposed. This was the crack the Rothschilds were at in Europe, and because of the still strong connections to the UK, Jackson was hearing about this potential strife and unconstitutional control the moneylenders had over governments and kingdoms of Europe. He's like, you ain't bringing that shit here, bye. He had, he had worked so hard that by... Uh, Imagine cleaning up the whole place down to zero, being proud as punch of yourself and going, and you're fighting these wolves wanting to come yeah. over, like, you know what I mean? To come over and, like, go, are you at zero? How much can we get from you now? Because you must have a load of money. Like, he was in the black, yeah. like, yeah, yeah, crazy, man. So Jackson said of the centralized banking system, It is a hydra-headed monster. It impaired the morals of our people, corrupted our statesmen, and threatened our liberty. It bought up members of Congress by the dozen and sought to destroy our Republican institutions. Which is not wrong. They bought those motherfuckers up. This is the, uh, you know, the punch um, cartoons of the the evil-looking octopus, like, creeping over the White House and stuff like that. That's what that's what this this is for this time. Is that Hail Hydra? Exactly. Right. Yeah. I know you didn't put the hand straight no, out. No, no, I just kind of, no, no. Sli- that was the kind of more of like, how are you getting on, Hydra? Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. that was driving in the countryside yeah. going, hello. Hey, Hydra. Just one, one finger up on the steering wheel. Yeah, on the steering wheel. Hey, Hydra. Morning, Hydra. Okay, Hydra. <laughs> you keep well, how's the motor? She's good. Great. How's the head? Um, <laughs> All eight of them. Yeah. So, the charter for the central bank. <laughs> they heads. <laughs> <laughs> the charter for the central bank was proposed after it expired in 1832. And Jackson used the presidential veto to oppose it. And that's harder to say than you think. Use the presidential veto to oppose it. To keep the monster at bay, so he says. It was a massive risk to, to publicly like, denounce this thing because they, they were selling it as like, the best thing for America, and we all, you know, everyone wants to be rich, don't you? Uh, a lot of people living in poverty, you know, still mm. slaves in the South. Like, this shit was, you know... Uh, they still hadn't properly colonized past Missouri at this stage. Like, you want to look at one of those fucking maps. Do you ever see those maps of, um, we did it when we were talking about the Mormons going to Utah. And I found one of these maps that's like a time lapse. It's, you can see it on YouTube. How yeah, it creeps yeah. across, you know. 
man, it was just like New York, New York, New York, New York. And it was like down a little bit, all down into Virginia. And they're like, Texas, 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 Texas. And then it's just like the whole West Coast is just kind of like green. And it stops at Missouri. And then all of a sudden, and in the late 1800s, like the whole West of uh, so America gets done. Uh, like, like California wasn't colonizing it. Like, really, just fucking Tom Tom Cruise out there with a flag in the ground and a bad accent. Jesus, fuck it. But that's what I mean. Like these are the times. These is, it's like fresh green fields, bro. These are the times to make these rules. They got loads of Irish and Chinese in to build all the railroads in California, and like from from San Diego to fucking Oregon, you know. And uh, they ended up like getting, making loads of money and buying loads of like beachside property that ended up being the most expensive land in the world. Like the most Malibu valuable, whatnot, like, yeah. yeah. Well, like uh, all of that shit, right? And uh, then they had to fucking like get them all addicted to heroin so that they had no money, and they oh, yeah. they get them all to move out to buy it all up and turn it into you know, it's just such a fucking crazy notion. And Andrew Jackson had it down to zero, boy. In thirty years, thirty five years, from a subjugated, like uh, uh, annexed, full king controlled, um heavily taxed and demilitarized colony basically to a fully fledged fully constitutionalized uh up and coming raw material producing superpower country in 33 years 33 years and Andrew Jackson had it down to zero and then they were like right now we're down to zero Time to get another loan. Do you want to get a new suite of furniture? Let's <laughs> repaint the house. Let's build an extension. You're like, bitch, I just got out from under this mortgage. Stop asking for shit. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, you want to change the car? Fuck yeah, yeah, yeah. Car. Get a new car. Why do you always want to be in debt? I mean, let's just have a, a fortnight of just not having any kind of old money. Like, Have you been on holiday this year? Yeah. 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 And then and then you're watching the fucking, you're watching the, uh, the what's it called? The, the, the racing channel. Do you ever see those ads on the racing channel that are so predatory? Oh my god! It's all like, run out of money for betting, get a payday loan, two thousand percent APR, oh like all this kind of stuff. I used to they see should... them working in the pub, and you'd see you had the telly up in the corner, and it's all like, we'll be back in fifteen minutes for the three three oh five at Chepstoke. Okay, here we go, and and the presenters like, all right, go on, like no one, like no one's listening. Lads are going to the bar for pints, and then it comes on. It's like, you know. Um, like that, that should be allowed um, to pay, payday loans and uh, like w- uh, what were they called? What was it called? Bubble.com. You go online and in five short minutes, you can have up to eight thousand pounds instantly transferred to your bank account. Two thousand percent APR. You had to put your house up for collateral, all this fucking stuff. And lads are like, Oh man, the three or five of chip stocks coming up. Fuck it, I get eight hundred pound out of the thing, and then yeah. they end up earning earn, earn like three thousand two hundred pound in like yeah. five days. Just Criminal. crazy. So this is the thing these people wanted to expand America, and these bankers were coming in. These banksters were coming in. At this time, J.P. Morgan was trying to get uh, a foothold, so he'd come over and kind of been refused. He ended up being shoved down to New Orleans. Right, and he was doing some shipping and doing some stuff that there. It's like New York was already after being colonized by a bunch of uh, Dutch Jews, New which is why yes, which is why we have um, Christmas trees and why we have Christmas over there, and you know the elves and all that kind of stuff. Like all of that New York Christmas Rockefeller Center, all that stuff. That's all um, traditional uh, Dutch kind of crack, you know. Oh, okay. So the whole the whole thirteen colonies. 
uh, especially in New York, um, colonized by by Dutch Jews. Again, lenders trying to make this financial se- Wall Street, like the whole of Wall Street was like because the wall was built around the boys getting behind the wall, made the the financial center. So Jackson was up against it. A lot of rich people who were like, we'd love a centralized banking system, which means we can control it, which means we can do what the fuckers in Europe are doing, which is arbitrage. But we can do it between the states. We can be the, we can do it between big businesses over here. Jackson was like, no. And in refusing it, he was putting up like a big barrier to business, which could be very detrimental to his re-election. But he refused to allow the bank to continue and cited several reasons. He said it was a dangerously centralized financial power. It held an unconstitutional monopoly on finance that only helped the rich get richer. Not wrong. It made an economy vulnerable to foreign and special interests. Very true. And it held too much influence over federal politicians and it unfairly favoured the states in the north where the financial centres were located. I mean, all of those are pretty valid Bang on. Uh, like, reasons. It's the reason no fucking... We're in so much debt now. No politician would ever even try and balance the fucking books now. No, because, because we're what, what they'd have to do like, is cause pain. Yeah. It, you know, and it, they'd, they'd rather kick it down the road to the next fucking election. So there's just it's, it's just a vicious cycle to the bottom now. It's kicking it down to the next generation. It's gone generational yeah. now at this point. So imagine 200 years ago, almost very close to 200 years ago, zero debt. Today, 33 to $38 trillion of debt. And it's rumoured to be about 10 times that. Way more with un- unfunded liabilities. With unfunded liabilities. But we don't yeah. know that yet until they all get marked, you know. So the central bank plan the brainchild of the New York banker Alexander Hamilton, died in just a few short years after this, and America enjoyed a period of prosperity, public works, and growth during the following decades. But the latter half of the 19th century saw the bankers fill in a mooching and causing boom-bust effects in the currency as they sought to make something from nothing and devalued the dollar and its trade. And we saw this in the J.P. Morgan episode where there was loads of different versions of the dollar, different state notes, and all of these different promissory notes that these banks were, were creating. This is at the time when, like, you could just start up a bank if you had a few bob and start borrowing out to people, and you're handwriting the notes, and then you have to bring it to the clearinghouse at the end of the day, and everybody gets their books balanced and all this kind of stuff. So it was real cottage industry of banking, uh, because there was no, um, there was no consolidation of the clearinghouse service into a central bank. It was dangerous. You could lose all your money, and then you know you lose your house, and people. It was very hard to trust. So what these bankers were doing was putting real pressure on the system to boom it. And then to bust it so that people would lose faith in it. And then they'd come in with this Hegelian dialectic of, isn't it terrible how your little mom and pop banks all keep on If you got one of these centralized banking systems, that would never happen again. Do you know this kind of thing? Problem, reaction, wouldn't solution. It, yeah. Wouldn't it be a terrible shame if your bank was to go out of business and burn down, say, or uh, have some kind of an accident? Yeah. Like... Of course, they're fucking gangsters, man. That's what they're doing. Is it? Is it a wonder, it's a Wonderful Life? Is that the? It's a Wonderful Life is an amazing version of that. That's yeah, brilliant. Oh, 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 calm down, everybody. Oh, 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 make sure you don't take out all your money now. You know me. I let you that. Uh, I let you that uh, money for that car that time. Remember? And your your daughter's birthday, Charlie. Remember, Charlie? Your your your, your daughter's birthday. I give the money for the cake and for the party for the balloons. Come on now, people. Come on, calm down. Okay. Yeah. Stand up on the counter of the fucking bank. Yeah. Begging them not to make a run on the bank. Like that's exactly what it was like. Yeah. Right? Oh, 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 Clarence. So this led to the Federal Reserve being 
uh, you know, proposed in the late 1890s and then finally getting over the line in 1907 when it's officially designed at Jekyll Island by J.P. Morgan and his cronies and then voted into existence in 1913 along with the IRS, I'll have you know. A uh, whole episode on J.P. Morgan about that, but really interesting boom bust. Like really putting pressure on the currency, on the people who hold it, on the people with holdings, uh, stocks, companies, and shipping was a big thing where there was like taxes were going up on the roof for important stuff um, until it was a consolidated centralised bank and people were like, oh, please fix this for me. Basically copying the Rothschilds model, skimming a little bit off the top and then refusing the Rothschilds entry into America because uh, they did try to do that. So during the early 1900s, political opponents of the Federal Reserve were citing European or at least non-American influence over the US, hearkening back to control by the Queen and a revolutionary ideal. It was also fueled in the South by a new movement of patriotism that was blatantly racist and resulted in the resurgence of the Ku Klux Klan in many states and a social and cultural movement from the book, play and then film Birth of a Nation. There was also a sentiment that there was a secretive cabal eroding the foundation of America and people were taking advantage of systems that, while fully legal and proper, were immorally used to produce great wealth and influence. So the mayor of New York in 1911, John F. Hyland, said, The real menace of our republic is the invisible government, which, like a giant octopus, sprawls its slimy length over our city. You want to have a look at my slimy length? It's a weird way of saying that. Like a giant octopus sprawls its slimy length over our city, state, and nation. Uh, at the head is a small group of banking houses, probably Jewish. It's generally referred to <laughs> as the international bankers. Now, some of that was ad-libbed, but obviously... Um, Slimy links suggests it's nothing to do with his actual eight legs. It's just his massive octopus cock. Yeah, his, uh, his octococ. His octococ. Who says the cock in an octopus fucking nine legs? <laughs> I don't want to talk about that because Shane showed me a video today. Yeah, and I don't want to fucking. That's what I've been thinking about for the last twenty fucking minutes. His slimy length. Ironically and coincidentally, <laughs> I've been thinking about sausages. But <laughs> what kind of subliminal dick shit is Shane Brown to bring into this room? <laughs> so eventually, Jefferson and Hamilton got out of their way, and the central bank is created, and the power in uh, Washington they declare it established. Uh, Hamilton was obviously uh, often described as. The most restless, impatient, artful, indefatigable, and unprincipled intriguer in the United States, if not the world. The bank that Hamilton made, and refusing to allow foreigners to establish, was a company, and it owes the shareholders, most of whom are foreign, an explanation on erratic behaviour. Basically accusing them of treason, selling out the financial future of America to a foreign interest, using foreign money, and the um, running, the reporting and the operations thereof are are handled outside of the country of the United States. Like, for somebody who f- fought so hard this, to get it down to zero the and then be slathered with this sully of reputation, because they're like, and he just let them foreigners come in and just take over all our money systems. You're like, bro, he fought against it. And then the fucking, this Jekyll Island crowd, like, it's just so unfair and untrue and unreal. Um... But yet, to finish the quote, uh, the the uh, most of whom were foreign, an explanation on erratic behaviour. So I had to report foreign. So Hamilton, who was working for the government and the bank, needed to pay the obligations of interest from the government to the bank. So we know from the Federal Reserve episode, they just created a bank to loan dollars to itself. So America owes money to itself, and it's never going to pay itself back because it, it knows it's okay for 
a few bob. Mm. They don't need to pay it, but the interest is gleaned off. So whoever's in charge is just swiping the interest off the top and spending it. So you're fucking making a loan to yourself and then stealing your own interest to yourself. That's like having a business and doing what the fucking doing, good fellas. We always started a business, and then we bought all these fur coats, and then we got deductions, and we declared all the all the all the, the coats. We bought all the coats for cash, brought them through, sold them for half what they're worth out the back. It's all cash money, and then when they wouldn't give us any more loans, wouldn't give us any more money to buy any more fur coats, we lit a match, and this is what they've done to America. The match has only been lit in two thousand eight, and it got blown yeah. out, and that motherfucker is burning, and it's almost at our fingers now. In the next couple of months, I'd say. Some shit's going down. By the time this episode is out, it might have already gone down. They mightn't have any way to broadcast this. Yeah, the fucking iPhones is all just, you know. Start, <laughs> you never said a magic word. Grow, <laughs> grow a set of teeth and start biting your hand off. Yeah. <laughs> That's just what I imagine. <laughs> this this device was self-destruct. Um, so they say he did this by imposing an excise task, tax on whiskey, right? So... Uh, he needed to pay, the government owed this bank money, this foreign money. They were charging interest on the money to create the central bank. And Hamilton was like, well, I, I want to pay this because I don't want to be in debt. This is the same fellow they had the musical about. Same, right. <laughs> same guy. Is this Hamilton? I never watched the musical, but I All guess right. it sounds the same. I don't think there's many Hamiltons. He did this then by imposing a, an excise tax on whiskey. This, of course... Because they actually started to affect people, became what was known as the Whiskey Rebellion. And it was raging in the fields of the whiskey farmers for ages, for months. This government needed the tax collectors to be protected. And they sent 12,000 troops from Germany <laughs> that they had to pay for again. <laughs> that was funded by the Rothschilds yeah. to come and protect the tax collectors as they went around collecting all the whiskey tax because the the central bank that they created ended up loaning the government money and then the lads weren't paying back their fucking interest. So they were like, well, we have to get the money from somewhere or else we're going to be in debt to ourselves. Mm-hmm. So let's tax whiskey. <laughs> then all the whiskey farmers are like, what? No way. Well, we're not making any whiskey. So if you don't make it, like you're going to, we're going to find you. Come and try and get it. They're like, okay. So, like, the chaos had to fucking rock up to the whiskey farmers and be like, you owe some money, boys. And we're backed by a load of fucking German Hessian soldiers. Like, they never, t- never hear that story. No. But that's uh, the shit that had to go on to be able to pave the way for a centralized banking system. Like, it was so hard fought against. There was so many obstacles to its creation. And yet still, through a death by a thousand cuts, through... Like, think about what we're going through now. The amount of fucking mad shit that we're listening to about Putin's price hike and all this fucking shit. It's it's just wearing us down until we're like, okay, go yeah. on. You want a new system? Go on. And as long as you don't have to fucking pay £9 for a pound of butter. Yeah. Yeah. It's stupid, like. But it's another, yeah, it's another nonsense as well because, like, the, the, the oil price per barrel was this price fucking back in 2008 odd. the petrol wasn't as high but the petrol wasn't anywhere no. near as high so no. the idea that it's, so it's the oil's fault high. is bullshit it's high. This, yeah, is, yeah. this is your the fucking punishes. COVID free money coming home the roost you know that kind of way this is closing down the western economy this is the whiskey tax out free money this is yeah. the whiskey tax they're like well, we need to put money on something so we're getting the oil for the same price so if we just tax that bollocks off the petrol we'd be able to get the money back to fill back up the coffers that we gave out in interest to the banks this was but like where do you think they got the fucking 
you know, what what was it, eight trillion dollars for the relief package? Was it four or eight? Eight. Eight. Yeah. Eight trillion dollars for the relief bill. Where do you think they got that eight trillion dollars? And how much interest do you think they have to pay on it? Of course. Of course they're gonna be charging you extra on everything. Mm. And nothing is costing any more to buy at source. And this because is their fucking creaming it off like, the top, man. Nobody's questioning, no one's complaining, and it's like we're constantly these are sins. Apparently the definition of the word sin just means you've gone off the wrong path. It's not like, oh, you dirty bastard, you know. Apparently the, the real meaning of the word sin is just like living incorrectly, you know. We ignore all this shit going on. We take the free money. It's kind of, And now yeah. your sin's coming home to roost. And it's like, all right, you owe a fuckload of money. Remember all that free shit you were getting? All right, watch this. Like the two you know, girls who had to bring the coke back from Peru. It's yeah. like, right, you had six weeks on the boat in the fucking Mediterranean doing all the Charlie you wanted, getting rolled by BBLs. Now it's time to fucking... Payback, what do we have to do? Shove a kilo of coke up your gash and get into America from Colombia or whatever. <laughs> but isn't isn't it mad that this like this happened under Washington, wasn't it? Like Hamilton sets up the private banking system under Washington, like the second like isn't that is that right? Have, have I misheard that go again? N- not under George Washington. No, no, he would have been George Washington is like seventy seventy six. Oh sorry. Hamilton's eighty thirty two. Right, right, sorry. So Washington like as in did you the hear, state of Washington. Did you hear what, you remember the, the story of him having timber teeth? Yeah. It wasn't actually timber teeth. It was a timber frame that took the, te- the fa- false teeth he had. Ah. But they had no means of making false teeth back then. Oh, there were human teeth that were yeah. put into a timber frame. Yeah. Pull, oh. Pulled out of his slaves. Somebody else's teeth, yeah. They pulled them out of his slaves. Mm-hmm. And but they allowed to say had wooden teeth. Yeah. Because it's easier to say than had dead or alive black people's teeth yeah. in a wooden frame in your gums. like a metal spring. Between the two, the two, the two frames. Little chew. But apparently, that's in. why his cheeks seemed blown out the whole time. But he was always in bad form because the, the mouth was ripped off him, like because yeah. two big springs coiled inside on either side of his mouth. Like you're going, dude, just go gummy. It's yeah, like get someone to mash up your spuds. Have you ever, have you ever seen a picture of Adam Weishaupt? No. Who's Adam Weishaupt? George Washington's face. And you know that episode of The Simpsons where someone fucking kills George Washington? Is, isn't it? Uh, I don't know. It's, I think it's the Sprungfeld episode where your man kills the real Sprungfeld and becomes him. It's it's allegedly a hat tip to the, the conspiracy that Adam Weishaupt replaced George Washington. And the fucking... You look well, at a picture of Weishaupt and you look at a picture of Washington and you're like... That's, now, I know they're paintings, but you're still like... That's the same fucking guy. That's is it 1774 or 1776? 1776 is Weishaupt's, isn't it? I don't think 76 is, is the, the Constitution. Yeah, yeah. Sign so a Declaration of Independence or whatever. But the Illuminati was made before that, or maybe two years after that or something. Like yeah, that. It's, it's really, really, there's a few very years close, apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I just think it's very kind of prescient to talk about... Um, that particular aid that the Rothschilds gave to the American Revolution. Oh, yeah. And the machinations thereafter of trying to install a central bank. Basically, like, <clears throat> these lads were going, okay, what are the lads doing in Europe? They're making coin. How do we do that here? Well, we have to ask them, and then we'll know, Then they'll know we have a gap in the market. And they're going to try and come over. We're going to have to stop them because we want to do it ourselves because we don't want to have to give it away to another Rothschild son. Mm. We just want to keep it, make it for ourselves because they're creaming it. So we want to cream it as well. There are other shows to be done on, you know, 
American American banking system. That one of the uh, 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 Hamilton, you know, refusing that thing and getting the getting the we got to get debt down to zero. You know, um, Captain Planet job. I don't think a lot of people really know that either. That at one point America was down to zero debt. Like it's not something that uh, you know is common knowledge. I feel. Like, it just feels like, yeah, everyone's always in debt all the time, and all, there's always someone in debt somewhere. But imagine if your country wasn't in debt. Like, Japan is very, very low in debt. Is you it? Know, very, very low. Of course it is. I mean, yeah, they, they do so much export, I suppose, there. Yeah. And like, their GDP is enormous. They're not really buying or building. They're knocking down stuff or building stuff up. Like, everything is a small enough place. Like, they're not exactly so expansive. They are a minimalist nation, all right, when it comes to... Very, very low personal debt. Yeah. Like... So, plowing on. The reason for the success of the international cabal these brothers created was swift communication, and uh, Nathan Rothschild was the communication king. Using the system that was already in place in a different manner to their advantage, they were using this postal system that was going on in uh, Germany and uh, across Europe at the time. Not illegal now, maybe immoral or, you know, un, un, unjust, but not illegal. Uh, a totally above board and immensely clever. I mean, talk about fucking... Turning a turning a, a silk purse out of a sow's ear like this shit was. How do we? How do we? It's like phone hacking back in the day. Like how do we take a system and change it to our benefit? So Nathan saw this coming a mile away, and when transporting goods or letters, they employed the fastest riders, ships, and even used carrier pigeons to get the message across the sea. Nathan also had secret agents in loads of businesses, carriage, finance, logistics, and even in the halls of governments. All of which he kept secret and used to his advantage, especially from his competitors. In fact, he was the most ruthless to his competitors, sometimes flexing his financial might to buy up all the possible routes through Europe to stop his competitors having a chance to ship goods. Imagine. So he's like, uh, I'm buying all the postmen so you can't get your goods there on Friday. You're going to have to wait till Monday and my customer's going to be enjoying it all the weekend and your cunts are going to have to wait till Monday. Like, that's some fucking... That's some Floyd Mayweather shit. It's just it is, like... Yeah, yeah. Or what, what was it that 50 Cent did? He bought, like, the first eight rows of somebody's concert so that no, he wouldn't... Be, yeah, yeah. He wouldn't so he looked like a mug. So, yeah, so your man would be, like, performing. It just looked like nobody. <laughs> and, but he bought the first eight rows and then didn't, didn't let anyone sit in it. <laughs> that's brilliant. And uh, your man had to go out and say, Hey, everybody... Oh, fuck, is it empty? And the lights are so bright you can't see past the eight row. Like... <laughs> Like, what a cuntish move, but, yeah. like, that's how you flex some money, you know? That's fucking hilarious. Brilliant. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> what a bad cunt. He, uh, Nathan Rashad used to buy up these routes. He'd leave, like, uh, empty ships, carriages, and trains just despite the guys he was doing business against. Like, that's some fucking flex, you know? So the thing that I found, like, really, really intriguing about these boys, and, and one of the secrets that I heard on one of the uh, episodes that was really clever, like, really cleverly done, it's a myth that surrounds the Rothschild dynasty and it's one of the manipulations of the postal system that ensured the fast and effective communication system between the lads, right? Nathan and the rest of the lads knew the value, the value of swift and accurate info on the market forces to be able to get ahead of trade and the value systems to buy and sell quickly and to make money off the top. Because it was all about getting the thing in for the price change, cream off the top, Bob's your uncle. First in, best dressed. That's Simple it. Style. Just a tip. Yep. See how it feels for a minute. Information was the most valuable commodity for these guys as money was not really an issue, right? Any of the prices that were just like, how much money is a majillion? Yeah, we have that. Here you go. One of the most utilized and important modes of influence in the early days in Frankfurt was the partnership with the princely house of Turn and Taxus, whose head, Prince Anselm, was the postmaster of the Holy Roman Empire. 
right? These lads were from Milan, and they introduced the postal system in the 15th century, which used riders to deliver communique between banks and businesses. Turn and Taxes Postal Service came from this and was developed across the whole of Europe by the end of the 18th century. The head office of this service, pan-European private postal service, the head office was in Frankfurt. Oh, Jesus. And the boys wanted to use this to their advantage, right? So in the last years of the 18th century, the Jews in Frankfurt are getting some juice. Meyer was kind of negotiating with the Duke to see if he could get their freedoms. Yep. Boys are making coin. And in their dealings with France, Britain, Prussia, and the rest, they were all being noticed. Like, these guys were making names. So the Romans wanted to make sure that they wouldn't get too big for their mug of fame, which is Yiddish for boots. <laughs> so they began opening the correspondence from and for Jews. This was because they didn't trust them, but really it was because the lads knew that the Jews had advanced knowledge through the communication channels that was making them money. Now remember the restrictions that they're under. Not allowed to walk the streets, not allowed to go out on a Sunday, yeah. get paid to have the rent. All of these fines, all of these restrictions, all of these ways of keeping the fucking Jew man down. Yeah. Right? They weren't allowed to have the same services as the regular folks. So for them to open up this postal service was seemed like it was progressive, but really it was taking advantage of the fact that these lads were doing business behind their back, that motherfuckers hadn't got a clue on how to replicate. They were like, right, we'll make it look like we're being like politically correct and progressive, but really we're just taking advantage of them to further our own agenda. Yeah. What does that sound like? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Take a subjugated people and use them as a mm. <laughs> an excuse to put you know, prohibitively progressive uh, censorship or whatever, you know. Turn and Texas wanted to keep their contract with the emperor for the postal service too. So they would pass on any pertinent or financial or military information on to the emperor when they found it. Meyer and his sons recognized that early and accurate information was paramount to their business, so they cozied up to Turn and Texas in the hometown and ended up negotiating to be the crown agent of the whole lot of their dealings with Thurn and Texas, and in January 1800, Meyer and his kin were granted a passport to anywhere in the Roman Empire in Germany, which was broken up into bits, remember now, so you needed to, you were changing currencies and you were changing all this stuff. So the boys basically got the key of the town. They got the fucking free reign across the whole thing. Can you imagine, like, if you were, uh, uh, you were wanting to get in to look in through everybody's letterbox yeah. to see what, what was inside their house? What would be the best way to get that? To get a job in the post office? Yes. Be a postman. If you wanted to... Then uh, email. <laughs> it, it, but that's the thing. If you wanted to read everybody's email, what's the best way? Make an email service and then make it so good that everyone would be using it and then you'd be able to just read everyone's email. That's what these motherfuckers did. They were like, well, we want to be able to travel all around Europe, all through all these places, to be able to go around and collect our coins and do our little bits and have enough at home so that if someone was going from, like, Frankfurt to, to Munich, that we'd be able to uh, have, like, the Munich currency to be able to change it and blah 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 blah. but for them to do that there'd be loads of the fucking have, you know, guards like where are you going why are you going here are you Jews it's a Sunday get the fuck like so turn and taxes gave them full and free reign to go anywhere they like wow. so they were basically super Jews that could do everything that the regular folks could do right and all of these this turn and taxes passport superseded the Austrian restrictions because it was ratified by the emperor Frederick the first of Austria and this allowed him to bear arms and it liberated Meyer 
from uh, taxes and financial obligations that were placed on Jews at the time. So when a fella calls it up, like I said earlier on, Tom, I went, pay your Jews. He'd be like, go fuck yourself. It's like, yes. what? And he's like, I have a gun oh, and I have a passport that give, that the Emperor of Austria has given me. And I know I have no foreskin, but you will have no face to me if you don't fuck off away from me. Oh, was it gone a bit? Oh, I thought they were allowed to have bears arms like <laughs> arms, which would have been scary enough in their own right but it, they were allowed to have a gun understood this yeah. fur on my arms is making me schwitz <laughs> so warm this is my claws my claws <laughs> maybe that's where they get this like they go into the deli and it's like can I get a bear claw maybe yeah, that's why they get go, that yeah, 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 yeah. You know? um, so yeah the fucking the Jews man they're just like rewriting the script coming in and going come here listen you guys are sound. We know everything. If you want to know what we want to know, because you want to keep your emperor sweet by telling them secrets, but there's no cunt posting secrets. We'll tell you a few of our secrets if you give us the free reign of your postal service and all the benefits that come with it. And they were like, yeah, go on then. Because turning taxes didn't want to lose the contract. It was businessmen doing business. There you go. So the title of imperial crown agent garnered more titles from Germany and Austria as he was still in cahoots with William of Hesse who was stupidly rich at this stage, right? Richard and the Emperor, even. So with this free Rome permission and all the titles, Rothschild was a popular guy, and he had some sway. So when the princes of Turn and Taxes came to ask for a favour, they get the same type of passport for his son, right? He knew that he had permanent and irrevocable access to all the info passing through the European nobility's postal system. Wow. So basically, like, Mayor Rothschild got free reign of the whole of Germany and Austria, most Central Europe with this with this postal passport. And then the prince came and went, come here, would you be able to fix it so that my son can get that passport as well? And they were like, yeah, what have you got? I don't know, I have a load of secrets. They're like, oh, yeah, go on then. <laughs> we love secrets. We love secrets. So he was basically like a secondary agent acting on behalf of the postal system that he only got a favour from. It's like, here, Tom, will you do me a favour? Yeah. And then, you're doing me a favour and then Shane asked me to do a favour and I said, I'll get Tom to do that favour as well. So it's a second-hand favour this motherfucker was brokering like, like mad shit. So Frankfurt now was becoming increasingly difficult for the Rothschild brothers to do business in as we said before because they were receiving death threats. Solomon was left to shoulder the burden of the Austrian side in Vienna out on his own, right? Uh, and there's a lot of royalty, a lot of, uh, like, old Austro-Hungarian, a lot of old Prussian shit going on there, a lot of castles and shit. That, a, lot of, a lot of princes, and too many princes and not enough fucking... Castles. Castles. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, with money needed to be moved from Naples to Austria, which they had owed to them for some time, because the boys had shit in Naples, and the lads in Naples owed it to the Austrian government, they arranged for the Rothschilds to shift it in 1815. And... Bear in mind, 1815, Napoleon's still on the Trump around the place. So it wasn't a really safe time to be moving money. So in this operation, they also discovered that the Milanese bank had millions of francs that they wanted to move to Vienna too and offered secretly to transfer this as well. So the lads from Naples needed to move money to Austria. The lads in Milan needed to move money to Austria. The Rothschilds had a bank in Naples and a bank in Vienna. But they hadn't been doing business. The, Amer- the Italian government hadn't been doing business with the Rothschild at this stage. And they now knew that the Rothschilds had free reign over the whole of Austria and the whole of Germany. So they could basically go anywhere and they'd never be checked. So this, like, Milanese money was ironclad, like, or gold-clad even, that they'd never get, like, lifted. The Jews wouldn't get, like, fined. They wouldn't get robbed because they were able to have arms. Like, 
they were fucking RoboCop. Like this is like Brinks, you know, like you had yes. fucking yeah, cash yeah. trucks filled with Jews moving Italian money into Austria. Safe from Napoleon's clutches, right? Diplomatic immunity to just bounce through a border. Exactly. It's fucking invaluable, yeah. right? So they charged commission then on all of this, of course, and brokered more money deals in the interim. So while they were transporting Milanese and Neapolitan money into Austria, they were working on it as it was being transported. Like they were taking it, making it work for them. (laughs) Exactly. So the deal, like many others before and many, many more after, will result in a ferocious amount of correspondence because they were going between Frankfurt, the head office, Vienna, Naples. Um, But because of the aforementioned leaks and lack of security at the postal service of turning taxes, because the turning taxes lads, turning taxes lads didn't like the Jews having like free use of the post office. So what they would do is they would get the letters and steam them open and they had to read them, write down all the stuff and send all the info to the emperor. So that's how they were getting all the secrets. So the, they were running out though because they were steaming open all these envelopes and reading the stuff and going, oh, there's nothing juicy here. Like, And then the Rothschilds coming in, we'll be able to give you two pieces of juice a week so you look effective but we want free reign. And we're like, oh, yes, please. So it's this fucking quid pro quo, Clarice. Um, the brothers needed a, f- a way of find, uh, you know, communicating these details of these Milanese money movements without the turning taxes postal service, steaming the letters open and copying down all this important data. Their game was speed. And this is fucking genius. If they had the knowledge first, they could make proper money without that information. Uh, they could make proper money with that information. So speed, they knew what was happening. So they decided to nix the TNT postal system in favor of their own courier service. So the expense of this then could be offset with one big win on a piece of information that they could utilize to make a profit. So they looked at turning taxes and went, let's just make our own because then we won't have any cunt opening our shit. One such event came, this beautiful golden egg of an event came with the death of the nephew of Louis XVIII, who was the Duke of Berry. Mary, mother, <laughs> Louis, don't look at me. Bat. Bat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to Austria. The Duke was assassinated. And the Rothschild, oh, you've shot me, you bastard. <laughs> Duke was assassinated and the Rothschilds knew about it first. And after this, the state securities plummeted in value. So the boys knew. The cunt is shot. State security is going to be an all-time low because we don't know what's going to happen. They knew the price was about to drop. They're like, get your money ready to buy this shit. And these types of events show that the Rothschilds were top because this courier service and the Austrian government officials uh, began entrusting them with delivering the government mail at this point rather than turning taxes. So the Rothschilds got in with turning taxes, made them look really valuable, got all the business done, got the free reign and all the stuff, didn't have to broker any of that stuff. And then while doing that, showed that they were much more efficient at it and got the fucking contract underneath from turning taxes while keeping all the fucking benefits of of not being liable. So the government, the Austrian government, started giving all the government mail to the Rothschild's couriers, not realizing or maybe just hoping that the Rothschild brothers wouldn't do what the turning taxes lads had done to them and open every communication. (laughs) So this was like fucking Uno Reverso card where they're like, okay, we're Jews, and they don't like a send a letter, so they're going to open all their letters to get their fucking financial secrets. We're just going to be so good at it 
that we're going to get the government to let us be the couriers. And then we're going to open the government letters, gaining all the information for us, helping us to make better financial decisions. Were they super good at it? And also, did they go, we need to push this on a bit? Uh, Innovation. Let's change it up. We don't want to kill Louis, but that fucking juke, could we clip him? Yeah. You clip yeah. him? Do you think? I was thinking. Yeah, that I totally well. think. Absolutely. Oh, Tom, that's fucking joke. So, the, so the money was ready to buy the shares. It was like shoot that fucker. All right. They had ready? the One, wagons two, bought, painted uniforms for the buys. They had fucking postcodes ready to go. They had routes ready to go. You and, oh, glorious bastard! And then they just went Berry Rothschild. <laughs> me, the Duke of Berry. You've killed me. You've killed me, you bastard. Knowing full well that confidence would fucking plummet as a yeah. result. You see, this is what this is what makes good business is knowing three steps ahead. You know Or making happening. those steps happen. That's, That's the next I mean, thing. And knowing what the outcome will yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. If we nip this lad, we can't kill the big boss yeah. man because he's we're buddies with him. We nip that stupid fucking nephew of his. Because let's be honest, he's a fucking donkey anyway. Yeah. And A donkey! Yeah. I reckon, How dare you, Manny? I reckon they clipped him. You think so? Yeah. I was assassinated. Bastards. <laughs> yeah, it's a fucking weird situation that ended up making them balls of money. And the funny thing is they turned around like... And loads mean, of information. Why did it, did, the question is, why did security... Like, why did they, the confidence in the security plummet? It's because it would seem that the, the Rothschilds had released that, oh, jeez, we heard about that actually. Should we? We'd no right to be going around saying it. Yeah. So, like, just saying, just, we would have known about it, and had we had the right to, we would have fucking had to, told you. But just saying, like this, all it, it took was five bits of bad intel to give to turn in taxes to make them look thick. Yeah. And flip it over, and then shoot Barry. Oh, you bastard! But yeah. that's it. Like anyone they're helping, they're automatically we- weakening them because they're leaning on them, you know, and they're and they're, yeah. and they're and just as soon as and learning and their and ways, they getting their contacts. the opportunity to shout them up and go, "Here, look, we wouldn't have fucking done that. We were trying to tell them how to do it the yeah, way yeah. fucking listen to us, you know." Or f- secretly going, the only reason they were able to tell you that is because of us, because we were behind this thing the whole time. Yeah. Like. Sneaky Jewish bastards. <laughs> <laughs> I'd never trust a man who has no foreskin. Show me your cock. Get your cock out, Manny. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> it's inspection time. Yeah, it's a fucking weird but brilliant system. Uh, there was also a thing. I couldn't find the exact machinations of it, so I'll, I'll add a little bit. Because it's very interesting, but I can't figure it out. Do, do, for the start of the turn in Texas thing, they were going into... Frankfurt into the head office to pick up their post, right? And because these things were sent by courier, um, super fast info. <laughs> and uh, the turn in taxes lads, as soon as the Oaks come in, they're like, are these for Rothschild? Open them shits first. They want to know so that they're able to get that information out to Rome. And what they did was, because they were Jews, the lads were like, I can treat you like shit and you can't do anything about it. Whatever. Mazel. So they said, Whatever post comes in, I'll be able to tell you that there's post coming in, but you won't be able to get it for a day because we have to open it, we have to read it, we have to see it, and we have to send it on. And then, only then, when it's ratified by Rome to allow us to let you re- release it to you, so you come in, you get a letter, comes in Tuesday morning, you wouldn't get, the, the Rochers wouldn't get in their hand till Wednesday evening. Mm. That's way too late if it's financial information. Some shit's going on, a cunt's got shot. this one. This is a great class. This is a class. So... The boys were like, right, well, fuck it. We've got to get this information out. 
faster. So what they did was they developed a color system for the outside of the envelopes. Mm. So they're blue stripes, red dots, you know. Uh, red drops, red dots meant the pound was going down. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. So yeah, there yeah. was currency information. There was like, you know, it was it was broad strokes, but it was done in a way that only the Rothschilds had this secret code. So they had, um, letters were coming in in bundles and the Rothschilds were like, well, can I inspect who, they, like at least who they're from or whatever? And they were like, okay, they let you see the outside of the envelopes and they went, Red, red, blue, red, stripe, red, blue, black, blue, blue, right, yellow, yellow, red, 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 okay. Write it all down in the notebook. Thanks very much. And they bounce. And then in the afternoon, and it slow down after lunch, the lads are out there having a bag of chips or salad or something. They're like, right, we open these letters and get them out to Rome. And started opening up the fucking envelopes. And this was Nathan sending shit to Salomon in, in Frankfurt mm. or sending shit from, from uh, um, uh, Naples, from, from, from J- uh, Jacob in Naples, sending them up. Going like the Milanese, they're fucking sending up the gold boys. Come on. So instead of putting all that stuff into a letter and putting it in the envelope, they were just sending empty envelopes. And the letters yeah. are would say fuck and, all like that. And the le- but the le- they were sending literally. Nathan would send because he wouldn't obviously play ball. Nathan was sending empty envelopes with coloured on the outside, not even pretending that it was a f- you know hi guys nice to see you weather's fine bye. Apparently there was letters like that pure. Non, nothing. Non. In, hey, last time I saw you, it was great to see you and the wife, and I hope you're keeping well. Uh, listen, we're probably going to have a barbecue this week. Pure nothing, chat. Yeah. Bullshit. Like, yeah. They go, ah, these fuckers are useless. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what are they doing? But, but they they were making a ball of money just off the color coded envelopes that Brilliant. were coming through the post office. So they're able to look in the pigeonhole and go red, blue, red, red, blue, red, yellow. Okay, cool. Thanks, lads. What's that? Turn taxes. Cheers, boss. Good. Out. And after a while, they were like, oh, fuck, we're not getting any juice off the boys anymore. And they were like, why, why Why is there no juicy shit in your letters anymore? Like, you don't mind, you, you don't even come back on Wednesday evening to get your letters from Tuesday morning. Like, do you not want them? They're like, well, there's nothing in them, right? Yeah, there's nothing in them. Why is there nothing in them, by the way? They're like, eh. It's like, it's weird. How are you doing? What are you doing? We're not getting any juice. Like, Rome is complaining. Head office is saying, like, where's all the fucking Jew juice? We need the fucking, we need the Jew, Jews news, you know? Yeah. The Juicy Jew News. The Juicy Jews News. Uh, Jews News. Juice Good morning. It's your Aunt Carol. <laughs> Hello, have you had your brisket? Get your bagels ready. It's breakfast time. Oh, good morning. Lovely to see you. Juice News. Um, <laughs> I, don't so, know, I don't know how I turned into <laughs> an elderly Jewish woman there, but for some reason it, was it felt like, right in the moment. It was like, it was like uh, a method. Um, so yeah they had coloured envelopes instead and the boys just go bam 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 thanks very much so it was instantaneous it was like SMS like it was instantaneous information and uh, turning Texas lads were like oh lads we're not getting any more Jews news anymore what's the crack and they're like we'll be tell you we're sending coloured envelopes you dope but if you want uh, if you want Jews news anymore you gotta give us this 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 and this or we're not gonna fucking uh, we're not we're not just going to tell you anything and we just send our secret coloured messages and there's nothing Jeez, you can do about I it. I mean, these lads had some brains, haven't they? A they fucking genius, streets man. ahead of all these. Yeah, guys. yeah, yeah. No matter what move they tried to pull on them, it was so clunky. But it was racist restrictions against Jewish people. Yeah. Like, it was based in, like, racism. They're like, we can't let these Jews have normal posts. Then I suppose... Fuck them. Sure and it's, then, like, it's like in prison, you know, and they, they do... Yeah. You'd see these things on these... Uh, or these... They're, it's, it's not prison. It's, it's a jail... 
Or you could be in jail, or you could. Or they throw the notes on the strings and stuff. Strings down the toilet and stuff like that, and that's that to work that out. But you'd only ever have to work that out if you're in that horrible environment. Same with these fellas. Had to be sharper than the next fella. They had to be sharper than every fucking innovation man. Three card trick, fucking whatever they and these guys who were raised probably in decent houses, you know, and they grew up soft and fluffy, gone. But we're hanging on to the lettuce for a day and a half <laughs> and we are finding nothing. What is this about? And these lads are coming in going, well, let's crack. Just look at the old envelopes there. Yeah, no, no, not about it. Look, just made a million just by seeing those. Just by seeing the envelopes. Yeah. That's the thing. You hang on to them. But the turn and taxes lads were getting in trouble for not being able to produce any valuable intel because nobody was sending valuable intel anymore to them because they'd figured it out that you were reading the stuff. Sure, that's what... That's what they were so mad about Edward Snowden. Like, everyone's now real careful. <laughs> so, like, oh, we were getting really good stuff there, you fucker. And now everyone knows. Oh, the goss is gone. Yeah, it's gone. Well, I mean, what else were they getting that was really good now that you can't get for six ninety nine a month? Yep. Hello. <laughs> so, we're nearly there. There's uh, two more little parts. So, th- this one I'm calling Bond. War Bond. <laughs> There's another way for the Rothschild brothers in their in their early days to earn money. The biggest boon for Nathan and his financial supremacy was expired government bonds, or ones that were about to default. Through his marriage to Hannah Barrent Cohen, Nathan had made his own high-class connections with British nobility, as her father was a Dutch-born British banker, Levi Barrent Cohen. Nathan also got his foot in the door of all the legacy lending houses in London, of which there were many, and he was, like his father, well able to schmooze the shit out of these lads no end. Now, psychopath, but... You know, but psychopaths are good schmoozers. Great schmoozers. Maskers, bullshitters. Fantastic, right? So the Rothschilds had serious operating capital and they were buying up these bonds that were uh, to default and waiting until the pressure was put on the government's concerned to redeem them. So remember we were saying about the bonds, they were sending them out, uh-huh. lads were cashing them out. During the War of the Seven Coalition, that's the one I was trying to remember the whole time. So during the War of the Seven Coalition, which was Britain, Russia, Spain, Prussia and Portugal versus France... Uh, also known as the Hundred Days, Britain needed to pay soldiers so they could give, uh, so they gave loads of bonds to Nathan in exchange for funds to pay fighting soldiers. So the next few years, Nathan would give the British government even more money in exchange for even more bonds. And eventually he had enough to upset the market. This is the fucking boom. This is what, this is what made Nathan Rothschild. He just kept on hitting up the government going, you want more, you want more, you want more, you want more, you want more. Like uh, a pimp uh, tricking out a, a young one who's like addicted to heroin or yeah. whatever, or addicted to coke. It's just like, here's a bit more coke, here's a bit more coke. Right, you owe me $44,000. <gasps> what? It's like, yeah. I don't have that kind of money. Well, baby. Surely we can find something you could do that's worth $44,000. Do you know? Yeah. And that's what he did with the whole British government. <laughs> he just pimped out the British government. So with these types of loans how this money is being earned or generated, the Rothschilds need to maintain their supremacy as financiers and hope that the Christians don't change their moral code about lending money and go back to usury. There was also the attempt from Napoleon to cut the legs out from under the opposition by hobbling their funding with a law that's known as the infamous decree. So Napoleon wanted the Jews to move away from money lending, so he made it an unpalatable profession by decree, which restricts the practice of lending and all debts owed to the ban- to the bankers and lenders by married women, minors, and soldiers were all to be annulled, as well as any loan with an interest rate of 10% or more. So basically, Napoleon, if you had a one in Europe, would have eliminated the Jews 
financial supremacy by basically def- like doing what Biden wants to do, which is like, I'm going to cancel all student debt. I'm going to cancel everything that's UBI. You get 1600 bucks a month and the blah, 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 just to like eliminate the power of the banks. Napoleon was coming in going, anything with an interest rate over 10, defaulted loan, gone. Anybody who's a married woman, a minor or a soldier, all your debts are forgiven. Yeah, you'd be kind of fucking rubbing your hands together if you were like a, a soldier yeah. woman under 18. Delighted. You're like, I'm going to take out three massive loans. Massive loans. Yeah. <laughs> and fuck, fuck the Jews' banks yeah. up. But Napoleon wanted to do this because it was like undercutting them. Didn't work though. It was partly religious and it's sold this way by Napoleon. Like, oh, those Jews are coming in now, so we got to get, like, let's fuck them up. Not because they're fucking me up financially, but because they're Jews and we're Christians and, you know. You know yourself. Yeah. But obviously this was an undercutting of the funding of the armies that were fighting them, and everybody kind of knew it and went, no, you know, let's see if you win first. Let's hang on. Yeah. Let's see if you win. If you win, then you can hobble the Jews. But right now, we'll keep taking Jewish money and we'll see how it goes. Do you know? Uh, these are just like a couple of little smatterings in the show of the types of things that um, the Napoleonic forces were doing in Europe that interrupted, like, the flows of money. These are just, like, Jesus. It's literally only a half dozen little anecdotes about Milanese and Nepalese, yeah. Neapolitan money moving to Austria. That's one. This was another one about the, the um, infamous decree. There's thousands of things that the French were doing to stop, like, movements of goods from England into Europe, from lads moving from different states in, in Germany and Austria. Like, just so much uh, 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 subjugation and, and and political machinations. You can't, you, it's like you'd have to be a, a Napoleonic scholar like to go through all the stuff that affected the Rothschilds and how they did it between 1806 and 1814 and that in, during the war. Like, And still yet still, these boys came out with billions on the other side. Yeah. They weren't just like doing business in the finance and going, geez, I hope we do well. They were literally fighting everything on all fronts anti-Semitism, you know, fucking, ra- like, racial hatred, uh, f- like, financial undercutting, bad business dealings, countries, war, fucking global markets, a rebellion, uh, like, a, a rebellion against the crown in another country across an ocean, like, all of these things, and yet still, yet still, uh-huh. they're made money hand over fist over fist, right? So this is the one. This is the thing I think is the biggest conspiracy that isn't true about uh, the Rothschilds. And this is the one where you're like, how did the Rothschilds make so much money? Oh, sure, didn't he know about the blah, blah, blah? This is one of the enduring myths about the Rothschilds and their dodgy dealings. Apparently, as the story goes, Nathan knew about the results of the Battle of Waterloo, and Napoleon couldn't escape if he wanted to. <laughs> he tried holding anything back, but he was but he, he was stronger, my boy. So Nathan had allegedly advanced knowledge of Wellington winning the battle, and thus the war. But because of the slow communication through military channels at the time... Nathan was poised to make a shitload from information that no one else had. Again, speed of information, coloured envelopes, carry pigeons, new postal service, like bang, bang, bang. Nathan apparently instructed his people in London to dump all the government bonds onto the market. So remember here, he was at, at, at during the War of the Seven Coalition, everybody was looking for money and he was just going, bang, bang, here's the cash, boys. Yeah. He was pulling money in from Vienna, from Milan, from every other bank. Like Nathan was like, I haven't got any more money to lend, boys. Like, give me more money. These cunts want more money. And he was holding all these bonds. Now, if I had to went our ways or if Napoleon had a won, fucked. they were fucked, which fucked. is why he wanted to do the decree because it's like, right, they've no cash. They've no gold. All they have is bonds of governments that I may defeat. Then they're fucked then I win. And I'm just going to do all the stuff that they're doing, cash money. 
right? Yeah. But at Waterloo, Napoleon was, uh, you know, defeated. And uh, it was his Waterloo. Somewhere. It was, yeah. <laughs> my, 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 Tom. Uh, uh, so this is, you know, uh, uh, he instructed his people in London to dump all of these government bonds on the market when they found out that Napoleon was defeated. This then, in turn, made financial opposition fear that something had gone wrong at the battle because they're like, fuck, did Rothschild just dump all these bonds? Shit, that must mean that them boys are, like, Napoleon must have won. He's trying to get rid of the bonds to try, oh, quick shit, knee-jerk reaction. All of theirs put theirs onto the market too and it fucking crashed the market down to nothing. Like, these bonds were worth nothing. Now, what we would call it today is an old-fashioned pump and dump. Yeah. False information, inflate the value or deflate the value, down to nothing. Scooped them all up when the market plummeted. Uh-huh. And Nathan had cash money. Boys, money! But b- bought them all. Bonds! Bastards. <laughs> bought, bought all these fucking bonds up at nothing. as His own back yeah. and everybody else's. Remember when... when uh, Elon Musk sold a lot of his shares when they were really high price and he made a bottom money he put it into SpaceX and he's like, I kind of want the control in the shares back of Tesla. I know. I'm going to go on Joe Rogan and smoke a big fat joint. Yeah. yeah. And then crash the fucking Tesla stock and then he had a few bob left over from what he made off SpaceX and bought back all the stock <laughs> because he went like, they've lost faith in Tesla and Tesla's price went down and he bought back all the ones plus another few yeah. Uh, that he had lost in the sale and essentially doubled his money for that's, market manipulation. Of course, so obvious. everything he's ever said about cryptos has been market market manipulation. Dogecoin was is a, a massive crime. Ridiculous, yeah. massive yeah. crime. They're so powerful. Going on to it's SNL, really like you got it on SNL, yeah. man. No man, it's pyramid scheme. Mm-hmm. So uh, Nathan, being cash rich, then with all the boys putting together the money, guys, come on, got one, got uh, uh, like Wesley Snipes, like always bet on black. You know, like putting all their money on one spin of the wheel. He bought up all of these government bonds from his own ones that he dumped in and all his opponents' ones at a super low price. And then when the news came in from the front that Wellington had won, you know, quids in. Faith was restored and the government would have the financial capability to then buy their bonds back from Nathan. But now they were to be bought back for their original value, as is the nature of government bonds. So if you're putting out a government bond from the British government of £100... And then they lose faith and they're like, oh, fuck, I take it off you for £20 because I don't know, I don't think they'll even be able to afford to buy it back off you. But if they do buy it back, for whatever price you pay for it, they have to buy it back for whatever the bond is on the front of the paper. <laughs> so if they do have the £100 to buy it back, you'll be made 80 quid. Yeah. Nathan made so much money. He made so much money off this one transaction and this infrastructure of fast communication. Like, he had, he had actually more money than the British government after the transactions. More money than the British government had, right? Um, they, uh, it was ruthless, but again, not illegal yet. And this process is known as arbitrage, which is the simultaneous purchase and sale of equivalent assets or the same asset in multiple markets in order to exploit a temporary discrepancy in prices. You're moving one thing from another. And they used to do that like, uh, the example that was given in the podcast I was listening to is, you know, if gold is $90 in Mexico and then you cross over Tijuana, you cross over into San Diego and uh, it's $100. So you go down and take all your money and you buy a load of gold for $90 in, in Mexico and bring it over to San Diego 
and sell it for a hundred dollars and you're making ten bucks off it. He just did that with a whole government. Yeah. <laughs> by manipulating the market himself. Now this made him literally the richest man in the world at the time, essentially owning the Bank of England. Of course. He owned it to the tune of $225 billion in today's money, which at the time was almost uh, like a, the money. A, a, a 15th of the, the entire money in the whole planet. Yeah. Right? He was a privately owned bank for 250... Oh, the Bank of England was a privately owned bank for 250 years until it was privatised in 1946, but with that kind of legacy and serious debt to one organisation, how do we know really that the Rothschilds, their subsidiary companies, the trusts or whoever, are not still in control of the British government oh, or any other government, for instance? Because he did this bonds trick again and again and again. He did it with the Russian government when they fell the Bolsheviks. He did it in 1816 with the Prussian government. He did this shit again and again with all of these bonds, f- form a fucking crisis, buy them all for nothing, and then the government is for... Because like, if you don't buy the government bonds back... The government goes out of business. Yeah, they got to have him back. They have to have him back. Does he By sound law, like the kind of guy? In the front. Does he sound like the kind of guy that would walk away from that kind of fucking power? Like he just let just go. Ah, yeah, go on, have your country back for no reason. This is a family that repeatedly could have been beheaded multiple times over yeah. over their generations for the shit they were up to. If they got caught, they were risking everything repeatedly over the course of of, of a couple of hundred years to to pull all this shit off, like. You're not walking away. You're not. You're not doing not that, all. and not wanting all the fucking pie. You know. And now, after that many hours, we're only up to 1932. Yeah. Like it's a long story. We'll get to the rest another sweet day. Uh, we're very sweaty in this one, so we'll just get off the fence very quickly and go and air out our balls in yeah. the, in in the night air. Tell us very quick off the fence. Was Meyer Amschel a great dad and a great businessman, or was he a terrible? Conniving Jew, Jen. <laughs> oh, Jesus, that's a great question. Cheers for that. Um, I don't know if he was a great dad. He was a he was a fucking wise man who who had his. He was a wise man who saw how the world worked and forged a system that would both look after and empower his offspring for generations, and like. Wherever that leads, if that goes to evil places and all the rest, or, you know, obviously you're, you're funding both sides of wars and you're doing all this shit, <laughs> there should be a Meyer Rothschild and everyone in terms of uh, for, for uh, planning for your family and, and, and trying to... Take care of your goddamn self. Huh? Taking care of your goddamn self. Take care of yourself. And, like, like it's all well and good complaining about... The, like, if everybody was doing that, there wouldn't be an oligarchical giant power. If everybody was really thinking forward and uh, doing everything they could to instill, like, how the world works and wisdom into their kids and how to, how to play at the fucking game of life, nobody is doing that with their kids. You know, that kind of way. Yeah. Like, we're still figuring this out Molly in our 40s. Like, how the fuck does all this shit work exactly? Yeah. Like, Are you a boy if, or a girl? How do you feel? Yeah. Yeah. Instead of going, money, money, business. What I'm asking is, was he preoccupied with making money and did he force his sons into doing this thing as a carbon copy of himself? Or is this just like a natural gift and they were the lads that were destined to do this thing? What I'm asking is like, it wasn't legal, it was just immoral. So is that a is that a thing that should have been done or not been done? Like, he was very skilled and he had a very tragic early life where his parents died when he was very young and yet he was still able to create this stuff. Is he like a bad cunt 
or is he like a genius businessman is what I'm asking me like, uh, Tom can go and we can yeah, discuss I, it yeah I would absolutely lean um, from what I've read on, on him and all the rest of it, I would lean towards he's a genius businessman and it, what were the options back then it wasn't like his sons could turn around and tip off the college and go hey why don't you just maybe you know take a year out do do you know do yeah. America and, and maybe ride around there was what fucking options were there you go fucking you go big or die yeah. this is the fucking options fucking shit or bust get off the fucking pot this the whole world was leaning against them the so rules get, against Jews made it very hard to do anything it was clear and yet he still excelled it was clear like his father was pottering around with the coin business there was a couple of boys doing similar old things but you were either going to be a potter tipping around making a few pounds to put the dinner on the table or you were going to go gangbusters at this fucking thing because mm. you were going to do one or the other because there wasn't any there didn't seem to be like an intermediate level where you could do grand you know like a fucking used car salesman who's making 90 grand a year it was either fucking scratching a fucking living or go after the big dogs around the fucking town and you weren't going to be able to do that unless he could cozy up to the fucking to who was in power in Frankfurt now, he seemed to have a lot of pride in Frankfurt because if it was me I would have fucking walked away from the fucking place and said fuck that kip but to go back and liberate him that's like, the thing man for me uh, he, that was an amazing one yeah. I think he could have fucking ran a mile and said sure, we're not he's, we're not born in, he's, uh, I'm born here alright the old man and the mother moved here so it's not like we have a long lineage that's the thing it wasn't that like long my father like, played county yeah. for fucking for Frankfurt his father played county we're L- from, a long line of Bowers so he didn't even keep the name and change his it, name and everything it, it, it meant like, fuck all to him but <laughs> he saw the injustice like it didn't benefit him massively it wasn't like he'd a big factory that he needed to free a load of fucking lads to yeah. come work for him. He, he, it seemed to, it didn't seem to be a, a, a financial, like he paid out of his own arse pocket. Yeah. Now, okay, he would have a legion of people behind him that would back him for whatever he wanted. But, but the thing is, them? we're already backing him. Yeah, yeah he, he, he did need not need them so at that there point. Was no, there didn't seem to be a sinister route as to why. This one I'm asking is a lot of people put a lot of fucking stink on the Rothschilds. And say like, oh, these fucking Jew bastards are coming in, they're fucking usurers and taking advantage of everybody coming in here and the blah, blah, blah. And the anti-Semitism is high. And I know I've said, look it, if you're a bad cunt, you're doing bad shit and you happen to be a Jew, you'd be like, you fucking Jew bastard. You're a fella who happens to have one eye and you're doing some bad shit, you fucking one eye bastard. Like it's not, people put too much stock in that like, oh, the Jews, they love money and the blah, blah, blah. Those rumours and those um, racist, let's say, racist ideologies, racist opinions about a whole race of people comes from these types of stories which are not fully deep-dyed, they're not fully, you know, blown apart into, blown apart into their component elements and, and examined piece by piece. I think I've done a pretty good job there of showing what the fuck else are these fucking lads supposed to have done in Frankfurt at the time when they weren't allowed to have land, they weren't allowed to be farmers, they weren't allowed to fucking buy and sell because there was uh, restrictions because of fucking Napoleonic, uh, uh, you know, imperialism. They weren't allowed to fucking walk outside at night time or on a Sunday. They weren't allowed to fucking marry only 12 a a year for the whole town. The whole population of Jews was only 12, fucking 24 concerts to get married to each other, Right. Think about the shit that people are going on about about gay marriage and about this and about that. Think about that times a million. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And just for Jews. Like, of course they're going to fight against this thing. And Meyer was like, okay, I'm a subjugated race. People don't like me or my people. 
I'm not going to bother trying to fight my way up or climb my way up the ladder. I think the mad respect for me comes from the fact that you just went, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna love attraction this shit. What I want is to be mad rich and be hobnobbing with princes. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go up to princes and just be like, sup, prince? Uh. I don't think I don't think he was actually, personally, I don't got a feeling like he was uh, trying to cozy up to royalty. I don't feel, I think he was his own man. He but, was his own man. It was his, but route, in, it was his route to becoming, because money after a while, any of these guys' autobiographies that I've read, money after a while is not actually what it's about. It's about success. Yes. And sure, how do you put the genie back in the bottle once you've had one win, that little shot of fucking adrenaline, you're like, yeah. I got to keep this fucking going because you can't put the shite back in the horse. I have to fucking keep going. I don't know why there's not a movie about this in the way that it's played like fucking Meyer Amstel's played by like Eddie Redmayne or something like that and he's out, he's out at his little his little desk shop and the prince comes in and he's like sprinkling the good bits on the desk like and being like, that's quite a nice piece, Your Majesty. Like this kind yeah. of thing. Like that's how he started. Fake humility, knowing that these motherfuckers... Look at... And who did he do it to? He wasn't going out smashing the fucking... No, the small he was man. some... He was fucking up governments. Well, he was he was rinsing governments and rinsing Kingdoms, high power. princes. So fuck those guys, like. It's crazy, right? You know, you watch, uh, you know, that Eddie Murphy movie, um, The Distinguished Gentleman. Yes. And this quote, and I watched it as a child. This quote rings in my head twice a week. And they're sitting around. Eddie Murphy's just after seeing, uh, there are a bunch of hustlers, like a gang of hustlers, you know. A girl, big giant wardrobe motherfucker, this old dude, and they all they, they play do confidence trickstery and all this kind of stuff. And Eddie Murphy is like this great confidence trickster, calm man, brilliant, right? And he ends up seeing some shit about Washington. They're in Washington D.C. and he sees like how much? What? I can't remember how, exactly how he how he found out. It was maybe like a, pretend to be a waiter at a dinner party. He's like five hundred thousand dollars. God damn, five hundred thousand dollars. So it turns out that he found out that these lads in Washington are just rinsing money through their coffers. He's like, damn, I got to get my hands on that stuff. So he starts running for office and does this whole thing. So they're sitting around, they're down by the docks and they're figuring out like, what, what's their next move? What are they going to do? What's their policies? How are you going to do this thing? It's like, man, I really want to get into, you know, politics. It's like, you know, it's a lot of cash. And it's like, but what, what are we going to The old man is sitting, he's cleaning, he's cleaning this knife and he just looks over and goes, Hey, you ever hear about Willie Sutton? He's like, Willie Sutton? That that motherfucker used to rob banks? Yeah, Willie Sutton. You know what he used to say? What, what he used to say? Whenever he asked Willie Sutton why he robbed banks, Willie would say, that's where the money is. <laughs> it's such a stupid little scene in the movie, yeah, yeah, but it yeah, means yeah, so much yeah. because it's like trying to tell Eddie Murphy's character this is your destiny. Mm. Washington, D.C. and all everything you've done for your whole life and all the stuff you've trained to do, you're a fucking bum off the street, but you have the skill, you have the talent, you have the fucking chutzpah. That's, you know, I'm getting into my Yiddish now, yeah. right? Chutzpah. Get your chutzpah. Get into Washington, D.C. because all it is is a bunch of yous, yeah, but yeah. from different fucking organizations. It's just a bunch of con men doing cons and you're the best at cons. Yeah. So just go in there and pretend like you belong. It's like Washington D.C., baby. That's where the money is. Yeah, fucking and that shit rolls around in my head twice a week. I hear that quote <laughs> from the from the deep dark depths. So I look at Mayor Mayor Rothschild here and I say like he was sitting there going, 
Am I just going to nickel and dime these coins and having coins coming in and biting them, having a look, fucking lucky lose, like having a look at some ring and being like, you know, or am I going to go, where's the cunt that has the most money? Now where's the cunt that has the second most money? Get me the second most money, motherfucker. Get him in here because I want to get to the first most money guy. And he's not going to talk to me. Yeah. Get me five lads down and I'll work my way up. But I'm not starting at number 100 guy. Yeah. I'm not going to hang around for a while until somebody notices me. And his kid will be desperate to prove himself because his dad is the top guy and he's the next guy coming and he yeah. wants to prove himself and he's desperate. Like, he's probably not there on merit, you know, that yeah. kind of way. And yeah. he's but there's no point in, to make a name for himself. There's no point in going for the king. There was no point mm. in going for Frederick. You go for Prince Prince William. Yeah, that's what I mean, yeah. There's no point in going for the king because the king is like, I'm hardened and I'm grizzled and I don't want any change. Get him when they're young. And don't, don't forget, he did just show his 20 boys. Yeah. yeah. But he'd been on the fucking go. From, for eight from years, twelve. Of course, he's like that young lad in uh, Euphoria, you know, Ashtray. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah, like the you know, yeah, for, yeah. Um, you know uh, the shotguns and tattoos and all. So like, he didn't try and schmooze the king, but he went. You know what? That prince looks like he needs a bit of schmoozing, and the king's going to die sometime. It's long game shit. Yeah. Be friends with that guy. Wait a few years. Bang. Do you know? Yep. I have all, uh, like I know it's terrible to say in a conspiracy podcast. I've utmost respect for Mayor Amschel Rothschild. Because he did pull himself up by his bootstraps. By, by all accounts, in the readings I saw, he was actually a, a good man. There was there was quotes from people as children remembering like he'd always he always had looked like an upstanding man, yeah, gentleman that would walk around the place. But he'd always this one fella said, "I remember him vividly having a nice word with my father, and then turning and pressing a coin into my hand." He do that all the time. Rubbing my head. He, I didn't want to put all those anecdotes in because yeah, there's so yeah, many yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah. But in all the podcasts, that's the shit that got in the Frederick Martin uh, Rothschilds book and in the Portrait of a Family. Uh, it's written by fuck. I can't remember the name of the one. It's written by. Um, but she gives this really holistic view of the Rothschilds as like, you know, they were subjugated, so they had to survive. They were, but they had their backs against the wall, so they had to do that shit. It's like they the had no other option. mentality, you know. It's like oh, yeah. when these like Cubans step off the boat yeah. and they punch their way to the top of the fucking, you know, the yeah. heavyweight championship or whatever, you know. First you get the money, then you get the power. Sure, look at the <laughs> then Irish. you get the, look at the little, Irish in small New York little hat. And Boston, look at the Irish in New York and Boston. Like they went over yeah. there. Oh yeah, fucking five lamps, empty, man. empty bellies on them, hunger. And then all of a sudden, like well, I was in Boston for uh, one a, a summer, and I remember. One of the lads' girlfriends who was there as well, she worked in a country club. And, like, the tips she came home with, and all of them had... Did she get like, them done, like? The tips, just the tips. Oh, yeah, yeah. But she was making, I'd say, 500 a day. Yeah. But these were all she was people... proper Irish. And, being and the, these were McCarthy's and stuff like giving that. Giving them the were, grow. But these were all people, like, several billionaires were mm. members of this club. And there were people with, like, McCarthy and O'Brien and stuff like that. You know, so they were... But... These are people that had gone to. Extreme. You have to survive, and you fucking you. You're thinking every single fucking day. How am I getting out of this shit? Yeah. How am I getting my kids out of this fucking shit? And like, you will be ruthless, being you're massively fucking, oppressed the whole time. Yeah, be, you, I, I, I can, I, I can really have empathy for, like, lads who are slinging rock, or lads in South Africa who are doing carjackings. Or yeah, yeah. there is, there has to be an element of empathy for people who are put in a position where they can't do anything. And not everybody can be a Rothschild. Not everyone can get a bunch of gold coins and do the blah, blah, blah. Like, it's not easy. Yeah. And sometimes you have no other option. And crime is an inevitability in a place where there's poverty. Mm. And the more poverty is, the more crime there is. Like, it's a fucking easy formula to, to make up. And I, But I, I think these lads, for as much as, as much bad as they've done, they've done a lot of good. 
So my second off the fence question to you is, and there's only two more, this one and another one. Nathan and the boys, but specifically Nathan, did he carry on his father's altruistic legacy, or did he kind of turn a bit like, oh, is he the reason that the badness came? On the he, name of Rothschild. What he probably did was took all the learnings from his father. But let's be honest. I mean, if you were marking him, if you were, if it was, if it was the top trumps for best businessman award, <laughs> you'd say Nathan fucking crushed his own man. He, I kind of think so. He took what his father set in motion and he fucking crushed it. He absolutely became the first and biggest and rich. He was the next Alexander the Great. He was the greatest man at, of his time, like in, in money making. Money service. making, yeah. There was nobody to touch him. He was worth more than everybody on the planet. We haven't we haven't got to the we haven't got to the end of Nathan's life now. There's another like t- no, probably two episodes before we get to the end of it. So I can't But his final his final for, from what we've learned now in his early days, his final uh money tally at his death is estimated to be eight hundred and fifty billion dollars. Well you summed it up and when you described him as being the Tiger Woods of of banking. Yeah. Because his father coached him from an early age, so he didn't know. Well, he knew a bit of poverty because they all slept in that one room. Upstairs. They did until they were late teens. He knew what a bit of hardship was, but it he he took it. And I mean, whether he was a psychopath or he had a, a shark shark eye on him, he would want to. He'd fucking want to have the hardest fucking pair of jocks in fucking London. Yeah, he, he got he, ran out of Manchester. Could have been killed. That's the thing. There. He was he was on the run. He was taking risks, and these these are massive financial. Like you ever watch like the fucking uh, you know those those uh, like stock those Wall Street movies or like Wolf of Wall Street and shit like that or um what's the one uh, with Steve Carell the Big Short and all that yeah. stuff. Like just lads that lose their bollocks and jump off a fucking building. Yeah. Mm. But these guys supported each other. There was five of them. See, and if the London lost a few money, if Vienna... He compounded... Yeah. The five arrows, man. To get yeah. your five sons, good, bad, or indifferent, the five sons to actually all work together, they're not all going to be the brightest pip fucking knife in the drawer. Carl. But look at Carl fucking <laughs> was in Naples where, the where you know... Getting his fucking rod polished, man. Yeah, but at the same time, the who's in... Who, where, what was, who was in Naples? Only the fucking mafia. mafia. yeah. But at least he was able to keep them at bay. He didn't collapse. Oh, he was work. We'll do that in the next episode. Yeah. Car- yeah, Carl was working with him. What I'm saying is he managed to get five. You'd never do it. Get five sons to all work yeah. in the same business. And you said you're going to take... Uh, there's always going to be one fucking raging. Ah, for fuck's sake, I hate fucking Vienna. I fucking hate yeah. it. Fuck you and get up there. And they all did what Daddy said, yeah. and they all fucking turned into success of it, and they stayed in contact. Now, no doubt, but they around. fight amongst each other. There's loads, yeah. yeah. There's no loads of letters uh, like, oh, uh, "Carl, you fucking dope." Yeah, but sure you would. Send me that thing. It's two weeks late. Go fuck yourself. Do you remember the time you we caught you wanking in the fucking cupboard? There's letters like that. Like we caught you pulling your pulling your goods off in the cupboard. You stupid cunt. Send me that money. Love Nathan, yeah. <laughs> like, but there's they're all you could you could read them all. They're all like on. Uh, and you know someone's reading this fucking letter yeah, on it. No, like two hundred years, like. But it was all like yeah, fucking wanker, like all this kind of stuff saying to each other, like uh, each other guff. But it was they yeah. still managed to keep it together. And I think I personally think it's born out of a place of jealousy. A lot of these original Res- resentment, fucking, yeah, these resentment fucking. Uh, I suppose tropes that we hear, fucking old Jews and fucking old you, money, fucking, money grubbing Jews, money grubbing fucking old yeah. Jews. You're like. Way to fuck! They were f- his, a f- a fella who fucking he not only made the fucking boots, he made the straps on him to fucking pull himself yes. up out of. With no parents from the age of fucking twelve, living in a kip, 
in a fucking suppressed kip and still came up and to be able to create a family that's the, the arguably the richest family. family of all time. Yeah, create a family that invented ways to make wealth. Yeah. Okay, other crowds they'll blame them. America gets will blame them for their own misgivings. I think they're an easy get, target, Tom. America's a fucking kip now when it comes to fucking how it's carry how they're carrying on yeah. over there. Well. Whoever wins the game is the easy target. Yeah, if, if, the, if he had got his head lopped off for one of his stunts, whoever won that would be the person. And it, it, he's not Jewish anymore. Now it's a black guy, or now it's yeah, an Italian yeah, yeah, guy, yeah. or now you're, now you're just everybody's saying that. You know, he he won the fucking game. The other thing is, it's like uh, what Trump said that time when he was talking about the Wall Street lads. He was like, "You don't know these people are fucking killers. What are you fucking feeling sorry for them? You know." Nathan's swimming in a fucking shark tank. You know that kind of way. And he's, he's trying to fight his way out of it. Like it's prison rules, you got to be the hardest. They're all the killers. Whoever yeah, wins yeah. it is a fucking killer. You know that kind of way. So yeah. like, shit. Like Highlander man. Like there can be only one. Yeah. Like, was, yeah. Like, last off defense, and we go mm. get to dinner. The myth of Waterloo, and this is the enduring, uh, the enduring. I, I guess it's a slander that like Nathan used on. Uh, uncouth. Uh, uncouth methods yeah. to be able to hide like that um, uh, Wellington won in Waterloo and that they were able to do the bonds and they diddled the, the Bank of England is that Nathan's duplicity or is it England's folly should we blame Nathan and say oh look at that motherfucker he ended up being like with that one move he ended up being the richest man in the world is that a real thing I, I as far as I've read that it was a myth that loads of people knew, but he was the only one that was able to action it. That there wasn't, he wasn't the only one. Like, how many people were at fucking Waterloo? Like, come on. Mm. But because he had the infrastructure built already, because he was able to get there faster, because he was, it wasn't like he hid the information. What do you guys think? Was it, uh, was I, it the fault of the Bank of England that ended up getting owned by the Rothschilds? I, or? I, I heard the story completely differently. How um, did you hear it? Well, not completely differently, but by all accounts, he, he had rapid fire response yes and he he approached the house of parliament or he had his his cor- his his i suppose his his runner come in and tell the good news they didn't believe him how the fuck should we have our own fellas come away to fuck out of that didn't believe him a second one came in possibly because he was jewish they were yeah. a little bit prejudiced came in a follow came in later in the day he had another one come in because he always had a backup he always had two like a good fucking scout always had a backup another lad came in gone we won the fucking Waterloo. Uh, what? And then their own fella came in a day later and went, <laughs> we fucking won Waterloo. He went, fucking Rothschild had this fucking, and 24 hours was supposed to be a big time. Well, she'd already dumped him that morning, like. So, dumped those bonds that what, morning. By all accounts, they were ready to, it was like the, it was like a bad dog, a bold fucking dog realising who the master was. And by all accounts, then, they were happy to hand over. They were happy to hand all power to fucking Rothschild because they went, this fella has it. He's the finger on the pulse mm. of the world. We Because they couldn't understand. They just couldn't understand how news could travel that fast. Yeah. They obviously had no concept of a wire, you know, ticker. T- they no concept of anything other than manpower and legs and horseback. Which are but the but best Rothschild horse. innovated all of those yeah. technologies yeah, 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 yeah. because he knew that information is the winner. It doesn't yeah. matter how much money you have. You can have very small amount of money and information first and make a big amount of money, which is what he did comparatively. He had, like, not a, f- a well, huge, ginormous fortune. He had the news on everybody. He had the news on everybody. Like <laughs> That's it, man. Bloomberg has that shit. So he's not about money. He's about info, son. Just as you, you talked about Amazon buying up 
the Washington Post. Yeah, you know, that's brilliant info. Shane, what do you think? Well, it's exactly how Wall Street operates now. It's like the biggest headphones have the biggest speeds in, in terms of the information coming in. There was some story. Did you ever read the story about the Irish electrician who... who uh, just that once that he, he was just doing a job in one of these offices and he was like oh you realize if you fucking up to this like you all this info and like uh he basically they had never thought about the connection speeds or something oh no you know what? i'm not even going to say this because i'm not i'm going to fuck this story up but it's the modern equivalent of hopping on a horse and getting the news about uh at waterloo quicker than anyone else mm. that he, it was basically uh he then became a fucking multi-millionaire. He set up a business making the faster faster uh, processing connection speeds to get the fucking, the modern equivalent of the ticker tape information coming into these hedge funds. So that, and it's like fractions of a second quicker mm. that they can make their trades. And uh, it's the same equivalent. So yeah, like it, it makes perfect sense that there was something there. But like you said, it was their folly. The fact that they had to guess whether he was telling the truth or not meant Silly. they weren't fit to be in their position. No. And that's exactly, that was how the Rothschilds won every step of the way in all those transactions. They became the ones that were the most competent at doing the job. So the people... <laughs> and I think we're three fellas who are in respect of people who can do a thing competently because, especially for me because I'm in the conspiracy game, but you're, you know, in, in I don't want to say where you're working, Shane, but it's definitely in the entertainment. Uh, Tom, like you're a born bred entertainer, you're rubbing shoulders with the good and great of the whole industry. <laughs> And the three of us could buy and sell every cunt up and down the road <coughs> with what we know, but we're not let because we're not in the gang. And I absolutely admire admire Amschel and the boys and Nathan because they absolutely weren't in the gang. It was the opposite of being in the gang and yet still they prevailed yeah. and yet still they fucking uh, uh, surpassed everybody. And it sounds really weird on a conspiracy show to be like, the Rochas are fucking class, boys. <laughs> but it's uh, like, we have, to, we, have today, absolutely. we have to be unbiased and go... Yeah. The evidence points towards them being the fucking king shits of fuck mountain. I'm sorry. There's no conspiracy. The but conspiracy balls. heads are like, oh, you can't. They're evil. I'm like, evil or not, Based on they're that. the best of what they do. Why then are people who are not like real good and good of heart doing the same thing that the boys are doing? And then like, I don't know, buying up billions of dollars of Bitcoin and then just like giving it out to all the poor people. How come there's no cunt doing that? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The, the, the evil, if you're also altruistic and all out there, how come you're not just... Doing, if they were doing anything like that, they would have it on Instagram anyway, so... Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't make a motherfucking bit of sense. I think it's very easy, not getting into anti-Semitism, but it's very easy to pick one guy who's doing really well and go, bah, I do know I have a personal resentment of Russell Brand right now because I'm like, where were you when we were all getting kicked off of YouTube? And and not saying all this stuff, and now it's okay to say the shit and we're all kicked off. You were able to say it and you're making raking loads of money and making everybody think that you're fucking sound for being like anti-vax or whatever. I'm, I resent him for that, but I also kind of respect him because he's at least he's getting the message out there. I'm 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 struggling with it. Mm. So he's my like ideological yeah, Nathan to, Rothschild. You, you need to get more androgynous. In fairness, you're Dude, far too masculine. I just right? need to. I'm I'm. I'm got a beard. I'm like an upside down light bulb. It's it's one it's one <laughs> it's one of these things where I I resent him because I'm jealous. I'm jealous of his audience. I'm jealous of his ability to be able to talk about this stuff. I am absolutely not jealous of his skill. I'm absolutely not jealous of his uh, analysis. But the thing is, I need to build a fucking bridge and get over it mm. and just do my own thing. If I'm not releasing shows talking about the thing, why should I be annoyed that he is? Yeah. Shut the fuck up, Gordo. And I think a lot of people are looking at the Rothschilds from a conspiratorial point of view, going, I haven't got a pot to piss in. The world is fucked. It's them Jews' fault. 
And I don't think it's fair and I don't think it's applicable. No, now, what he did no. later on in the, the end of the 19th century and the creation of the Federal Reserve and all that stuff has created an infrastructure with which we're all kind of a little bit enslaved. And that's shitty. Mm-hmm. But up to 1832, which we're talking about now today, compartmentalised, yep. the family came from nothing. They came from less than nothing because they were subjugated. Yeah. And they fucking succeeded beyond anybody's wildest dreams. And Amazing. There, there was evil baked in everywhere. Like, they couldn't have done what they did. If you want to call that even, even if you want to call that evil, what they did, like, the only reason they were able to do that was because the kingdoms that they, you know, even if you want to call it a ransacking or an outsmarting uh, or a replacing of a more intelligent uh, person running the show, even if you want to call that evil, um, well, these were nations that literally had it in their supposed, like, kingdoms of, like, Christendom. They they had it in their own supposed philosophies that they weren't supposed to engage in usury. If they had been honourable and truthful yeah. to the shit they were selling, this couldn't have happened. Yeah. They sinned first. They took the the offer. They took they that painted themselves Faustian into a, bargain yes, and they done the corner. deal. Yeah. You know, so there's sin on both sides, yeah. you know. Get, down you off, get, the point get of yourself finger. down off the cross, you should yeah, be called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's what it is, man. I never thought I'd, like, when you, you asked me to do a Rothschild ages bro, ago, and I was like, oh my who God. Who the fuck would have thought we'd be all going to Rothschilds are awesome? But this is the thing. If you look at it honestly, if you look at it really, and you look at it historically, with truth in your eye, and pureness in your heart, to go, take me by us over, there's a lot of fucking things in the conspiracy game. I'm ch- like, aliens aren't real, and, you know, the Rothschilds are not that bad. Like, all this kind of shit. <laughs> the game is changing. I, I, I'm afraid I'm going to get into some flat earth shit and all now, and then the, and then the game is over and it's going to start changing. But for this, for now, for today, we happy to put stick a pin in the Rochester. Yeah, this has yep. been an epic. I think it's probably one of the longest shows we've ever done. I'd like to thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening. Thank you so much. This has been those conspiracy guys. We're talking about the Rochester today. If you want to reach out to me, there's a link in the description below with all the social media stuff. We don't know where we're going to be social media wise, but there is a gilded. It's like a discard clone because discard act the bollocks and kick people off. Gilded discard clone. You get the invite from the link below. If you like the show, you like what you hear, you want to support me, you want to support what's going on here, and you want to pay the boys, everyone gets paid in this motherfucker. Patreon.com slash those conspiracy guys. Throw $2, you get the ad-free episodes, you get access to all the old stuff, and uh, you get to have, uh, I don't know, send me, a, send me a, you know, a DM and I send you one back. Might not get it on Instagram. I take long shits and I have to do all my DMs while doing poops. So if you ever get a message <laughs> off me on Instagram, it's when there was shit coming in my arse, just so you know. Um, yeah, if you see Gordo typing when it says yeah, typing, typing dot dot dot, that means I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah. Thanks for listening. That's what's happening, right? <laughs> Gordon is wiping. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> wiping dot dot dot. So uh, all it leaves me to do is thank my illustrious and fantastic guests who ha- are here for now more than 24 hours. Uh, we're about to enjoy a-, a wonderful lamb dinner, and uh, I'd like to thank them. For joining me, we got Shane Brown. Thank you very much, my friend. Cheers, man. It's been fantastic. This is, uh, I think, the very, very. We've done a few weekends up here. We, we you, have. You so have some. Good to see you. you have a production uh, in process. We're going to launch it now, but we've been in this room a lot over the last few weeks, and uh, yeah. appreciate your time here today in this sweaty, ball smelling box. I stink right now. Yeah. Speaking speaking about the ball smelling box, yeah. we have uh, Mr. Tom O'Manny here from Bookshop Podcast. Thanks very much for joining us, Tom. It's fucking hard, hard uh, topic today. And I, a lot of reading. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. A lot of history. I, actually, I, I, I knew you picked. We picked it. You picked me right for it because it was. I knew I would enjoy this one. But I, I was so delighted to actually find out that. Oh, I fucking like him. 
It's not that bad. <laughs> I like him. This is like this is like uh, Austin Fletcher going around Fleckus going around asking everybody just before the election when they, they voted Biden in or or did they eighty one million votes going around going like to kids and is Trump really that bad? Most people are like, yeah, he's not that bad, really. He's not that bad. Mm-hmm. Like you're going around asking, are the Rothschilds that bad? Oh yeah, they're cunts. It's like listen to this show and tell me. Yeah. I mean, I can I can reveal to everybody right now that uh, my entire scrotum is stuck to my left leg. <laughs> so um, mine. So I I would I would enjoy stopping and actually yeah. shaking that out. We'll we, we'll go and have a shake now. But uh, but yeah, other than that, it was it's been a joy hanging out with two lads that I absolutely love hanging around with. So at Tom O'Manny comedy on Instagram at Tom underscore O'Manny O M A H O N Y. Um, and Buckshot Pod is the place to be if you want to hear Tom. Doing all these interviews and shenanigans. Fantastic show, fantastic guests, and fantastic man. Thanks to Shane. Thanks to Tom. This has been those conspiracy guys. That's been the Rothschilds. Good night and good luck.